We know now that in the early years of the 20th century, this world was being watched closely by intelligences greater than man's. Men from Moto. Digital strategies with Travis Sowers and David Seville. Intellect, vast, cool, and unsympathetic. Broadcast to the world with the uncanny help of Mana Deprived and FaceToFaceGames.com. Greetings, people of Earth. We are the men from Odo, and you are listening to episode 16, Aether Revolting. My name is David Seville, and I have Travis Sowers on the line with me. Travis, how was your Christmas? It was wonderful, Dave. How was yours? It was fantastic. Nice and cold, just the way I like it up here. Yes, and I think one of the best presents we've got now is the full Aether Revolt spoiler, eh? Yeah, the spoiler came out uh, on Friday, so here we are recording what will probably be a very, very long episode. I am looking forward to it. This is our first uh, preview or review uh, episode that we've done, and I am very, very excited to do this. So... Everyone buckle in. We're going to do these cards in uh, Wooburg order, and uh, we'll explain our rating system very, very quickly here. Essentially, we're just going to rate these cards on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being amazing, 1 being absolutely terrible with the rare 0 thrown in there as well. Um, And all of my ratings, anyway, will be up uh, on a spreadsheet for your review if you prefer to not listen to us ramble on and on about the cards. So without further ado, let us begin. All right, so we're going to jump in with the white cards. Uh, mentioned before we do that we're reviewing this almost exclusively from a limited perspective. Um, I don't play a lot of standard. I have played some Jund and Modern, so I may have some comments about a few cards. Fatal push! Um, but generally speaking, we're going to be talking about these cards from a limited perspective. That'll start us off with Aerial Modification. Four and a white for an enchantment aura, enchant creature or vehicle. As long as enchanted permanent is a vehicle... It's a creature in addition to its other types. Enchanted creature gets plus two, plus two, and has flying. Yeah, so there's a couple of these cards in this cycle. Uh, actually, this is a theme in this set, is there's a lot of these uh, cycles, and this is this is one of them here, I think. And I'm not sure what to think of this card. I'm, I'm not a huge fan when I first look at it. Um, it's a five-mana aura, which runs into all of the downsides that auras usually do. Um, it does have the upside of being able to animate a vehicle. So I think in maybe uh, a vehicle's deck, like a red-white vehicle's deck, this could be a higher pick. Um, but I'm not first picking it. I'm not picking it early. And I think it could be a role player in certain decks. It's just too expensive for me. And while the flying is nice, um, you know, you still run into the dies to removal, dies to bounce problems. And uh, so I rated it a 4 out of 10. Yeah, I'm, I'm probably with you there. If it was a little less expensive, I could see something going on. By playing it on a vehicle, you get around some of the uh, removal problems, like they untap and sorcery speed kill it. We've seen, at least in Kaladesh, vehicles were somewhat hard to deal with. But five mana for an aura, I'm, I'm kind of out. I, I don't know. If we're going to use that scale, I'll, I'll go two. Like every once in a while, I want this as the top end in an aggressive deck with lots of vehicles. Sure, I probably overrated it because of that vehicle perspective. All right, uh, next up is Aeronaut Admiral. It's a twap. Three and a white for a 3-1 human pilot. Flying vehicles you control have flying. 
you know what? The vehicles you care about either have trample or flying already. So I feel like this is kind of overkill if you're looking for that effect. So really you're paying four mana for a three one body, which is not something I'm terribly excited in this set for. There are a couple of minus one, minus one effects in this set, as well as a lot of thopters that um, can block your three one and just kind of shut it down for four mana. I would much rather have like, let's say like a two, two flyer for three than a three, one flyer for four, I think. Um, so I'm a little down on this card. Um, I, I actually, I rated it a four, uh, in my initial pass, but I think I'm going to knock that down to about a three and a half. Um, just because the vehicle aspect, I don't think matters as much. A lot of your vehicles usually fly already or have trample. Maybe it's a little bit of a win more type scenario. Like I'm thinking of launching trains and like one of the issues you sometimes have with the, the ground trampling vehicles is they gang block it. So I, I could see it having some utility, Maybe you play this as your light drop in your vehicle deck, but I agree the body by itself is not impressive. I don't want this in a deck unless I'm getting uh, the advantage of of jumping my cars. So how many trains would you want before you pick this early in pack two, let's say, or or good vehicles, I guess? Yeah, train level quality. I don't know, three, two, okay. maybe two That's with the fair. idea that I'm going to get some more. That's fair. And there's not a good removal spell or something. Like I, I could see it, but all of this puts us into a pretty narrow card. All right. Next up is Aether Inspector. Three and a white for a 2-3. Vigilance, Dwarf Artificier. When Aether Inspector enters the battlefield, you get two energy counters. When it attacks, you may pay two energy. If you do, you get a 1-1 Servo Artifact Creature Token. Am I completely wrong to be just 100% down on this card? Like, it's a 2-3 Vigilance for four, that I don't think is ever going to activate the ability unless you're uh, goldfishing against your opponent. Like, I think it'll be very difficult for a 2-3 Vigilance to attack um, in this set on turn 5. Uh, you know, assuming you play it on curve. I, I don't I don't think you're ever going to get a servo off this, or at least not frequently enough to make it worth it. So unless you want a 2-3 that gives you 2 energy for 4, I'm not a big fan of this card at all. I, I actually gave it a 2. I kind of feel like if you shave one colorless mana off of these first three cards, we've got some really neat cards to talk about. Um, and maybe I'm just spoiled from how pushed things were in Kaladesh. Like, these cards are fine. But, yeah, in, in, unless the card quality has dropped dramatically from what we've seen in Kaladesh, I don't really have room for this guy. I guess it's somewhere to spend energy in white, which we really haven't had, like, colossal ways to do that before. We're making dudes instead of counters. I don't, I don't know. It, it seems a bit underwhelming. I, I imagine it'll fill a similar role that the thriving Ibix did, and that sometimes you'll put it in a deck and it'll be okay, but it's never really a rock star. I would almost rather the thriving Ibex, though, because when it attacks for the first time, it becomes a 3-5, and it's better on the blocks because of the 4 toughness. Uh, this just, it seems underwhelming in all aspects except the 2 energy, I think, and... Yeah. Um, maybe I see this as a late pick in pack two if you're in deep in an energy theme in white, but um, the, the body just doesn't do it for me. So Probably not, although if there's a go-wide deck that still wants Inspired Charge, I, I could see this being mediocre in that too, but ah, too much time on a bad card. Let's move along to Aether Geode Miner. One in a white for a 3-1 Dwarf Scout. Whenever Aether Geode Miner attacks, you get two energy, pay two energy, exile Aether Geode Miner, then return it to the battlefield under its owner's control. So, on the surface, this looks like 
not in a great card. But I think if you dig a little bit deeper, just one layer down, I think it gets very interesting. So what this is, is I think this is a plant to enable revolt very easily. So this card, facing down a, a board where it cannot attack through, can simply attack, spend two energy, blink itself, and then trigger your revolt. Or you can attack with a bunch of things, and if this happens to get blocked, you can protect it. Um, and then all your other things get through, or some of your other things get through. Um, or against a goldfish, like a, a no board, you can just keep swinging and just generate a ton of energy, and then it protects itself in the long term. So while I don't think it's a super high pick, I do think it's, um, you know, an above average creature. It might not just be an above average rare. So it, it kind of sucks that this is a rare card and I'm not going to see it very often because I think it would be a very, very cool card to play with in a revolt deck. Um, I actually rated it a six out of 10. And I think that might go up uh, quite a bit if you have, you know, half of your deck being revolt uh, cards because this is a free way to enable revolt um, as opposed to having to pay mana to, to to blink a creature or something like that. This is basically free um, on your turn. Yeah, it, uh, I'm glad that you pointed that out. If you have a lot of revolting cards, I could see this being a neat enabler. And I I happen to really like three ones for two. Like they can be common devil thorn foxes. They can be uncommons. It doesn't matter. Like on an empty board, that will deal a lot of damage to your opponent. So I, I like the card. I agree with your like assessment. I don't know that we're taking this over decent removal. But if I'm playing a white deck, I'm certainly happy to have something like this in it. Um is is white from what you've looked at so far still a very aggressive color in Aether Revolt? Yeah, uh, it, it appears to be, and it, it appears to be um, has has some really good revolt uh, mechanics as well. There's a lot of really good flyers coming up too. I think with the next card, especially. Actually, I think this card and the next card are, are going to be best friends in the format. Um, mm-hmm. You'll see when you read it, but um, yeah, it, it's it's somewhat aggressive and maybe not as aggressive as Kaladesh. Um, but if, if you pair this with red, obviously, then, then you're going to have a very aggressive deck. Okay. Well, cool. Let's, let's look at the next one then. Airdrop Aeronauts, three white, white for a four, three dwarf scout flying, uh, revolt when it enters the battlefield. If revolt was triggered, which is just a permanent, you control left the battlefield, then you gain five life. Yeah, I guess we should, we should talk about revolt first, because I don't think we've talked about that like in, in detail yet. So revolt basically is stapled onto a card and you get an extra effect if a card you owned or sorry you controlled or controlled you controlled left the battlefield so that could be an artifact that could be like a land like a fetch land or something like that or blinking a creature or a creature dying there's all all sorts of things that can trigger revolt so this is arborback stomper with wings and i love it i think this so it's it's a it's a five mana four three flyer which is pretty okay on its own and I think that because of, of where this will fit into the curve and, and, and you know, this, this could be a late game card, I think this is one of the cards that you really want to try to set up Revolt for if that costs you some amount of mana. So if you have a way to blink a creature, for example, the, the, Geo, uh, the Aether Geode Miner, or you have, um, there's a, an aura coming up that you can blink for one mana or you can return it to your hand for one mana, or if you have an artifact that you can spend one mana on and... and move it to the graveyard, this card becomes a 6-mana, 4-3 flyer that gains you 5 life. And I think that is a very good card. I rated it a 7 out of 10, and I think that might be a little too low. Hey, I, I always look at a card like this and just look at the raw power and toughness for the mana and think, how does it block? 
and then get a little nervous. So I, I, I think for this to be that amazing card you're wanting, it does need to be in a bit of an aggressive deck where you've like sort of set up a race situation. You're attacking with your ground, their ground stuff. The revolt is enabled because they have to take a block. And then you're like, bam, I have a four, three flyer and gain five life. Like, I, I think how good this is depends on how quickly you can enable revolt. Cause if you're ever in a situation where you need to block five mana for a four, three, doesn't matter that it has flying is kind of sucks. That is that is very true. Um, I think that I think that revolt will be difficult to trigger, relatively difficult to trigger um, at sorcery speed. So getting your creatures to trigger to to have revolt effects, I think, will be difficult because your opponents will probably clue into that fairly early on that you they shouldn't be blocking your servos and they shouldn't be blocking your three ones for two that you're just jamming in yeah. every single turn. Um, but I think that this one is worth setting up enough that you're okay putting other effects in your deck to make sure that you trigger the revolt on this card. But you're right. If you don't trigger the revolt, it's just a 4-3 for, for 5 mana, and you're, and you're kind of sad. But I don't think this is too far off from Arborback Stomper. Um, just shave a power and toughness off of it. I mean, Arborback Stomper, you felt bad blocking with as well because of the 4 toughness. But um, it, I think on this card, if, if you're getting the 5 life, you know, 80 to 90% of the time, I think it's a very similar card. I think so too. I just think that you're probably going to get the five life 40 to 60% of the time instead. So like, I, I don't want to play bad stuff to enable revolt, but we'll, we'll see what, what comes along. Um, for example, this next one, alley evasion uh, for a single white and instant choose one target creature. You control gets plus one plus two until end of turn or return target creature. You control to its owner's hand. I could see a world where I bounce one of my guys and then play the aeronauts. Right. But I've two for one myself and turned this into game five and I probably wouldn't just want to play a game five. So I need to get some other value off the bounce, right? Right. So I don't think this is the revolt enabler you're looking for. And I think the, obviously the combat trick is pretty mediocre as well. So you put them both on a modal card and, and maybe it's like a 22nd, 23rd card. If you care about the, the revolt, um, I guess it can save your creature from removal, but um, you know, generally speaking, when you're trying to trigger revolt on your creatures, you're going to be doing it on your turn. So that kind of sucks. There's a few auras in this set that you can, um, like bounce your creature and, and remove your opponent's aura, like, uh, pacifism effects and things like that. O-ring, I guess you can't do O-ring. It's just pacifism type effects. So I'm pretty down on this card. I gave it a three and a half out of 10. And, um, because I think I, the plus one, plus two, I wish it untapped or I wish it was, you know, plus two, plus two. Um, I'll maybe put it in a revolt deck, but I'm not picking it very highly at all. This is a fine combat trick. Don't be hating, man. Plus one, plus two means I'm going to win a lot of combats. And there's a situational negate tacked onto it. Sort of. Sort of. I I think this guy's just fine. Like, uh, I'm not suggesting that I'm going to early pick this, but it... Generally speaking, if I'm playing white, I'm going to be aggressive. I want a couple combat tricks. I don't have, you know, three packs of of built to last anymore. And I think this is almost as good. I think this is I think this is worse than built to last. I I, I think it's worse than built to last. I think it's almost as good. Like we're losing a point of power. That sucks. We're losing the indestructibility clause, which didn't always come up. But the fact that I can potentially get something out from a malfunction, save a dude from a burn spell. And all that flexibility for just one white mana, I'm I'm in for alley evasion. I don't like it as the revolt enabler. I I don't think it. I want it to do that, but I think everything else it does, I can find a place to get value out of this. 
so how far off are we on ratings then? If I gave it a three and a half out of ten, um, you know, which is like I said, like twenty second, twenty third card, um, you know, not picking it very highly. I'd say a five. I want it in my deck. If I'm playing white, exactly one copy, I would think. Okay. Like uh, aggressive white decks, I think I want that. Sure. Maybe I'm thinking about it in multiples. Like I probably only want one of these. I don't think I want two. Yeah, I'm with you there. I'm with you there. Okay, that's a fair. This next card is a bit audacious. Um, Audacious Infiltrator, one in a white for a 3-1 Dwarf Rog. Audacious Infiltrator cannot be blocked by artifact creatures. Okay, so servos get out the way. Yeah, how do you like your Devilthorn Fox on steroids? I like him. Reminds me of the dude in uh, Battle for Zendikar that couldn't be blocked by Eldrazi Scions or whatever. Oh, yeah. Which, did we actually play that? I don't remember playing that too frequently because... I did some. Like, it, it all depends on exactly how aggressive a format can get. But I'm, I'm like... Four points of power and toughness for two mana is great. That's what we expect in Magic. That's your Grizzly Bear. Moving it like this gives me the advantage of sometimes I'm on the play and can get in six damage with something like this and then trade it for a card. And every once in a while, your opponent's stuck on two mana and has three drops in hand. And three ones will just get a game too far ahead for you for them to be able to do anything. So I'm super happy with these. I, I, I doubt I'm ever first picking one, but this guy looks great. Yeah, so and we we talked earlier about uh, not we talked offline earlier about the uh, the magic numbers in the set, and uh, I'll give you some some crunch downs right here. So the average numbers are about two point seven, I think, on both the power and the toughness. I don't have that exact number written down. I'm just looking at my chart here. Um, so you're looking at three power and three toughness should be able to trade. Um, and block most things. So most things are less than two power and most things are less than, or sorry, less than three power and less than three toughness. So if you have three on either of those numbers, you're holding your own against a lot of things in the format, which means that this thing does trade up fairly well. There's a lot of three and four drops um, that come with three toughness bodies and maybe an extra effect like a servo or something like that, that this will trade up to. So, you know, even even defensively, I think it plays plays fairly okay. And the fact that it can't be traded off for a token, I think is, most tokens, I think is really good. So, I mean, I only gave it a four and a half out of 10 because it is still just a three, one for two, basically vanilla. Um, but but four and a half to me, I think is is that, um, you know, that that filler two drop, the, the curve enabler that you want in the deck. Um, you're just not picking it super highly. It's a common, you can get it, you know, maybe on a wheel, you can get it, pick seven, pick eight, and pack one if you're white. Um, you don't need to prioritize it, but you can easily, I think, end up with two if you just kind of, you know, let them come to you. See, I might prioritize it a little higher and end up with four. It, it depends on how many things there are that punish X1s. Mm. So like if if black and red are full of destroy X1s, then maybe I need to be a little more careful. Kaladesh was not always a friendly place for X1s. And if that has continued, then this guy's going to go down a little bit. But it, it looks good to me on the surface. Um, next up is another dwarf, a soldier, two and a white for a three, two dwarf soldier with flavor text. Yeah, I'm down on this one. And the reason I'm down on this one is because I think there's a lot of better three drops that you can find elsewhere. So I think that just getting a three, two for three mana is pretty meh. Like I would rather have the three, one for two mana and put better things, better things in my three drop spot. 
So it really, I gave, I gave it a three and it gets a three just because it's flavor text. Like if it had anything else on it, I'm sure it would be okay, but there's just better, um, you know, three drops in every other color. Yeah. It's a shame too. The card looks really cool. He's got this neat armor and like a laser shield, but all he has is one point of toughness over the infiltrator. I'm, I'm not particularly sold there. Next up is Call for Unity. Three white-white for an enchantment. Creatures you control get plus one, plus one for each unity counter on Call of Unity. Revolt, at the beginning of your end step, if a permanent you controlled left the battlefield this turn, put a unity counter on Call for Unity. I I think I really like this card, and this could be a card that I end up being wrong on, but I think if you get two plus one, plus one counters, sorry, two unity counters on this, which I don't think is... You can get one if you set it up correctly, the the turn it comes into play. I think if you can get two on this, I think it's it's a very good card. It's a five mana, it, like anthem. I, what was the anthem that gave you plus two plus two? Crusade. Was there one that, Crusade? Oh no no so no! It not, has, not, no. Not, that wasn't plus two plus two. I, I remember that card. There was one in like scars that did that. Tempered steel for your artifact I, I even, guys. Maybe I'm just thinking of plus one plus one. Like plus one plus one to all your creatures is a very good card, right? Mm-hmm. Plus plus two plus two, which I think you can if you if you first pick this, let's say, I think you can easily direct your deck in that direction. I think it's a very good card. And I don't think the setup cost is very high because you can get a unity counter on turn one if you have, you know, free or cheap enablers on it. Um so I actually rated it a, a seven. I think it's I think it's a good card. And and I, I look forward to first picking it and being wrong. Um and I could very well be wrong about it, but I, I I'm very high on this card. Okay. So what does it want me to do to make it work? It makes me want to play a bunch of creatures. I'm probably okay with that anyway. It makes me the turn I'm going to play it attack and get a trade. I don't think you have to attack to get a trade. I think there are enough ways, and you will see as we go on here, that you can enable revolt without having to do that. So for example, the Aether Geode Miner, I know it's a rare, but that's a free way. And there are a few other free ways to trigger Revolt that I think will be high picks if you pick this card up. Okay. I think I can get behind that. I, I How good this is going to be depends on how easy it is to trigger Revolt. Because obviously the, the terrible scenario, and, and these are the things that I think about, is I'm behind and I draw this and I'm very unhappy. But like in an aggressive white deck, you're building the deck so that you won't be behind. However, if you're playing this, then it's not really doing much for you. So it gets like this weird back and forth. Um, I, I tend not to go all in on strategies like this. It's not quite the blood mist of the set, but it, it reminds me a little bit of that. Like here's a situational enchantment that could be good, but let's let's keep going. You say there's good revolt enablers. Let's see if we can find them and make this card more revolting. I, I'm not going to get tired of that pun. <laughs> Caught in the brights. <laughs> okay i love this card that's awesome two and a white for an enchantment a chant creature enchanted creature can't attack or block when a vehicle you control attacks exile enchanted creature you're just running them over yeah so here's that free revolt enabler here's okay. one of them right so if you have a vehicle and you attack with that vehicle your caught in the brights will leave the battlefield and that will trigger your revolt so it doesn't just have to be these creatures that you're swinging in and trading a 2-2 for a 2-2 or something like that. It can be auras like this. Um, I think this is just this is just a great removal spell. It's a three-mana pacifism that, if you have vehicles, will eventually just exile the creature. Um, so you can get rid of those pesky, you know, activated abilities. Um, this is the highest rated white card that I've had so far, and I gave it a 7.5 out of 10. Um, and the only reason I gave it a 7.5 out of 10 is because there's a better one later. 
So um, I will pick this over most of the, actually all of the cards that I think we've reviewed so far, with the exception of maybe Call for Unity, because I would be interested in picking that first early just to see how it played. Yeah. Um, but if you're first picking Cotton the Brights um, out of most packs, I, I don't think you're making a mistake in 90% of the packs you open. I'm a little gunshot on it just because of how, um, what was the take your driver's license? Revoke privileges turned out like I was, I played them, but I always felt a little weird about it because there was so much main decked enchantment removal everywhere and so much bounce. Like this is still a little susceptible to that with, with the difference of if you can get an attack in with a vehicle, you can get rid of it. So I, it's a little worse than revoke privileges because they can still drive and it's a little better because you can get rid of the thing forever. So I, I don't know. Maybe I'm not super, super high on the enchantment removal. I have to see Like, is there a very cheap green and or white way to remove artifacts and enchantments? If so, maybe I actually don't like this so much. That's fair. But I mean, you still picked revoke privileges reasonably highly right and you still played it if you opened it in a sealed pool and you were white right like you didn't shy away from you maybe maybe cited it out but you always main decked it yeah but like there there were times where i was definitely white and i opened a pack and there was a glint sleeve artisan and a revoke privileges and by the end of the format i was just taking the artisan i mean that's fair artisan was a really good card though yeah yeah fair enough fair enough um but we'll we'll see how this this cracks down in, in the end um next up consulate crackdown Three white white for an enchantment. When Consulate Crackdown enters the battlefield, exile all artifacts your opponents control until Consulate Crackdown leaves the battlefield. This is one of the cards that I really wasn't sure how to how to rate it, and so I wanted to have a discussion about it. So it could potentially remove a lot of stuff. So my first question is: Is it main deckable? And um, I'm not sure. Like, you do run that risk, right, of if your opponent has a, a way to bounce a permanent or has a way to destroy an enchantment, um, you know, they can blow you out with a lot of enter the battlefield effects or, um, you know, obviously they'll lose all their Thopter tokens and their Servo tokens. Um, but the upside on this card can be insane. So I really don't know. And, and, and I want to know what you think. Like, are you picking this early? And if you are, obviously you're going to main deck it. Um, but... If you're main decking it, I think you need to be quick to side it out if either your obviously your opponent has no artifacts, which is very possible in this format, um, or if they are green or white and have an, a way to deal with these you know, quite easily. So I'm really not sure where to rate this. I would say no to picking it early and no to main decking it. Uh, the reason why being uh, this, this, is, this is a rare, right? And it's five mana. I certainly like being able to snipe artifacts. But I'd, I'd like to be doing that for two or three mana. One of the reasons Appetite for the Unnatural was so good was that it was instant speed. So you could, you know, blow out a blocker, blow out something they've sunk mana into, destroy a vehicle after they've crewed it. Um, it like, and, and there were a lot of board states, like the, the Magical Christmas Land version of this is quite high. They have a board of entirely artifacts. You play this and you kill them because you exiled all their artifacts. But at, for five mana, no thanks. If I'm white, yeah, I'll pick it up. I want it in the sideboard. And if there's some sort of all artifact deck, like the blue-black artifact matters deck that we saw in Kaladesh, yeah, this comes in against them. Um, especially because those colors can't really deal with enchantments. But I don't think I'm main decking this and I don't think I'm picking it early. I want cheap and or instant speed ways to interact with artifacts for the main deck. 
Yeah, I think you quickly side it in if your opponent's running a lot of artifact tokens, obviously. Yeah. And vehicles. Yeah. This is this is a very good way to deal with vehicles. Mm-hmm. Um and if your opponent's not running a ton of enter the battlefield effects um on their on their artifacts, then you're not really at a huge risk. Like sure your opponent will kill this and get all their stuff back, but if they're not abusing those enter the battlefield effects, I don't think it's a big blowout. It's still it still sucks, but it's not the end of the world. So I'm right on that cusp of main deck versus sideboard. Um, if I main decked it, I'd be quick to side it out. And if it was in the sideboard, I think I would be quick to side it in. Um, in, a, in because I think a lot of matchups could be favorable for this card. This, this I think, is going to move a lot in my um, in my evaluations as I play in the first week. Um, maybe, maybe artifacts are there's maybe a larger artifact theme um uh because i mean kaladesh was pretty artifact heavy and this could be the same i haven't really got that far in that i I missed the artifacts when i did my initial sweep but um i think this will be an interesting card and i imagine i'll get blown out by it quite a bit sure sure at at rare quite a bit maybe not but it's it's the five mana that's killing it for me if it's cheaper yeah we can talk even at four we're talking at three it's obviously busted but uh yeah for five mana i'm 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 out uh, next up is Conviction, one and a white for an enchant creature. Enchanted creature gets plus one, plus three. You can spend a white to return Conviction to its owner's hand. How do you like your uh, auras that um, offer a huge amount of protection, uh, both on the creature itself and the aura itself? Um, I, I actually really like this card. I have, I've rated it a five, um, which may seem like a low grade, but for an aura, I think that's pretty high. I don't normally play cards like this, and uh, the fact that I can... It enables Revolt cheaply. It's three toughness, which I think is huge in this format. Um, you know, this is... If you just play this on on a two-drop on turn three, if you have nothing else to do, that's a decent play. It can slow down aggro, it can get an extra point of damage in, it protects against some removal. Um, or if you play it... Well, and, and you're holding up the bounce, so you can get it back to your hand. Um, or you can play it late... And again, hold up that bounce just in case uh, you have to. I, I think this is I think this is a really good card. So what rating would I give it if I think you should be playing an off-color basic land over this? <laughs> zero. Okay. I'm gonna go zero. I think I think you're dead wrong. Everything you've said is true, and I can see it doing something. Um you remember the card uh, Luminarch Bantle from Eldritch Moon? Mm-hmm. Like that was a card that I initially underrated and turns out was a crucial part of a deck. It it bumped power and toughness and could give the thing flying and could enable delirium. This I'm not convinced really does any of those things. Plus one, plus three. Like you can put that on your two drop and attack them and they can ignore it and swing past it. Bouncing the enchantment. I mean, that kind of makes it a three-drop enchantment, doesn't it, if we're going to hold up the mana? Well, I mean, sure, if you're playing it on turn three, I'm just saying, like, if you have no turn three play, this is a fine turn three play because it does enable Revolt later on quite easily. Yeah, I'd, One I'd mana, rather, one I'd mana rather, enable Revolt. I'd rather have the Bastion Enforcer and just play a 3-2 on three. I don't know, maybe I'm crazy when I... Like, change this to plus three, plus O, oh, and we can talk. Because it... Uh, all the other white stuff white. seems like it's ag- aggressive. Maybe. I don't know. I just don't like it, man. I, I don't think I'll be playing this. I, I will be happy to be proven wrong on this one. Um, I think that's fair. I'm making a note. 
prove Travis wrong on this one. Okay. And I, it's, at some point, we'll have to play a game against each other so you can play this and I can destroy you. I mean, it's a very low-risk enchantment. No, it's not. You play it on one of your creatures. They kill the creature, it's gone. Unless you bounce it. So the only time the only time they get rid of this, it, it's the Rancor, right? It, it's it's it, is if they remove the creature before you get to put this on it. So obviously you play it in a no mana, if you play it earlier or whatever. But then if you just happen to randomly hold up one white mana the rest of the game, which is a thing that happens in Magic quite frequently, you know, you can either make that decision or you can, you know, choose to tap out and you say, I'm taking that risk. Like you have you have a lot of control over this card. Um I, I think I, I think, okay, I think the difference between five and zero, I think, uh, is just aura bias. Um, like, it's no aerial modification, and, and like, sure, that, that just sucks, because you get nothing out of it, and you have no way to protect yourself. Um, you know, this can lock down the ground, um, you put it on a flyer, and it get an extra point of damage, and the, I think the revolt, I think the revolt is going to be a big deal. So, we'll get there, and we'll see, and we'll come back in a couple of weeks, and I'll tell you about how awesome it was at my pre-release. Okay, I will look forward to hearing that story. Next up is Countless Gears Renegade, one and a white for a 2-2, revolting when Countless Gears enters the battlefield if a permanent left the battlefield, create a 1-1 colorless servo artifact creature token. That's a common, huh? Yeah, I think this is the most underwhelming revolt card in white. I think this is great. I get a grizzly bear and sometimes I get to make a servo with it. Think about how often you're going to be playing this on turn two for no revolt. Yeah, that's great. I've got a 2-2 that can attack and block. Wouldn't you just rather a 3-1 that you could have had earlier? Absolutely. But I think ideally you curve the 3-1 into something and then swing in. They trade off. You can make this. Like if if there's a go wide deck, it depends on how good Grizzly Bears are. But like this looks absolutely fine to me. Because on turn two, I kind of don't care whether I get the body or not. And later, it could be a Glint Sleeve Artisan if I can enable trades. I feel like from what I've seen by White, it's enabling Revolt by attacking with creatures that your opponent has to trade off. Sure, sure. So as long as you have a creature on two that your opponent can trade for and wants to trade for, then this is a Glint Sleeve Artisan on three. Yeah. I don't think... I, I think... I think. Remember how you said like it was like 40% to enable Revolt for the uh, the Arborback Flyer? Yeah. Um, I think it's... I think it's... That's more likely this... For this, like 40% for this. I don't think you're enabling revolt on this one as frequently, which is why I'm underwhelmed by it, which is which is why I'm down on it, yeah. is because I think, you know, if you're enabling revolt on this, it's probably not turn three. It's probably more like turn four or turn five, in which case you're kind of sad playing a two-two, or sorry, a, a, like a, a two-drop. Like you're probably going to want to spend your mana on a four-drop, you know, or a five drop if you're on turn five and, and you've hit your land drops. That's why I think I think I think it I think you're not enabling revolt on this card enough yeah. to make it worthwhile. So that's why I'm down on it. So I gave it a three and a half. There's a lot of cards I think I'd want more than this. Um, but I, I mean, I'm still going to put it in my deck. If I get it on the wheel, I'm still going to pick it. Like it's still going to be fine. It's a grizzly bear. Um, I just don't think that. I don't think this is this is the revolt card you want, and you're yeah. really gonna, you're, you're not going to work hard for the revolt on this one. Yeah, and, and I don't think the payoff's even that big when you do. I'm just saying that I've played plenty of aviary mechanics on turn two just so it can attack and block as a grizzly bear, and this does all of that with potentially some upside. So I, I, I'm in, you know, maybe a four and a half or something or a five. Like, it's just solidly, this is a playable two drop should you want one. Like, if we're doing aggressive things, I, I'm in. 
Um, next up is the Dawnfather, Dawnfeather Eagle, four and a white for a 3-3 three, three flying. When it enters the battlefield, creatures you control get plus one, plus one, and gain vigilance until end of turn. How do you like your inspired captain with wings? I think I like it better than that uh, enchantment. I don't have to do anything except play this, and I've got good attacks. That's true. <clears throat> it's a one-time deal, but the body that it leaves behind is is pretty good. Like a 3-3 three, three flyer, I think, is going to be... Pretty good in this format. So um, I gave it a five and a half, uh, which I mean, I think all my ratings seem a little bit low, but I think like me saying a five and a half means that, you know, I'm more than happy to play this in my deck, knowing that it will be a role player, knowing that it will fill a spot that I need. And um, but I'm just not picking it highly like it's a common Right, like commons automatically get knocked down because I can just pick them up almost any time it feels like. Um, but I will prioritize this over, you know, a countless gears renegade, for example, which is why I gave it a five and a half um, out of ten. So I think I'd do it the other way. I'd want to pick up the countless gears renegade and wheel this because I've probably got room for two eagles and room for five renegades if I'm building some sort of wide aggressive deck, and the eagle like helps you push through that last few bits of damage. Like, here's an inspired charge with wings. I realize it's not quite an inspired charge. It's not instant speed. But I I think I like this card. Like, it's only one mana more than I would want to pay for a 3-3 flyer anyway. Mm-hmm. And, like, you need to have a board. It suffers from all of the things I always complain about. Like, if you're behind, it just doesn't do it. But if you build an aggressive deck, I think I like this guy. Yeah, I think the reason I pick it more than the higher than the Renegade is because I think I can fill that two drop spot with uh there's a couple of other cards that can fill that spot. Sure. Um so so this is like my curve topper. Mm-hmm. You know, this this is this might be my win con if I have a couple of flyers. This goes really well in a skies deck, obviously. Oh yeah, because then right? all of that plus one plus one has evasion. Has so evasion and vigilance, so you can still just block with them afterwards. So, like, you know, if, if you're going to the skies in like a blue white deck, this this I think becomes a high pick in like pack two. Um, but yeah, you know, mid pack one, depending on what my curve looks like, obviously you prioritize a two drop or a five drop. But I'm interested to see how this card plays. Okay, cool. I'm excited to play with it too. I just I've always gotten in the habit of prioritizing the low drops and then getting the fives lighter. Uh, so that's the only thing that worries me a little bit about it. But I like the card. Sure. Um, next up is Deadeye Harpooner, two and a white for a two-two. Uh, revolt, destroy target tapped creature and opponent controls. I like this a lot more than the Countless Gears Renegade because I think the upside is much higher. But I think this is still going to be a tricky revolt card to to play because it requires a lot more setup. Not only do you have to trigger revolt, your opponent's creature has to be tapped. The upside is that you can play this. You're probably wanting to play this more off curve than you are the the renegade like the renegade you're probably playing more on curve than not this one i think you might hold on to more because the the value is there so if you have you know like a one mana or two mana way to trigger revolt this turns into a five mana play a two two and assassinate something which i think is good um but it does run into the problems of of you know your your opponent's creature has to be tapped and sometimes they're not attacking with their bombs sometimes they're not attacking with whatever that you want to kill um but you know, I'm pretty high on this. I gave this a, a six, and I'm hoping that that doesn't go down. So I will pick this highly. It's just you have to be aware that it is going to be hard to time sometimes. I would probably come in at a three with this. Like everything I've seen so far leads me to believe white is aggressive. It was certainly aggressive in the last set, and that like this this effect is classically called an assassinate, destroying a tapped creature. And we've seen many cards in white and black that do this. 
And typically they're not good in aggressive decks. Like I remember in BFZ, there was an assassinate style card and I didn't always want it when I was playing an aggressive white deck because usually like your opponent is holding back all their stuff to block. And I want creatures that can get blockers out of the way. I'm not really worried about the attackers. So like the fact that they have to be attacking me and then I have to get one of my things to die. And then I can play my skate zombie and kill their thing. Like if I've enabled it, sure, this is a great card. It's just like, they have to have attacked me with something and then I have to make a favorable trade or bounce my enchantment or, or do something like that. At which point I feel like I'm jumping through too many hoops. So like I, I'm, I'm not in love with this card. I think that's fair. Um, I'm surprised that we're that far off because assassinate staple to a body, even if it's an assassinate 40% of the time, I think is pretty good. Well, that means 60% of the time I'm playing a three mana two, two. I don't think you are. Like, I think you can hold off on it. Like, I mean, 40% on, I guess you're not doing it on curve, right? Like, this is more like a five or a six drop. Yeah, and I'd just rather have an eagle. I don't know. I'm I'm really unimpressed with this card. Like, the, the upside's certainly there, but after talking through it, I just kind of don't like it. Mm. So if Revolt is really easy to enable, let's say, like, if, 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 if we get all the way through the set review and we're like, hey, like, Revolt is, like, easy you can have these simple artifacts that you pick highly if you're in a revolt deck and no big deal are you higher on this card yeah yeah i think i would bump it up to uh probably a six at that point like you said it's just put it on a three two and we're talking so at least my fail cases i've got a three mana three two sure 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 you're never playing this on curve though like don't don't play this on turn three unless you absolutely need a two two that blocks like this is a turn four turn five turn six play um, you know, this is obviously better than a controlling deck. Maybe this is in a blue-white deck, right? Yeah. Where you're not blocking things and you need to be a little defensive. It probably doesn't go in the red-white aggressive deck. So even like assassinates didn't stack well because whatever whatever it is that you're killing already did something, like attacked you or like yeah. something bad already happened. So I'm kind of not digging the dead eye harpooner, but we'll see. We'll see. Uh de- Decommission is next. Two and a white. Instant. Destroy target artifact or enchantment. Revolt. You gain three life. So if I understand this card correctly, uh, you can just fire this off on your own thing and just gain three life, which is pretty cool. (laughs) Is that how it works? Yeah, I think they go in order. Um, But uh, maybe I'm wrong on that one. It doesn't matter. You're not firing this off on your own things. We liked um, Appetite for the... Was it Appetite for the Unnatural? Yes, Dutch's favorite card. Is that what card. it was called? Mm-hmm. Dutch's favorite card. Um, like we, we main decked it most, not most of the time, half of the time. I so main decked it every single time I had one. Yeah, and but you had, played a lot of sealed. Yeah, also in draft, I main decked it. I had yeah. one copy in the main deck, usually another in the side, and brought it in often. Yeah, so, and I don't think this format changes that, so White finally gets it. I mean, we also played Fragmatize fairly heavily, and an instant speed unconditional fragmentize is probably more appealing than the fragmentize is i guess it depends this is um, just this is just appetite for the unnatural that you work a little harder to gain the three life and i don't care i wasn't playing it for the three life i'm in mm-hmm. of note it is going to be much easier to enable revolt on the instance than it will be on the sorceries and the creatures because you can do it in like you can do it after your opponent has killed a creature um of yours so if your opponent has removal sorcery speed removal or something like that then you can just fire this off at that time um i wouldn't hold on to it to wait for that 
but just be aware and also be aware that you don't want to do it in response to the removal spell. You <laughs> yeah. want to let that removal spell resolve and then fire it off. Do not do that on Moto. Make sure you do not just... A lot of people just fire off their abilities and re- the first time they get a response. Mm-hmm. Um, this is not something you want to do that for. But yeah, it's. I don't think it's a very, very high pick. Like, like you're not first picking this. You're not probably not third picking this because it is a common and you probably only want one in your main deck. So I gave it a five um because of just where i think i can pick it and again it suffers from that because it's a common and i only want one i'm going to knock it down a bit um but you know if you pick this up six pick pack one you're probably pretty happy and you probably don't need to pick up a second one um because it is three mana you know there's only a limited number of uh three mana spells you can put in your deck uh, that aren't creatures so three mana instants and sorceries um but this should hit a lot of things so i'm pretty happy about it yeah and blowing up enchantment like removal at instant speed can be a big deal so yeah. I'm, I'm in. Uh, next up is Deft Dismissal. Three and a white for an instant. Deals three damage divided as you choose among one, two, or three target attacking or blocking creatures. So I had a quite the ro- roller coaster of emotions when I read this card. I was like, three damage? Meh. Divided? Oh! Four mana cost? Eh. And then I ended up, eh. So for those of you listening at home or playing along at home, uh, that's a three out of 10 for me. And the reason it's a three out of 10 is because uh, impeccable timing, we rated very lowly and we played when we had to, and it was just three damage to one creature. And that was hard enough to set up on a, on a, on a good attack or a, a good use of it when your opponent's attacking you. This, I think the the times you're getting a two for one on this, I think is so few and far between that I'm not interested in it for four mana. If it was, Three mana, um, I think it would probably be good, um, but the four mana is just too much to hold up, and you're going to end up throwing away a bunch of creatures to deal like to deal one damage to three things and kill three things or something like that. Like I think the times you're going to three for two yourself or four for three yourself is just there's too many of those. I'm down on this card. Yeah, it's it's too expensive for me. It it looks kind of like a bad impeccable timing. Like, I guess the dream is they attack with a 3-1 and two servos, and you're like, gotcha! But, and, and I could see this having a home in a more defensive deck, maybe like Blue-White Skies. Like, the aggressive deck doesn't even want it anyway because they get to block. Like, they have to block before you can use it. So I'm, I'm usually not wanting that in my aggro deck. So I, I agree with Dave there. Yeah. Uh, next up is Exquisite Archangel, 5-white-white for a 5-5 five, five flyer. If you would lose the game, instead exile Exquisite Archangel and your life total becomes equal to your starting life total. So it's the first Mythic, and this is a cycle of uh, five fives for seven, I think, if I understand correctly. Um, I kind of like this card. The body is huge. I know it's seven mana. I really do know it's seven mana, and it sucks that it dies to, to Doomblade. It, it dies to removal. But if your opponent is just out of gas and... You know, this can swing the game 100% in your favor. So it's a very swinging card. If you play it and your opponent has removal and just beats you anyway, it sucks. But if your opponent is out of removal or that's it, they don't have unconditional removal, um, you know, you're just, this is a huge swing. This is, this is, this is a high risk, high reward card. I want to pick it highly because I want to play with it. And then I'm going to realize that it sucks. So I'm going to give it a high grade to start, and I'm going to come back in two weeks, and I'm going to say, man, I wish I had not given this card a 7 out of 10. That is what I'm going for. It. It's very expensive. It's a curve topper. You only want one of these, period. Um, and it's not the best one of these, which kind of gives you a hint that these ones are kind of good. But 
I, I, I want to see how this effect plays and I'm going to be optimistic on this card. So that's why I'm giving it a seven out of 10. I mean, the upside is at a seven drop, your opponent probably doesn't have much removal left. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I still worry that you'll die with it a lot in your hand. And like the white cards look like they're wanting to be pretty aggressive so far. We've got a, a, a team anthem at common, two serviceable, two drops like that. That looks like an aggressive deck, which really doesn't want something like this. Um, so I, I'm going to go a bit lower than Dave and I guess say four. Maybe there's a green white deck with some ramp that that is interested in in this sort of effect. Um, but it, it doesn't seem like it's doing what the rest of the, the white cards are doing. Yeah, the Death Dismissal and the Archangel seem a bit left out of the party here because everything else is like, let's attack, let's attack, let's attack. But maybe the Harpooner, the Archangel, the Dismissal, we're seeing some defensive white cards, but I'm, I'm not nearly as in love with this card. I think there's a white control shell that I think we're just overlooking. So I okay. think this obviously would fit into that. So if you first pick this, pick one, pack one, I think you would go more down that blue-white control-ish route because I think this is a very good control card. Um, okay. You can take a lot of hits early if you have to. Um, and then when you land this, you know, if you have counter magic, let's say, like I would I'd play counter spell with this card in my deck for sure just to protect it. Um, but, you know, that can just put you at ease and swing you the game. So, um that, that's that's why I'm higher on it. I don't think white has to be aggressive. Um, I think half the cards want to be, and maybe half the cards don't. Yeah. I, like, I want my seven drop to say, you win the game. And this one says, you don't lose the game. It's almost the same thing. Sometimes not losing is winning. This is, this is, <laughs> this is more like, you know, when you lose the game, gain 20 life. Um, you know, yeah, it'll be interesting. I really want to try it once and see how it plays. But it does suffer the seven drop syndrome, so... I want to mill someone out when they're using Exquisite Archangel. So they just die the next turn anyway? Yeah. Be like, awesome, you gain 20 life, you're dead. Ooh, a cat with horns. Um, three and a white for a 1-4 cat beast. When Felidar Guardian enters the battlefield, you may exile another target permanent you control, then return that card to the battlefield under its owner's control. <clears throat> yeah, this is obviously not an aggressive card, so this is that kind of control indicator here. Um, of note, there is an infinite combo with Sahili in this card. Yes, yes. I will be playing standard again in this set. I can sense it. Yeah, there's a lot of combos. Um, so I am not highly picking this in the anticipation of opening a Sahili. I am high, I'm picking this highly if I have a lot of revolt or enter the battlefield effects on my creatures. So of note, if you have a harpooner and you flicker your harpooner, that counts as a creature leaving the battlefield. So oh, when it comes yeah. back into play you can harpoon something again, potentially. So I would be picking this highly in pack two. I don't think I'm picking it highly in pack one. The body is very good defensively, um, the, the four toughness. So um, my original sweep, I gave it a three and a half out of 10. I think that's low. I'm going to bump that up to a four and a half out of 10, um, knowing that I'm going to pick it higher in pack two if I'm a controlly revolting uh, style deck. Yeah, I didn't even think about that with the Harpooner. You're right. Blink effects get really good with that. Um, and, and here, like, blinking any Enter the Battlefield ability looks great. The body seems okay. Make it a 2-4 and I'm 100% sold and actively want more. I have to rate it a little higher because it's a cat beast. Um, mm-hmm. And, like, there's value there. But, I mean, even think about blinking some Fabricate dudes from Kaladesh. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's permanent. You can even blink, like something like puzzle knots blink one of your dudes that's under an enchantment based removal spell. I don't think it's, it's hardly ever difficult to get value 
from a blank mm-hmm. card like this one. So I'm, I'm, I'm very excited to play with this card. Okay, that's fair. Next up is Gearpur Osprey. Two and a white for a 2-2 creature bird with flying. It's that typical 2-2 flyer for a 3 that we see in a lot of formats. There was Shadow Glider and BFZ or whatever it was. And there's always there's always these cards running around. Um, it's pretty average. Um, you know, it goes up if you're playing a, a Flying Matters deck or, or you're trying to get that damage through in the air. Um, I'll play one, maybe two of these. I'm not going to prioritize it over anything else. Like... Sometimes I'm going to rather a 2-3 on the ground or a 3-3 on the ground, but, you know, I gave it a 4 out of 10. I think that's pretty standard for a card like this. Yeah, I think that's fine. I, I wasn't playing Windrake a lot, but I did sometimes. And I think that's mostly because I didn't care for Blue and Kaladesh. But I, I've yeah. I've played Windrake style cards plenty of times. Another white 2-drop. Um, one and a white for Restoration Specialist. 2-1. Can spend a white, sack it, return target artifact card, and up to one target enchantment card from your graveyard to your hand? It's up to one of both. So you can get, get two cards. Okay. Um, so this is a lot of things happening here. Obviously, it's not an aggressive card. It's more of a controlling card. You're probably not Dave, swinging in and just Dave, getting rid of Dave. this. Hold on. Yes. It's, you're not You're not just swinging in because you're trying to get value off of this if you have like if you have those cards in your graveyard, right? You're not just you're not just dumping this out and and attacking for two and then attacking into a two one and just trading it all of the time. Sometimes you might be. There are better aggressive cards than this one. In in the two drop spot, but the ability triggers revolt and cheaply, and it gets you one to two cards value out of your graveyard. So for example, if you're playing your uh, caught in the headlights or you're playing you know your whatever artifacts, there's artifact creatures and things like that. I think this is a very good effect. I would pick it highly in uh, in white. Um, even though I gave it a five and a half, I think that might be a little bit low. I would still pick it very highly. There's just a lot of cards I would pick over over at pick one, pack one. Um, but pick two, pick three, I think this is a signal that white could be open. Yeah. I, I don't know about quite pick two, pick three. I, I, I disagree that this is not an aggressive card because I think it does all of the things that you said it did while being an aggressive card. Um, I, I've seen a lot of people... I've played a lot of Kaladesh, especially sealed. And I've seen people play very good two drops and then refuse to trade them off and then die while they're still in play and just not doing anything. Like it's that, are you too proud segment? Are you too proud to trade your um, long tusk cub for my three, one that's going to kill you? Like it does that in addition to doing all of these other things. So I like this card a lot. It's a nice aggressive body for the aggressive white decks, and it does something late game, which is enable revolt, gets you potentially a lot of value. It plays nicely with the enchantment-based removal we saw earlier, the headlights ones, because it's pretty easy to get that to your graveyard if you have a vehicle. So you can get that back. Like This this card just seems great to me while being stapled on a 2-1 body. Yeah, I think I think that I think that one toughness gets shut down quite easily, right? And and I think I think as you'll see, there's a lot of three toughness creatures coming up, or, or like I said, three is that magic number. So sure. I would if if I'm in an aggressive deck, I think I want the three one attacking more than the two one, obviously. But this extra effect gives you some late game play. Um, if you have, I, th- I think I think if you're not playing any artifacts in your deck, which I think will be very, very rare, then this card goes way down in value. Yeah. But if you have if you have a couple of targets that you can just randomly hit in both categories, artifact and enchantment, um, the value goes way up. So um, you know, if you're picking it early, you're gonna try to set that up. 
this is I, I really would like to pick this up in pack two more than pack one because I would know that I want it or how much I want it in pack two versus speculating on it in pack one, I think. Yeah, I, I guess I just get excited when I see a card that's good on curve and good off curve. Yeah, which it is, right? It's very, very good when you're behind, or not when you're behind, but late game. Yeah, it can potentially be a two for one at that point, like a divination, draw two cards from your graveyard that you want for three mana. I'm in. Um, so I, I like that card a lot. Uh, Solemn Recruit is up next. This is one white, white for a dwarf warrior, two, two double strike. Uh, Revolt, put a plus one, plus one counter on Solemn Recruit at the beginning of your end step. You can keep doing that. Yeah, you can get a plus one, plus one counter every turn. Uh, this is, I gave this an eight. This is, um, you know, a very, very aggressive card. Uh, 2-2 Dribble Strike for three is already good, and it shouldn't be difficult to make it a 3-3. I think this will be a 3-3 like 95% of the time. 3-3 uh, or better, I should say. Like, very rarely is it going to be a 2-2 for much longer than a turn. Yeah, this looks great. I have nothing to say other than I want to pick this card and I want to play it. Bear in mind, double white means you probably want 10 planes in your deck. So you want to be a little heavy on the white side of things because casting this on turn five, still pretty good, but I want to hit this on turn three and start attacking you with it. It it functions a lot like a four, two for three and that plays really well with combat tricks. The combat trick we saw out of white so far was plus one, plus two. That's still enough to force this through. Um, I have not seen amazing ways in white to enable revolt yet outside of that rare, the bounce enchantment and the, um, Combat tricks, I'm really interested to do artifacts and, and see what they look like. But Solemn Recruit <clears throat> looks great. Well, I mean, you had Felidar Gar- uh, Guardian, Restoration Specialist. There's a lot of cheap ways to trigger Revolt. Um, although you're not blinking this card to get Revolt, yeah. which something to keep in mind. You want to blink something else with the Felidar Gar- Guardian if you're trying to do that. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm up on this card. I want to first pick it. I hope I hope I open it in pack one because I am going down that like green white or red white aggressive route tons of times. And there's a plus one plus one sub theme in green as well, which we'll get to in a bit. So very, very much looking forward to this card. Yeah, that looks great. It looks absolutely great. Uh, next up is SRAM, Senior Edificer. Uh, one in white for a 2-2 Legendary Dwarf. Whenever you cast an aura equipment or vehicle spell, draw a card. I think they misspelled the the title on these. I think it's SRAM Senior Editor of the Kaladesh Times. <laughs> so uh, he writes for the Consulate newspaper. But um, yeah, I'm. This is this is a very good card. I think um, uh, the if you can get it in a deck where you're drawing cards off of it, like you have a lot of auras or vehicles equipment. I don't think actually, I don't even know if there's any equipment in this set. So equipment doesn't matter, but there's obviously a few auras in white that are very interesting. There's the repeatable one, which I wouldn't play the repeatable one. Just if I like just that, if I had SRAM, Um, but there's the caught in the headlights as well. Note that this is not enchantments. This is auras. So your global enchantments do not count for this. Um, but it's, you're going to have a random vehicle or two. You're going to have, if you're in white, a random aura or two, you know, if you're playing white blue, for example, I think this is a very good card. Um, I gave it an eight as well, but I would probably pick the solemn recruit over this card. Um, and actually I might knock that down to seven and a half because of that. So I'm just going to adjust my sprint sheet right here. Seven and a half. I'd be interested in first picking this card. I could see that coming down, but I think, you're, you could probably set this up to draw one or two cards off of it, and then I think it's it's pretty good. Yeah, it, it's an example of a rare that's not so much a bomb as it is a value card. Mm-hmm. And like your aggressive decks are going to be interested in that because they're playing auras 
and vehicles. And if there's playable equipment, they'll want those too. And that, that deck also wants a two mana two, two. I just bear in mind that remember in many games, this will be a two mana two, two and, and play accordingly with it. Attack with it. Don't be scared to, to trade it off. If I've got three or four cards that trigger it uh, and I'm aggressive, I definitely want this, but I, I could kind of see first picking other spells over it. I think you're first picking good removal and like some of the very, very like the better creatures over it, um, mm-hmm. especially in white. But if if you pick this early, like let's say you get a, a not so great pack and this is the best card in it, um, then you just prioritize vehicles and auras, especially in white. You're prioritizing those those couple of auras anyway, I think, yeah, or at least yeah. the one. Um, and then if you end up in a, in a blue white deck, there are some very good aura, or at least one very good aura in blue as well. So. Um, yeah, this is more a controlly than aggressive card potentially. Yeah. Um, uh, well, but I, I, maybe, maybe not. Maybe it can it, it can play dual roles. Like the aggressive deck is going to be happy to have a two two that occasionally draws them a card, and the controlly deck can take advantage of the card draw engine. So maybe he's a little better than I'm giving him credit for. Like I'm, I'm happy enough with a grizzly bear that has some upside. I just like for a rare, like I, I'm not going bonkers over it. Yeah, you know what? After talking about it, I'm going to knock that down another half grade. I'm going to give it a seven, actually. I think there's just, I think I want Cotton Headlights more than this, obviously. So, um, it can't yeah, be really knocked down a bit. Okay. Yeah. Well, next up is SRAM's Expertise. Two white, white for a sorcery. Create three 1 1 colorless servo artifact creature tokens. You may cast a card with converted mana cost three or less from your hand without paying its mana cost. This is another one where I wasn't really sure where to rate it. So, we haven't seen any improvised cards, which is the convoke for artifact creatures. Mm-hmm. Um, if you have improvised, I think this this goes way, way up in value. Um, or if you're an aggressive anthem style deck, this goes way up in value. Um, the The cascade effect is interesting because how often, like if you're playing this on curve, how often are you going to have a three or a two drop let, like that got stuck in your hand? that you can cast for free off of this one. I think I think some of the time it's just going to be three servos for for four mana. Um so if that's your jam, then I think you're interested in this card and if it's not, I, I you know, I think you can take it or leave it. Yeah. Um so I, I gave it less than SRAM himself, which is interesting. This casts SRAM. Um so I gave it a I gave it a six and a half out of ten. Um but I, I could be wrong on that one. Um obviously it goes up if you have like an improvised theme in your deck in other colors um then then i think this goes way up in value because those servos can uh, like three servos three artifacts to cast your improvised spells is is very very good value yeah and they can crew your vehicles like there's there's probably stuff you can do with it but it does look a lot like a hill giant spread over three bodies to me yeah um maybe in an aggressive deck like i could see curving two three four into playing a two drop or a three drop and you basically dumped your hand so that can be a lot of stuff on the board. Um, and then you play your giant hawk and attack for a bunch of damp. Like that's a dream curve, but it looks like a good one. Mm-hmm. Uh, next up for us is Thopter Arrest. This is two and a white for an enchantment. When it enters the battlefield, exile target artifact or creature and opponent controls until it leaves the battlefield. This is the O-ring of the format. So artifact or creature doesn't hit planeswalkers, uh, doesn't hit enchantments, but I think it's still a very good card. Um, I want this slightly higher than Caught in the Brights, keeping in mind that it has, um, the downside of, you know, your opponent can get that creature or thing back, but the fact that it hits, um, like artifacts, so it can hit the modules, it can hit, 
um, you know, artifacts that you might not be able to hit otherwise if you don't have, you know, enchantment or uh, uh, artifact removal in your deck. Um, so, yeah, I'm I'm very high on this card. Um, it does remove it entirely from the game. So, like, activated abilities and things like that can't be can't be used. Um, you just have to be aware that, you know, you have to pick your spots if your opponent has some kind of instant speed um, or any kind of enchantment removal effects. Um, but I think I want it slightly higher than Caught in the Bright, so I give it an 8. Yeah, I, I think it's a very strong card. Again, it suffers from the enchantment removal, seems to be um, quite prolific in, in this block so far. So, like, be aware of that. They can potentially get their thing back if they're playing green and or white. Um, other than that, yeah, O-Ring is great, and this is very similar to O-Ring. Like, in Limited, we were most often getting a, a creature or an artifact anyway, usually just a creature. Yeah, usually just a creature. Um, this does have the upside of your opponent not being able to blink their creature to get it back. Yeah, yeah, okay. Right? So so that is, so this is, when this enters the battlefield, exile target uh, or creature or opponent controls. So is this like the O-Ring where if this hits the battlefield and your opponent... Um, like you don't pick the target until this has fully resolved, right? So Correct. if your opponent says, okay, you pick the target and it goes, right? Um, well, that would be triggered, would it not? Well, it triggers when it comes into the battlefield, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, you're right. So I do have to target. So they can blink the target and then this wouldn't remove anything. Correct. Is that right? Correct. Mm, okay. So, but I mean, as long as long as long as they're not blinking it in response to the trigger then they can't flicker their guy and and remove your enchantment later. So right. it does, it does. that's why I like it a little bit more than Caught in the Brights, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I think this is probably your best removal spell out of white that I've seen. And, and after looking at all the white cards, I feel like white looks pretty aggressive. Mm-hmm. There, there's some controlling hooks in here, like we talked about, but I think it definitely leans more to the aggressive side. I see a very clear divide between the aggressive and controlling in white. Yeah. Like there wasn't a ton of of mid rangey style combo-y style con- uh, cards in in white here, um, but there's I think there's like the control, aggressive, a little bit of flying, um, and a little bit of combo. So it, it's cool. I like white. Um, what white is missing, I think, is really good removal that is not enchantment or aura based. Yeah. I think I think that's where it's suffering here, and we're gonna see that as we go through some of the other colors where black and red, for example, get really good removal spells. But Thopter Arrest and Caught in the Brights are both very good, so um, I expect those to be the highest picks. Um, and there was just the one mythic, right? The the angel. Yeah. So um, the rares, some of the rares are pretty good. I look forward to picking the double strike guy quite a bit. I think. Yeah, I'm excited to play white. Okay, so overall in white, thumbs up. Agreed. Thumbs up. Two thumbs okay. up. And. Two thumbs up, even though we haven't reviewed any of the other colors. So uh, <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna take a quick break, and we're gonna air the the bumper between segments here, and we'll be back with blue. All right, let's uh, let's review the the blue. I'm gonna take this one over. So first up, we have Aether Swooper, which is one and a blue, two mana for a creature, Vidalcan Artificer at common. It is a 1-2, it is flying, and when Aether Swooper enters the battlefield, you get 2 energy. Whenever Aether Swooper attacks, you may pay 2 energy, so this is part of that cycle that we saw earlier in white. Uh, You may pay 2 energy, and if you do, you create a 1-1 colorless servo artifact creature token. How do you feel about a 1-2 flyer for 2 that makes a servo? 
I think I'm okay with this one. Like this one seems a lot easier to get through. It's not like a super high value target, but, and to be fair, we have seen like a wind Drake already and there's a lot of flying blockers for this, but if your opponent doesn't have one, you're poking away for one in the air. This one seems a lot more like a two, three for two, like similar to Kajar seed sculptor. You just put the counter on nothing than the white one did. So I, I think I'm, I'm okay with this, like a serviceable blue common. I don't want a million of them, but I, I think I could play this and it is a place to dump energy. So I, I think I'm on board. Let's, let's swoop some aether. Okay. So uh, do you have a number on that? I want to compare numbers on this one. <laughs> um, I don't know. I'd put it at five, like serviceable common. Mm-hmm. I read it a little bit lower than that because I think the, the one power does get shut down quite easily um, in the air. But if your opponent's not doing anything in the air, you're pecking away for one. If this was a two one, uh, man, it'd be, I, then it'd be absurd. Then I'm more, it's more like what's that Sandstep Sandstep outcast from cons block. Mm-hmm. Then it'd be more like that. Right. Um, it, it's fine. Like you're not high picking this, I think. So I, I'm with you on that one. I also think blue's likely to have other stuff to do with the energy. So even if you play it late and can't attack with it, you can probably do something else with that. That's fair. And it's pretty easy to get a servo out of this. Mm-hmm. Right. Whereas the white one, I think was more difficult to get a servo out of. Agree. Okay. Next up, we have our first blue rare. It's Aethertide Whale for blue, blue. So six mana for a six, four flyer. Uh, I think we could probably stop there and you'd probably be okay with that, but it what? has more. When Aethertide Whale enters the battlefield, you get six energy counters. That is a lot of energy. You can also pay for energy and return Aethertide Whale to its owner's hand. Sold. Mm-hmm. So I can beat you to death with it, and I don't need a counter spell. It comes with one stapled on it. And a f- free energy to boot? Yeah, you net energy when you use this. Yeah. Okay, yeah, this this is a whale of a deal. Um, I'm I'm on board. This seems like a bomb to me. It can close out a game, and it it's already protected from removal. It's not quite hexproof, right? Like, because you've still got to recast it, and if you're too far behind, like, it does suffer from the six drops tax. Be aware that you can only play so many six drops in your deck. But if I'm looking for a finisher in a control deck or just a curve topper in any blue deck, I want this. I could see first picking this and playing blue. Yep. Yeah, I gave it a 7.5 out of 10. And um, I think you're not using it frequently to enable Revolt, but here's another manaless Revolt uh, way to trigger Revolt. Sure. Manaless in that you can play it and play a sorcery speed spell, you know, at, like like you can play like a 4-mana or a 3-mana creature or whatever, um, but you still have to recast this eventually, um, but it doesn't cost you any mana that turn. You're just losing your 6-4. But you can attack with it, return it, get your Revolt, and then you know, play it next turn or something like that and be up on energy. So that may I, come I think, up once in 500 games. Cause I think I most games a six, four flyers just going to close it out for you. But yeah, you, that is true. It might. I mean, maybe your opponent has, you know, big flyers in the air and, and uh, you're like, you don't want to get double blocked or something like that. But it, there are a lot of these free ways. And I just wanted to make sure that I point that out, that there's a lot of ways to skin a cat when it comes to revolt. And this could be one of them. Probably not. Yeah. All right, next up we have uh, Burrell, Chief of Compliance. You are not compliant. Uh, one in the blue, fairly cheap, for a legendary creature, human wizard at rare. It's a 1-3. Instant and sorcery spells you cast cost one generic less to cast. Whenever a spell or ability you control counters a spell, you may draw a card. If you do, discard a card. Meh. Pretty meh, right? Like... Unless unless you know you have a lot of instants and sorceries, you're not this is not huge, right? Yeah, there there needs to be 
like we had some themes in um, Eldritch Moon where there was an instant and sorcery deck. And like those are built around commons and uncommons, not typically rares. Like occasionally you'd open up metallurgic summonings in Kaladesh and go for it. But like this guy doesn't even seem like it's worth going for. It seems like it's mostly a one three, which if your deck wants a one three, sure, grab it. And it, it may have some benefit. Like any cast reduction is good, but I, I need to see a lot of amazing instants uh, and sorceries before I'm remotely interested in this. It's pretty rare to see a pure control deck in in limited, um, you know, especially sealed because you just you're just not going to get everything that comes together. Yeah. Um, if you have a critical mass of removal and counter spells, like you know, if half your deck is good removal, I can see playing this guy. But you're not picking him in like early in pack one or early in pack two. You know, you're maybe picking him mid pack two if you already have that that shell. I think, but so because of that, I'm pretty down on it. I, I gave it a five. Yeah, I mean, maybe there's some cool stuff to do with this guy in Constructed, but I'd even go lower than that. Like, if your deck wants a 1-3, so maybe, a, I don't know, 3 level, then go ahead, grab him. You may need some 2 drops. But I, I see him mostly blocking 2-2s two and trading with 3-1s. Yeah, all right, I knock him down to a 4 then. You, you talk me into it. All right, next up, we got Baral's Expertise. Uh, 3 blue-blue It's a sorcery at rare. You can return up to 3 target artifacts and or creatures to their owner's hands, and then it has the, the cascade effect that we saw in the white version. Uh, you may cast a card with converted mana cost four or less from your hand without paying its mana cost. So interestingly, um, you can bounce one of your own things and then replay it. Mm-hmm. Uh, if it's four or less, you can play it for free. So that's kind of cool. Um, is this the type of card that's going to die in your hand? Or you're going to die within your hand? I don't know. We've had like... What was the one from Theros where you bounce three creatures? I don't remember. It was Sea God's Revenge or something like that. I I, I just remember yeah. like if you could get ahead and then bounce three of their things, that was fantastic. And this one has the additional flexibility of if you have a revolt card that's four or less, bounce two of their things in your revolt card, play the revolt card again, get another trigger. Like bouncing three things from your opponent's um, battlefield is just fantastic. This looks good. This looks aggressive too. That's not something I would expect to, to necessarily see in blue. Because remember, it's you're not permanently dealing with anything. And I, I mm-hmm. typically don't like bounce spells very much in limited. Like, I'll play one, but uh, I, like unsummon style effect. But bouncing three things, if you've got any so, sort of board state, like imagine a blue-green deck, bounce some of their blockers, beat them to death. My goodness. Yeah, I, I think I like this card quite a bit. That's fair, and I guess it's okay, it's okay if you're behind too because it does buy you a couple of turns, right? If your if your opponent has like a bunch of fours and fives out, and they're on six mana or seven mana, you can set them back a couple of turns quite easily with this. So you can buy yourself some time if you're behind. It just doesn't permanently remove those things from the board. So, um, I don't know. I, I found it tough to rate. Like, are you are you first picking this? Are you picking it early? I, I think so. I, I need to see the rest of blue and see how aggressive I can be with it because that, that buying myself time is really not what I want to be doing with this. If I'm doing that, I feel like I have done something terrible. Um, I, I want to be getting at, I want to be at parody and then have this card put me immediately at head and kill them before they can recast those things. Right. I was more referring to my comment of like, are you dying with this in your hand? frequently right like which you're not you're going to buy yourself that time that you need maybe to find a permanent answer or Mm -hmm. or build your board state out to get ahead um okay so how about how do you like this on turn five 
are you playing this on like on curve if you have a board presence like to set your opponents two three four back to their hand and then swing in for a bunch if i've curved out two three four hell yeah yeah i can see this being a very good curve topper yeah yeah i I really like this card and think i would pick it early and then try to make a blue aggressive deck again i'll need to see the cards and see if you can actually do that but the the fact that you're always going to get to replay something because you can bounce your own things. Like this has just got too much going on for it not to be good. Yeah. I missed the revolt uh interaction when I went through it the first time, so I think that's that's a key interaction there. So okay. Moving along, we've got Bastion Inventor, which is five and a blue, so six mana. Oof. For a four-four. Oof. Four-four hexproof. Nah, okay, now we're maybe getting somewhere. And it's got Improvise. So we talked about Improvise a little bit earlier, but I'm going to go over it in, in a little more detail here. So Improvise is your artifacts can help cast this spell. Each artifact you tap after you're done activating mana abilities pays for one generic mana. So you can discount this up to five uh, with any artifact, whether it has summoning sickness or not. Tap that artifact to essentially pay mana uh, for this spell. So you can make basically you know, essentially play this for one blue, you can pay it for six, you can pay anything in between as long as you have artifacts to pay for the cost. So I think there's two questions here. One, how do you feel about a 4-4 hexproof? Two, how much do you want to pay for a 4-4 hexproof? Um, I like the 4-4 hexproof. From what I've seen, white doesn't have any ways to interact with this other than gang blocking it and certainly not attacking into it. So it looks like a big giant stop sign against aggressive decks. The, the real question is, how many artifacts are we playing in our blue decks? I would guess a lot, because we certainly were in Kaladesh before. Um, and Improvise seems like a fixed affinity, right? Because you can't use it multiple times in the same turn. So I like the mechanic. I, this doesn't look like the Improvise payoff I'm looking for, but it, it looks like if I'm able to Improvise, this guy fits right in the deck. Yeah, AKA, I not an early agree. pick, but a, a good card. Yeah, I gave it a six, um, and that's I think that goes up if you have you know a lot of servos or a lot of like two and three drop artifacts that are good on their own. Mm-hmm. And if you because if you can slam this on turn four, your opponent can't do much about it. Yeah, right. Except double block. That said, you probably don't want more than two in your deck at tops. Yeah. So I, I think it's like I don't know five six is probably right. A little bit better than your average common, but it, it does suffer from the high drop tax. Like Gear Seeker Serpent was the same way. The, the difference was I would take three or four of those and then just warp my entire deck around it because it, it had that I'll activate it and kill you. This guy doesn't have that. Like you can still gang block it. But if I have two or three of these, maybe I'm interested in some enchantments. We'll put some pants on him and see what we can do. Sure, I could see that. Interesting that he appears not to be wearing pants. He's got all this armor and and then like a skirt. So it's like he's aware. He's like, put some pants on me, man. I'm ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Okay, so hopefully we can cast this for four mana more frequently than six. All right, next up we have Disallow, which is one blue blue, so three mana for an instant at rare. Uh, counter spell at rare. Wah, wah, wah. Uh, counter target spell, activated ability, or triggered ability. Generally speaking, you're just countering spells in limited. Yeah, this is just a cancel for limited, so meh. Although... Meh. At- I had another thought about the inventor. I hate to to backtrack like this, Mm. but one thing to keep in mind is if you're using artifact creatures to improvise, they did not attack. So like that probably makes the inventor a little bit less of an aggressive card 
Cause like, I'm not wanting to curve out with servos and then use them to make this cause I'm missing a bunch of damage potentially. But yes, as far as this allow goes, I think that's just cancel unlimited and I'm out. Yeah. We'll talk a little bit more about the improvise when you get to the next card. I have some comments about the, the using servos to tap for mana, I think on that. Okay. Okay. So we're out on disallow. I gave it a really low grade. I gave it like a three. I mean, sometimes you want to cancel, but yeah, maybe not at rare. Play it in sealed. If you have it and you're playing blue, don't go into blue for it. And remember it's in your sideboard. If you pick it in draft. Okay. Next up, Dispersal Technician, four and a blue for a creature, Vidalcan Artificer at common. It's a 3-2 for five mana. And when Dispersal Technician enters the battlefield, you may return target artifact to its owner's hand. We got to pay a lot of mana for our mana wars these days. And now they're conditional when they used to be unconditional. That said, I'm still still probably playing this a lot if I'm blue. Like it almost says return target creature to its owner's hand. You can put some artifacts in your deck that you'd want to replay. You could potentially replay the artifact you used to tap it with. I think this guy's got some legs on him, although it, it's expensive. I, th- I think all of these parts add up to an underwhelming mana war, um, but we've had those before and and kind of been okay with that. Um, I wish it was like a 2-2 for 4 mana instead of a 3-2 fi- uh, for 5 mana because I think 4 mana on this effect is much better than 5. Yeah. Um, I gave it like a 5, and I think that might be a little generous. Like, they're common, so you should be able to get one quite easily. Um, and you're going to play one, but the, like there's your 5-drop slot, there's a lot of better 5-drops to play than just bouncing one artifact, I think, in a lot of cases. Um, it depends. It depends on... on how good your opponent's artifacts are, obviously, right? Like, this could just be a dead card in some matchups if you main deck it. So don't be afraid to side it out if uh, if your opponent's playing, like, you know, four artifacts that are, like, two threes and three threes. Like, who cares? Um, I think you can find a better five drop than that. Maybe. I, I don't know. I look at it, and I'm reminded of Void Wielder. It's the same power and toughness and the same mana cost. A little bit more restrictive on what you can bounce, but a, a lot more flexible on how you can cast it. And Void Wielder was in Return to Ravnica, which did have a very aggressive deck in it, uh, a.k.a. Rakdos. So, like, I I feel like this is going to do enough for you to stabilize and then potentially be able to attack and trade for something, too. I'm kind of digging it. I'm kind of digging it. So I I think I would put this in the, I don't know, five to six level. Like, I, I, I think I would probably play two of these main deck and then probably not sideboard them out. Unless my opponent is playing no artifacts, but I mean, who's playing no artifacts in Kaladesh block? It's not even just no artifacts. It's no artifacts that that you care about bouncing, you know, like they're twos and threes and, and I don't know. Um, Void Wielder had the upside of being a four toughness card. So when you're playing it in a controlly deck, it can just block. This just, this doesn't block much. I mean, it, it trades. It trades with a lot of stuff because of the three power, but for five mana, I don't know. And I wish it wasn't conditional. Like, if it's return, like, target creature, sold. not even just target, like, non-creature, like, non-land permanent, I'm sold. I think I think the artifact is getting me down on that one. I did give it a five, though. Um, I just think I'm a little down on it, but I could be wrong on that one. So we'll I'll come. go six just so we disagree. I like it a little better than you, but it, it's certainly not a bomb. Okay. This, I think, could end up being a controversial card, so I'm interested in seeing what, how you rate this one. Efficient Construction. Uh, four mana for uh, an enchantment and uncommon. Whenever you cast an artifact spell, create a 1-1 colorless Thopter artifact creature token with with flying. This looks like a fun build around to me. Is it is it going to be something that you are able to pick? 
I think so. I, I think you you are encouraged to build your deck around an effect like this. It being uncommon means perhaps we can get more. But like I, I'm already living in the dream world where I have the one two that makes energy and thopters. That, that doesn't work with it. It's not when an artifact enters the battlefield. Exactly. Okay. So my dream's so getting a little worse. Mm-hmm. But instead, I'm using my dispersal technician to bounce an artifact I've already played that had some value and then replay it. And all the while making thopters. I mean, I don't like the fact that it's four mana and can't attack and block and I've got to untap and my first payoff is a one, one. Yeah. How many thopters do you need to make before you're happy playing this card? Three. Three is fine. Would you, well, how about two? Uh, It's okay. It's okay. Okay. So somewhere between two and three, two and a half thopters, two and a half thopters. I think that I am never going to see this card because I think I'm, or I'm not going to play it because I think other people are going to pick it higher than I would. Yeah. Right. So unless I get the ultimate nut deck for this in pack one, and then I see it pack two early, I don't think I'm ever going to be fortunate enough to play with this card and, and fortunate maybe being a bit of an exaggeration there. I gave it a really low grade. I gave it a two and a half. And I think that's because it's so much set up to pay off, but in the right deck, I think it goes way up in value. You know, it actually reminds me a bit of durable handicraft um, in the sense that it's something that wants you to take your your plays off curve, right? Yeah. So that you can get an advantage from them. The, the thing about durable handicraft is if you drew it late when you're empty-handed and had eight mana, you could just be like, okay, fine, all my dudes get plus one, plus one. This doesn't have that. So if you've played all your artifacts and you top deck it, it doesn't do anything. I, mm-hmm. I don't like that aspect of it. Um, it costs four mana instead of two, and it's asking me to play artifacts instead of just creatures. So I, I think I'm going to go down a little bit on this too and say maybe it's a a, a four build around, but I expect that I'll have a similar experience to you and that someone will blow me out with it twice during the course of the format, but far more often someone's going to cast this while they're empty-handed and I'll kill them, and I just won't see it in the, the draft where I could be able to pull it off. Yeah. All right. That's fair. All right, next up, we've got uh, Hinterland Drake, which is a two and a blue for a Drake creature at common. It's a 2-3 flyer. Not bad. And it just can't block artifact creatures. How do you feel about a 2-3 flyer? Oh, it doesn't seem super functionally different from a Wind Drake. Like, it's attacking for two in the air. I'd, I'd rather have a 3-2 flyer. That'd be fantastic. I guess less stuff can trade for it. Like, they need at least two Thopters... <sighs> It, it fights through a Windrake or the white Windrake we saw. Um, it, it seems okay. It doesn't seem like it's really doing any of what Blue wanted to be doing so far, but I, I guess you, you need things to attack. And the fact that it's a 2-3 and can block on the ground, like I guess that's the upside. One of the problems with Windrake is you would play it and they attack with their Grizzly Bear and you're like, oh, I don't want to trade it, but I don't want to die. And this guy doesn't have that problem. So, okay, this is an upgraded Windrake. I like it. Yeah, I think it's middle of the road. I gave it like a five. I think it's, you're happy to play two, maybe one. You're not high picking it. It's not a reason to play blue. Um, and I think the downside is not a huge downside. Like, I don't think not blocking artifact creatures is a huge deal. I, I don't think so either. I think it's going to matter. Like, there's going to be times where you have this in play and you really wish you could block their artifact, dude. But I, I think generally speaking, that's a fine card. I, I'll go middle of the road too. Okay. Next up, we've got Ice Over. Ice to meet you. Uh, one in a blue for an aura, enchant artifact or creature. So note, this can hit vehicles. Um, enchanted permanent does not untap during its controller's untap step. 
Yeah, this is basically a cheap assassinate for blue. Um, of yes. note, it doesn't tap them when it when you cast it, meaning it has to have already hit you or done something. So generally speaking, this is a type of effect that I would want one of. Um, you can't load your deck up with them or you're going to take a lot of damage before you're able to use it. It'll never stop anything with an activated ability um, because your opponent will just use that at the end of your turn. Um, so you'd never have the opportunity to do that. I, I guess you could cast it and give them one last activation. Um, but, but all that adds up to a an assassinate that's susceptible to enchantment removal and blinking. So I'm 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 kind of out on this, but I, I like if I have one in my deck, it's not the end of the world. Um, I think I'm a little higher, but again, I think I want to cap out at one. Um, I like it less than uh, caught in the headlights or caught in the brights, but I I I actually gave it a seven. Like I think it's fine for blue. I. I mean, we play Malfunction. Malfunction had the upside of tapping a creature, and we played one Malfunction. Um, this is a very cheap version of that. So, yeah, you're going to get hit by it, but you can, st- on, like, you know, you get hit by something big on turn five. I mean, sometimes you just you just get hit by things, right? That happens in Magic. Yeah. So, um, I mean, and then and then on turn five, you play like this in a three drop or something like that, right? Like, like it's cheap enough that it doesn't set you too far behind if you commit a turn to do it. Whereas Malfunction, you have to take a turn off to cast it a lot of the time, right? Like, you couldn't do anything else on that turn. Um I think it's fine. Um, it, it it has all of the... Basically, if you're using Malfunction in a spot where you would have wanted to use Ice Over, you've already taken the hit, so I see your point. But there's times where I malfunctioned a blocker so that I could kill them mm-hmm. in the air, and this mm-hmm. can't do that. But for two mana, I suppose we can't ask that much. The, all that adds up to, I, I don't like this nearly as much as Malfunction. I would put this in maybe the four level. Like, I'm not picking it early. I'm not excited to have one in my deck. But if I end up with one, okay, sure. I think that's, I think that between four and seven, I think is, is it, I think that's too wide of a range. So one of us is wrong. I'm not going to say who, but I think one of us is wrong. I think it's you. <laughs> Maybe it's a six and a half. <laughs> Tell you five. what, you come up to a five, I'll go down to six and a half, and then we'll just settle on six and we'll both be right. Three. <laughs> All right. Next up, Illusionist's Stratagem. Uh, three and a blue for an instant and uncommon. Exile up to two target creatures you control and then return those cards to the battlefield under their owner's control. Draw a card and revolt triggers go. Yeah, this is like a super duper. Um, the, what was the white acrobatic maneuver from mm-hmm. Kaladesh? Now we're doing mm-hmm. it for two creatures at instant speed. And one extra mana. One extra mana. Um, blinking your guys out from under removal, getting your triggers, enabling revolt. If you've got revolt creatures, they just get it when they come back. You can do it at your end of your opponent's turn. You can do it in response to a negate. I, I like this card, and I like a lot of what it's offering. It certainly gives you some tricky play with blue. Uh, at uncommon, it's going to be a little harder to get than the acrobatic rem- maneuver, and I was never taking those highly. Like, you can play this in almost any blue deck. Like, worst-case scenario, I guess it's four-mana cycle. Um but I would want to, if I have this card, prioritize enter the battlefield effects, obviously, and creatures with awesome revolt triggers. Um, I, I think I like it. I'd probably pick it highly early out of a, a, a pack without good removal and then see if I can look to abuse it from there. Sure. So I kind of gave it a middling grade. Like I gave it like a five. And the reason for that is, is because it is quite expensive um, and you can't fit too many of these effects in your deck, but it goes up if you have like a critical mass of revolt or enter the battlefield effect. So if, you, if you're just like hammering those white revolt creatures, um, I think this goes way up in value. Like this with a Deadeye Harpooner 
Um, I think is huge game. That seems great. That seems absolutely great. Like maybe blue yeah. white is the blink deck now instead of black white. Yeah. So so that that's kind of where I'm at on that. So this is kind of one of those cards where you have your mileage will vary. But yeah, I could see speculating on it early and then just putting it in the board if your deck doesn't come together for it. Um, but you know, against a deck with a lot of removal, you could side it back in, for example. So it, it it's like a modal spell. It has a lot of functions. Um, and you could play it in a, in a couple of different decks, I think. Yeah, it's particularly good against the enchantment-based removal as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which is very good as well. Okay. Next up, Leave in the Dust. Uh, three and a blue for an instant at common. We have return target non-land permanent to its owner hand. owner's hand. Draw a card. That's a lot of mana. Yep. That's so much mana. Like you could just be paying. You could just be playing illusionist stratagem instead. Yeah, I'm not a hundred percent on this. Like I, you're knocking off your opponent's auras. You're pseudo time walking them at cycles, so it can't be that bad. At instant speed, you can get a blocker out of the way, draw a card, attack. You can blank, like they attack you, you bounce their thing. Uh, it, it messes with, um, like I said, enchantments, like Hunt the Week gets a little worse. It screws up your opponent's combat tricks. I, I like the card, but four mana is just a lot. I don't know, maybe it's like- not that different than Griptide. Yeah, it feels more like a sideboard, a sideboard card to me. I think I'm going to have one in the main. Like, Griptide did enough, and that was basically the same card. That put something on top of their library, and you didn't draw a card. So it was like putting them down one card instead of you up one card. This kind of does the same thing. I, I guess that blanked their draw step if if you bounce something that wasn't particularly relevant, whereas this one doesn't. They still get to draw. They get a random card, and you get a random card instead of them getting a card that you know about. So maybe it's a little worse than Griptide, but I think I'm still playing one of these in the main. It's not cheap enough that I'm going to like jam all of them, but I, I think I'm interested in having at least one of these in my blue decks. You're not sad if you don't get one, though, right? No, I don't think my draft is yeah. wrecked if I don't have one, but I, I think I would want one. I rated it less than Illusionist Stratagem. I, th- I think it's probably about there, and at common, like I'm more likely to see one. The fact that you can interact with your opponent's stuff, I think, is pretty neat. Like stratagem needs you to have creatures that do something. Leave in the dust, like even on an empty board, if you're getting beaten down, it will at least buy you some time and cycle, and uh, perhaps mess up some of your opponent's shenanigans. Like they go to blink their dude, and you bounce it. You can bounce their oblivion ring or whatever the thopter arrest. Get your dude back, block a thing. It, it does some stuff. Okay. I could see like, you know, one in the main, one in the board, and then bring the second one in in a lot of matchups. And occasionally take the first one out if things are just too fast. Yeah. Okay. Again, your mileage will vary. All right. Mechanized production two blue, blue for an aura at mythic, a mythic aura. Wow. Enchant artifact you control. Not so artifacts, not any creature. At the beginning of your upkeep, create a token that is a copy of Enchanted Artifact. Then, if you control eight or more artifacts with the same name as one of another, you win the game. Oh, that's cool. That's so cool. It's a, I didn't know how to rate it, but the, the, it is a very cool win condition. Um, and you can win a couple of different ways. So I want to get your take on this before I give you mine. Yeah, like, it, it's fragile. So, like, it, it's got all of the downside of auras, and it doesn't do anything the turn that you play it. If you untap with it, it starts to do something pretty cool. If there's a hexproof artifact creature, obviously I'm I'm very in on this. Um, 
yeah, four mana doesn't attack or block. I have to untap. They have to not have removal. And then I start getting value. I, I guess the quality of this goes up depending on how good the artifacts are that you have that you could copy because you need them to kind of pull their weight on their own to make the game go eight more turns, right? Um, if there's some common artifacts that are quite good, maybe you could just have a few extra copies anyway. So maybe you don't need the full eight turns to get the, the benefit. Like clones are very good. I would look at this as a very limited and fragile clone for your own artifacts. And then you're probably writing it about correctly. Like any removal will stop artifact creatures. And we've already seen a lot of main deckable artifact removal. So I wouldn't go nuts over it, but this card is cool. I'm going to first pick it and play it and be wrong, but have a blast. So I think there's two ways to win with this. One is you're copying creatures that are just good, even if you don't have eight of them. Uh, so like if you can copy a couple of like four fours. Yeah. Right. And and you just jam endless four fours into your opponent all day um, and you eventually just overrun them. Right. Mm-hmm. That's one way to win. The other way to win is copying something like a servo in a deck that makes a lot of servos or copying a thopter and making your own bitter blossom in a deck that can make other thopters. So yeah. like whirler maker or virtuoso or we'll see a multicolor card that makes just two thopters when it comes into play. I think copying a servo or thopter is the way to get to eight with this card quickly, but that is risky. That is very fragile, like you say. So I think there's two ways to go with it. I don't think the way to victory is copying like a puzzle knot and then like getting the value of like getting value of eight puzzle knots or seven puzzle knots after that. I think, I don't think that's the way to go. Um, it may seem safe because your opponent's not going to waste removal on a, on a, on a puzzle knot, but you know, are you going to sit there and dirtle for eight turns until you win the game? I don't think so. So you want to be, I think you want to be a little more proactive with it. So either a way to make more of these tokens, um, thopters or servos, for example, or copying artifacts that, that are just really good value or really good attackers and blockers. Yeah. I really like the servo line because if you play it and they kill your servo, it's kind of like they had to use decent removal on a servo. Right. And you're relatively happy about that. And if they don't, you can't overwhelm them. Like getting eight servos seems kind of reasonable. So, I I mean, I, I, I think after talking through it, this may actually be a good mythic. Yeah. You want to give it a little higher grade? I think there's a lot of, I would, I'd first pick good removal over it though. Uh, I probably wouldn't initially because I need to know. I need sure. to know. So I, I want to take this one for a test drive, which seems appropriate in Kaladesh. But yeah, I'll start this at a seven and and move from there. I could see it going up to a nine and I could see it going down to a three, depending on <laughs> how this actually works out. But I'm very excited to play with this card. I hope I open one soon. <laughs> All right, we'll come back to that one. I'm sure we'll have a feeling on that a couple of weeks into the format. So next up, uh, Metallic Rebuke. Uh, Rebuke? Rebuke? Rebuke. Rebuke. Two Two and a blue for instant at common with improvise. Okay, so you can pay up to two with your improvise. Counter target spell unless its controller pays three generic. Mana leak for one blue. Yeah, it's close to that. I mean, I don't typically love counter spells in limited. Like they're decent and sealed, basically filler level and sealed, and usually not all that great in draft. It's probably fine. I would probably put it at a four. That's exactly what I gave it. But I think this goes up in a deck with good improvised theme because if you can cast it early and get your opponent's four drop or five drop, for example, um, then 
then I, then I think, you know, you can get the value out of it. And just holding up one blue or like one in a blue um, isn't necessarily suspect, suspect, especially in game one. So if you can, if you can cast this for one blue, I think you're getting a lot of value out of it. I don't like casting it for three though. So, you know, if take it or leave it. A lot of people seem to think that counter spells are similar to removal and they're, they're really not. They're like a removal spell that you have to have in hand with the mana untapped in order to do something. I, I think that it feels bad to get your spell countered because you're like, oh, I could have played around that. And it feels good to counter their spell because you're like, I got them. But in both circumstances, it's just kind of bad removal. So like, I tend not to value counter spells very highly in draft at all. And I'm mainly just playing them as filler level cards in sealed. So I'm still going to come down there and, and say, I don't know, four and meh, but... That, that's that's exactly what I said. But sometimes you want to counterspell. Yeah. And this is a decent counterspell, you know, if if you, uh, you know, if you, if you have... Your opponent has unbeatable bombs, sometimes you just need to counter it for blue or blue and one in a blue or something like that, right? So, again, your mileage will vary, but um, a lot of people like counterspells more in draft than I do. And I might play one once in a while, but I'm not I'm not highly picking this card. Well, so. If it said counter target spell, I'm all on board. The fact that I got to jump through a couple hoops and it's only a mana leak, I'm like, meh. Yeah. So I wanted to talk about improvise and servos because you mentioned it last uh, last improvise card. So um, I think using your servos to tap for mana, I don't think it's as huge of a hit as as maybe you might think. And the reason for that is is because I think there's a lot of things that block servos. Yeah. On turn three, on turn four, so you're probably not attacking with them anyway. So you're probably not missing points of damage unless your opponent just has no board or your opponent has like three ones and you don't mind trading servos for those obviously. So, um, so I, I think servos are your likely target. Um, and then there's obviously like the puzzle knots and things like that that could help you pay for these improvised spells as well. So don't be afraid to tap your servos. That's what they're there for. Yeah. You're not wrong. I just, I, I like, um, having cards that I can play if my opponent's stumbling that will end the game mm-hmm. and a, a six mana card that I can tap servos to cheat out, I, I guess it's still fine there but I'd like to just get in the three points of damage and play a three, three. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you're going to have to make those strategic decisions at the time. So, um, you, you know, good, good players will find the line correctly. I think a lot of the time, so it, it's d- improvise is definitely going to be skill, skill intensive in some c- scenarios, I think. So, all right, next up we have negate. Everybody knows negate one in a blue for instant counter target, non-creature spell. And it has a Vidalcan Teletubby as the art, apparently. <laughs> I thought it was a Care Bear. Okay, yeah, it might be a Care Bear. The, uh, negate is what Negate is. I, I often play it started in Sealed if I'm needing filler level cards. I rarely play it in Draft, although I'm not unhappy to have one in the sideboard if my opponent has a non-creature bomb. So I, Higher I, or lower than Rebuke? I would say a little bit lower than Rebuke, and I was already pretty low on Rebuke. Um, yeah. But negate something I'm happier to have in the sideboard and something I'm happier to main deck and sealed for sure. Okay, that's fair. All right, next up, this is a really cool card. Quicksmith Spy, three and a blue for a creature human artificer at rare. This is one of the early spoilers. Um, when Quicksmith Spy enters the battlefield, target artifact you control gains tap, draw a card for as long as you control Quicksmith Spy. So turn your artifacts into card draw. Yeah. Um, this is and not- it's a two, three. It's a 2-3. I, I don't think you're looking to block with it. Right? Because like 4 mana for a 2-3 blocking is not so hot. You're going to get your card back unless they kill it with the trigger on the stack. And I guess if they do that, you're fairly happy that they killed a 2-3. I think this is a very strong card and I think I would pick it early. Um, if, if unanswered, you're just going to sit there and draw cards all day. And like that's one of the best things you can do in Magic. 
So I, yeah. I, I like this card. I would probably put this as an eight. Like it's not, it's not going to just sit there and win the game, but if they don't interact with it, it will sit there and win the game. You, you've got to yeah. be, at, I, I guess, at parity. If you're just getting ranched by three ones, it's not helping you that much. Yeah, I think the the four mana and needing an artifact in play brought it down just a slight bit for me. I gave it a seven, um, but I'm with you. Like I'm going to first pick it and, and play it quite a bit. Um, I just think that uh, there's there's some cards that are better than this. Like I think this and a good removal, it might be a toss up between. So it'd be interesting to see. It, it might go up um, as we get through the format. But yeah, I could see just getting wrecked by this. I think I would pick this over most removal because removal will stop me from losing the game, but this could win me the game. Like if I can land this and they don't do anything to it, I'm hugely advantaged in that game. Whereas if they play a 4-4 and I kill it, I'm not hugely advantaged. I'm just not losing. Yeah. And I'd much rather put that effect on an artifact that is not a creature just so it's harder for my opponent to remove. They have to use a removal on this instead of like a a servo or something like that, right? Like, you know, somebody can uh, just minus one, minus one a servo or something like that that was drawing you a card. And then the quicksmith is just a lame body left behind. So, but very interesting card. Unless you blink it. Unless you blink it. That is true. That is true. So, all right. Reverse engineer. This is our next uh, sorcery here. We've got three blue, blue for a sorcery and uncommon with improvise. Okay. Okay. Draw three cards. How do you feel like, uh, what kind of recall would this be? So it's not ancestral recall. It's not ancestral visions. It's like, uh, ancestral meh, Tezzeret's recall. Tezzeret's recall. I could see that. Okay. I mean, we, we've had cards a couple times that are just very expensive card draw and it, it all depends on the speed of the format. Like having reviewed white first, I'm thinking this is an aggressive format, but it may not be. So, and it uncommon, uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm not super duper high on this card. Of course, I'm not super duper high on card draw anyway, once it gets over the divination level. Like divination's nice because you can keep a three lander with divination. You can almost keep like five lands divination and a, a two drop and be like, yeah, this hand's fine. Whereas this is so late that you have to tap out and not affect the board. So you've kind of got to be ahead or at parity. I don't like it as much as the Quicksmith Spy. The fact that you can maybe cheat it out and cast it cheaper is, is kind of cool, but I, I don't want to play like bad artifacts to enable it. So it, it kind of seems a lot to me like, what was it? Tezzeret's ambition that we had in the last set, which is just expensive card draw, which, you know, sometimes if I'm playing a, a slow grindy deck, I'll play that. And other times I'm just not interested in it. That's fair. If you're paying four mana for this, are you much happier? Yeah, but I mean, we had the, the four mana inspiration, with Scry 2, got Glimmer of Genius. And like, I passed that plenty of times. If I was playing blue, I usually played it. But th- this yeah. this seems very similar to Glimmer of Genius, but it, at not being at instant means I can't hold up anything. I don't know, it's the sorcery speed that just hurts this a little too much for me. Um, so I guess I'm going to go four here. Like, there may be a deck that wants this and you can put it in there. And it, it's not a bad card. It, it, it just feels like expensive card draw. It, if this format is a similar pace as Kaladesh, really wasn't what I wanted. <clears throat> I gave it a six if you can cast it for three and a half to four mana every time. Okay. I think. I think because it just it just gives you that gas that you need. And sometimes you're going to be able to cast it just for blue blue and play something else immediately. Um, and then sometimes you're just going to cast it for five in a board stall and you're just going to draw three cards, right? So I, I don't think it's as it's low like a four. I think you, you, you'd probably be okay playing one. 
Um, but I, I don't think I'm ever going to get to pick it. I think people are going to pick it higher than me. I'd just rather cast a Borderland Minotaur. No, I'd, I'd rather, rather draw cast... three Borderland Minotaurs and then play all three of them. No, I just want a 4-3 a, a for four, and I'm happy. But again, I tend to slant aggressive, and I, I've drafted aggressive archetypes most often in Kaladesh. So that's probably why I like it a little less than you. All right, that's fair. All right, Salvage Scuttler, four and a blue for a creature crab at Uncommon. It's a 4-4, four, four, so 4-4 four, four for five, eh, whatever. Uh, when Salvage Scuttler attacks, return an artifact you control to its owner's hand. Now, this is a mandatory, but if you do not have an artifact, that does not mean you cannot attack, right? It doesn't bounce itself like we've seen on some creatures in the past. Mm-hmm. So how do you feel about free revolt triggers? It seems okay. Like the fact that it's a five mana four, four is kind of what turns me off. Put it at four and in green, I guess we're talking because I, I, I guess you really couldn't give that to blue. Um, I, I guess you need to be able to abuse, abuse free revolt triggers. You need to be able to attack cleanly with a four, four and I guess not care if they block it with a three, three and a two, two or have some artifact that you want to continually replay. I don't know. This looks a lot like the high tide hermit, which I've rarely played. Um, and I, I, I'm just kind of not in, I think it's better than the high tide tournament, but I think you need to build around it. Like you need to be abusing it for it to be worthwhile, right? Yeah. Like there's better five drops unless you have a bunch of like, uh, you know, good enter the battlefield effects on your, on your creatures. Like if you have a filigree familiar and a couple of other good cards like that, like they're cheap enter the battlefield effects that you don't mind bouncing and replaying a lot, then I think this goes up in value. Um, but you probably don't want more than one in that kind of deck. Maybe if you're really heavy into that, you want that. Um, again, I don't see myself even getting to play this card. I think people are going to pick it higher than me. I gave it like a four and a half. It's, um, and that's, and that's generous. I think it's big, but like I'm, I'm used to five mana for a Bastion Mastodon or a Wayfaring Giant or whatever <clears> it was. And those were just good. I, I think missing that point of toughness matters because I'll just throw a, a two three and a two two in front of it and you're like oh you got me yeah it blocks well right. it blocks well yeah in a controlly deck uh it, but you want to be attacking with it so i don't know i think it's hard to find a place for this card but i could be proven wrong because i think in a build around deck i think it could be very good so all right next up shielded aether thief this is a really neat card um i think a lot of people are going to play this card incorrectly so I'm, I'm very curious to see what you take on it uh, one in a blue for a creature, a Vidalcan Rogue at Uncommon. It has Flash, and it's a 0-4. So you flash it in a block. Whenever it blocks, you get an energy. So it, basically, you're going to play it and get an energy most of the time. At least one. <clears throat> and then you tap, pay three energy, draw a card. That seems great. Um, if I'm a defensive blue deck, like either I can produce energy some other way, or I can just block with it, or I can prevent my opponent from attacking because they're like, well, eventually he's going to get to draw a card. I don't want him to draw cards. Um, this guy looks fantastic. Uh, again, defensive. I'm not killing my opponent with it, um, but it, it reminds me a little bit of the Quigsmith Spy. Like it's something that I can play that that fulfills a role, which is defend me on the ground. Presumably, I'm going to kill them with some flyers or something like that. And mm-hmm. uh, the, this looks really good. We played the 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 Skygate, the O4 artifact wall in uh, Kaladesh in a blue white flyers deck, and this is just an infinitely better version of that. I would say, well, um, not quite infinitely better. Um, in, in that the Skygate ramped out your Gear Seeker Serpents and could block flyers. 
Sure, but this has flash and draws you cards, right? Like, like I, I think it's much better than the Skygate. You're much happier to play this than a Skygate, I think. I think the flash is huge. And the fact that it just shuts down an aggressive deck entirely. Like, if you have this and your opponent has, like, you know, let's say a couple of servos and, like, a 2-2 and a 3-2, right? And you just have this. Your opponent has to make some very real... Like, has to answer some very tough questions. Like, are they going to attack and deal you 3 or deal you 4 and give you a card eventually, right? Or, you know, like, like it asks your opponent, like, can they win the game before those cards matter? And sometimes mm-hmm. they can. But I think it's, I think against some opponents that are very timid and don't want to give you that card, this can just gain you, like, six life a turn sometimes or five life a turn. And I think in those matchups, I think they're very good. I think against good players, this goes down in value because they just know, like, well, I can just attack through. You're not going to kill anything. I don't care if you eventually get a card because I'm going to get 10 damage through before that matters. Um, but the that's flash assu- makes it really good. Yeah. And that's assuming you have no other board. Oh right? yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. I, I think this card is, is really good. And I would also encourage you not to be scared to flash this out on turn two, if you don't have anything better to do, like if you're mm-hmm. sitting with a hand of, of this, a three drop and a four drop and some lands, don't hold it. this, just run it out at the end of their turn or whatever. Yeah. And, um, you know, this is a good way to spend your residual energy, right? Exactly. If, if you've got extra energy sinks, sure. Turn them into cards. If you get one card out of this, I think you're pretty happy. Heck yeah. Yeah. Okay, so final grade? Um, I'm going to go six. I think this is above your average duder. Yeah, I give it a five and a half. I could see a six. Totally fair. So, okay. Speaking of defensive cards, we have a Shipwreck Murray, a three and a blue for a fish creature at common. When it enters the battlefield, you get four energy cards. It's a zero five. So four energy counters. I'm sorry. So zero five, four energy for four mana. And you can pay one energy and it gets plus two, minus two until end of turn. I like this guy. It's kind of neat, isn't it? Yeah, this is a good blocker for your Skies deck. And in addition, like zero whatevers suffer from the problem that your opponent will just attack into them anyway and not care. Uh, Being able to turn this into a two, three for blocks or a four, one to attack is a lot of flexibility on the card. Although be aware, like turning it into a two, three means it's probably going to trade for something, but it's a lot of flexibility and not a lot of energy. Like you could potentially hit for eight damage with it as well if the board's clear. Um, and it, at four mana instead of five, I think I'm on board with this. I'm certainly not picking it early. And I I don't want five of these or whatever. Like I had a deck with five thriving grubs and that deck was amazing. I, I don't think this guy is going to do that. But I, I probably want one of these in my blue decks and I'm pretty happy with it. So I think I would nail this one with a five. I gave it five as well. And um, I, I think it's it's... I think it's good on the defensive because you can trade up with it and still have that residual energy if the energy matters, mm-hmm. right? It doesn't cost you four energy to trade with something. It costs you like two energy to trade with something. Um, you know, I don't think this is going to be an aggressive card most of the time. Yeah. I mean, against an empty board maybe or whatever, or if your opponent has like three threes and you don't care what you trade it for, then sure, go ahead and attack, whatever. Um, but the energy, like getting four energy for that is really good. Um, and even if you have no energy left, it's still a serviceable wall. So I think five is totally fine. Yeah. Okay. Very controlly though. Blue seems to be quite controlly as it usually is. Which is going to make that bounce spell a little bit worse. Yeah, a little bit. Although this is good with the blink spell. Just jam a bunch of energy. Yeah. All right. Skyship Plunderer. One and a blue for a two, one flying. Hey, there's your aggressive card. It's a human pirate. Yar. Yar. Uncommon. 
whatever skyship plunderer deals combat damage to a player for each kind of counter on that target permanent or player. <clears throat> Sorry, give that permanent or player another counter of that kind. So you can give a plus one, plus one counter or an energy counter. Um, I don't think there's anything else. I guess unity counters. There's a couple of other random counters, but you're generally doing energy or plus one, plus ones. So whenever it hits somebody, uh, you can target anything else and give a plus one, plus one or an energy to that target creature or player, basically. So you could get very prolific with your counters, you might say. The plunderer is having a very, very good day when it comes to pl- proliferating. Yes, yes. That 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 was of course the callback because this this just has proliferate. Except yep. you can target your opponent's stuff, I guess. Yeah, I don't think you would ever. Yeah, you could. I don't know if there would be any reason to in limited. I don't think maybe, that there's minus one minus ones. Maybe they have midnight yeah. oil in play. And oh god, that would be brutal. You want to mess with that? But yeah, I, I'm in for a two one flyer for two. And the fact that I can make more energy or put more plus one, plus one counters on my dudes. I like everything that this is doing. And it's a pirate. Um, I'm, I'm on board. Um, it, it does trade with a Thopter, right? So we, we can't get too super excited about it. But uh, And it blocks just fine against anything else in its, its class of two drops. So I think I really like this card. Th- th- this will finally get me to give the half grade of five and a half. I think it's a little little bit above uh, a serviceable card just because of the evasion. Okay. I actually gave it a six and a half. And I think because the the dream scenario, not dream scenario, but an easy scenario is to play this in blue green and just get a bunch of plus one, plus plus one counters on things. If your opponent has no way to block this, it can get out of control, but you're right. It does get shut down by a Thopter. Maybe I'll knock that down to a six, Um, but in the right deck or against the right opponent, which I don't think it's going to be too, too hard to set up. I think the upside on this is incredibly high. Yeah, I, I wish this was a common and the ability wasn't quite as good and we could get more of them because I could see blue-green bounce really being a thing there. But overall, I like the card for sure. Okay. Uh, taken to custody is an instant for one blue, or sorry, just blue, a single blue. Um, uh, tap target creature. It does not untap during its controller's next untap step. Fart noise. Yes. No, thanks. Uh, this nope. is not worth a card, right? Like, I was waiting for you to say draw a card, and then when you didn't, I was like, nah, I'm out. It can get a blocker out of the way if there's a very aggressive blue-green tempo deck. This probably goes in it, but it, it's not a card I'm ever interested in playing. Just because, like, it, it does give you a noticeable effect, right? And you would tap it at the end of their turn so that it can't block for two turns, which is is value, but um, it, it, it doesn't do enough for me. Yep. Fart Noise sums it up quite nicely. All right, Trophy Mage. We saw this in the previews, in the early spoilers. So two and a blue for a human wizard at Uncommon. When Trophy Mage enters the battlefield, you may search your library for an artifact card with converted mana cost three. Reveal it, put it in your hand, and then shuffle your library. So it's going to be tough to answer how good this question is without knowing how many three casting cost artifacts there are in this set. And I'm going to tell you that there are not a ton of good targets for this card in uh, Aether Revolt. Okay. Um, there are a few good targets in Kaladesh. Yes. So even if I'm not red and I get one of the three, two guys for three, I, I think, and then have a couple other targets, I think it's fine. Just be aware when you're playing this card, the body isn't super relevant, right? Like a three mana two, two is not bad. And if it draws you a card, even if it's a mediocre card, that that's upside. Um, but we've, we're going to see some big things in green. Right. And that's kind of what I'm afraid of is that I play this and the body's just not big enough 
to actually have an impact. That said, I'll probably still take it early out of a weak pack or grab it early if I'm definitely blue and then be looking for artifacts to grab with it. Just make sure you understand it is exactly three, not three or less. Exactly three. Yeah. Um, are you happy if all you have are Weldfast mon like two Weldfast monitors in your deck to get with this card? I think so. I, th I think that's like the, the worst case scenario. So happy, no, but okay with it. Yeah. A, a two, two that for three that draws me a three, two that I can't activate is fine. Okay. And so you're okay drawing like a mediocre card with this. Then, then it goes up for value, like in value for you. Mm -hmm. I worry that I'm not going to get to pick this card because I don't think I'm going to rate it highly enough. Yeah. I would want targets for it first. So I'm not spending picks on them later. You know, for, like, for example, like, let's say, uh, what's a good three casting cause vehicle? Um, Renegade Freighter. Is that a three? Oh, yeah, it is a three. So if I knew I was going to get a Renegade Freighter for sure, then Trophy Mage goes up in value. I would, I think it would be a much higher pick if you were picking Trophy Mages in pack three. Yeah. Than, if, than in pack one. So. I, I think you're right. And, like, I'm not. I'm just saying that I'm okay with it if it's getting me something mediocre. If it's if I've got yeah. something actively good to get, like a freighter or something similar, then it gets even better. Okay. So, it's a tough one to rate. I gave it a three. That's probably really unfair to the card. I just um, I just kind of scanned the, the three casting cost artifacts in this set, and it's kind of like, eh, not a lot in there that I'm interested in. But, I mean, it does draw you a card, so, you know... Maybe maybe speculatively you can pick it up and then prioritize those three uh, three mana artifacts later. So um, yeah, like it's if, tough to rate. If you have modules or something and you're trying to do derpy energy stuff, it's going to go up there because it can find you the the three drop module. So I, I I think it's a little higher than that. I would I would go on probably a six on this. Yeah, but it is a speculative pick because you have to be playing blue and then you have to have a good three to get. I'm just saying I'm okay with the fail case if it gets a mediocre three. And if I get a sure. good three, I'm happy because now I have two copies of it. Yeah, and I think you talked me into it. Maybe I'm just like too down on it. Like maybe I expect my three mana artifacts to be much better than they are, which they're not, right? They're they're three, they're three mana artifacts. artifacts. So, you know, if, if Trophy Mage was three mana, draw a two or draw a three two, right? Put a three two in your hand. You're and that's all it was. We'd probably think that was okay. So yeah, you're you know I'm going to come up on that card. Um, probably not higher than a five though. Maybe okay. five point five. Maybe it's better than your average card. Okay. Two more cards left in blue. Were of Invention is X blue, blue, blue for an instant at rare. And it has the Improvise. So you can spend as much on X as you want, obviously, with your artifacts as well. Search your library for an artifact card with converted mana cost X or less. Put it onto the battlefield and then shuffle your library. I'm going to call this Cog of Calling. Because <laughs> it reminds me a lot of Cord of Calling. Of Cord. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you need to have a good artifact to go find and then other herpy derpy artifacts to go get it. This looks like more of a constructed card. Mm -hmm. um, although the selection is certainly nice, being able to get whatever you want at instant speed is certainly nice, but the, the value of this is going to depend entirely on what artifacts you have in your deck to get and what artifacts you have in play to cast it. The triple blue is really, really rough on this card. Um, triple green on cord wasn't as much of a problem because you could tap green creatures for the, the green stuff to do the green thing. And you can't do that on this. You've got to have three islands in play. Um, so I, I don't think I'm really in for this in limited, although I can, there's going to be, somebody's going to tweet me with a, a screenshot of an awesome word of invention deck and like live that dream, man, go down that path. But for me, I, I, I doubt that I'm first picking this. 
and as a rare, somebody else is going to value it. So I'm not wheeling it or whatever. I think this is the biggest downside or potential downside and the highest, like are not even the highest potential upside, just a, a reasonably high potential upside. Um, I don't want to pick it pack one and maybe I want to pick it in pack two. If I have like two super bomb artifacts that I can go and get at instant speed. But even then that's a lot of mana. Like, yeah. like you're, you're never, I, I think you're rarely casting this for less than like X equals five. And you're probably, so that means like probably like six total mana plus artifacts, like whenever you're casting it. So that's like, that's really expensive. But then Triple the, blue. the instant speed is relevant. Like there is legitimate upside to this card in that if they attack into you and you cast this and get your big giant vehicle crew it block, like cool things can happen. Mm-hmm. And vehicles actually are insanely cheap, right? So like mm-hmm. getting a vehicle with this is, is very, very relevant. I rated it really low though. I gave it like a two. I think it's probably closer to a four or a five. Like it's serviceable. It's asking you to do some work to build your deck around it. But like if somehow I've ended up blue and have this in my pile and then see a couple renegade freighters or comparable cheap vehicles, like getting additional copies of those at instant speed isn't bad. It it also goes up the more instants you have in your deck uh, because you can hold this up with a counter spell or something like that, which is not really my style of deck. So I don't like that. But I do recognize the power here. Yeah. Okay. Seems fair to me. All right. Last is Winkin Raiders for Blue Blue for a creature human artificer at Uncommon. It's a 4-3 flyer with Improvise. Okay. I can get behind this. This is a nice evasive beater with high power that I'm probably casting for 5 or 4 mana. Like once my ground artifacts have stopped doing what they do, I can get this going. Uh, I'm I'm on board with this. This looks like a strong card to me. Big fan of this one. Um, I gave it a seven, but I mean it's a it's a four three flyer. Like you said, you're casting for five. Like, what don't you like about that? Yeah, I I, I would say probably six for me. I guess I'm a little more flat on the the power scale because like it it is still just a creature that's attacking and blocking. But it seems like a really good one. Like that three toughness in the air uh, means we're going to crash through a lot. And and usually need them to like double block it or use a legitimate removal spell on it. So I I like this card. You need artifacts. You imagine, play artifacts in your blue deck. Durr. Durr. Yeah. Uh, can you imagine playing this on turn four though? That would be amazing. That would be amazing. You're good. probably winning that game. Very much so. All right. That is blue. So how do you how do you feel about blue? I don't like it as much as I liked white, but I think that's because I default more towards playing aggressive in draft. And, and like, there's a, a reason that I default to playing aggressive in draft, right? Like, if I have a good control deck, a good controlling deck, and my opponent stumbles, they can sometimes draw out of it. Whereas if I have a decent aggressive deck and my opponent stumbles, I can kill them. But blue seem to have a good mix of tricks, evasion, and even some pieces for maybe a, a blue being a support color for an aggressive deck. So I think I like it considerably more than I did in Kaladesh. I think blue has gotten a significant upgrade here. Uh, the downside is even though we've got two packs of these cards, which look pretty good to me, we've still got one pack of Kaladesh, which had some pretty mediocre blue cards in it, in my estimation. That is true. Um, you're definitely going to like the the Skies Matter, the blue-white Skies um, defensive on the ground deck definitely is a thing here. Yeah. Um, lots of controlling cards. And then the Aethertide Whale and the Winkin Raiders, I think, are two of the cards that I'm most excited to play in blue if I do. Um, with the quick smith spy, probably a close third on that one, I would say. 
Yeah, and I, I like the Aether Thief, and I like the Trophy Mage, too. So I, I think we've got enough going on here that, that I'll be happy to play blue in this format, whereas I was kind of sad if I was playing blue in Kaladesh. Like, I had some good blue decks, but it took very specific good cards to being passed to me late for me to be like, fine, I'll be blue. Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, we're uh, two-thirds of the way, or two-fifths of the way through the colors, plus then we have gold and artifacts, so please stick around, and we'll be back with black. And we are back in black with our first card, Aether Poisoner, one in a black for a 1-1 human artificier. Death Touch, when it enters the battlefield, you get two energy counters. Whenever it attacks, you may spend those two and get a 1-1 Tom Servo. Yeah, uh, I really like the 1-1 Death Touchers for one or two mana. We had um, the one with Skulk in a previous set. Mm -hmm. Um, I think think a lot of people underrate them. I might overrate them, but... I mean, it just it slices, it dices, it blocks, and sometimes it'll attack through and make a servo. Um, I think making a servo on it is going to be less frequent than some of the other cards in this cycle, but the Death Touch is a huge upside, so um, I gave it a 6.5. I'm pretty happy to play this card. Yeah, I think I'd probably put it at a 5, like playable common level stuff that I'm happy about. Um, it can block very well. It doesn't block things that are evasive, and it can't really attack your opponent for much. I guess on an empty board, it's not that far away from a grizzly bear. So maybe it's a little better than I'm giving it credit yeah, for. I think it's just the one, one death toucher that makes two energy. I probably ignore the servo text on that one. When yeah, I but it. from, from my perspective, I need something to be able to pressure my opponent. And like, mm-hmm. it's, it's almost a one and a half slash one and a half power and toughness card. So it, sure. it it's a little bit better than just a two mana one, one death touch. Uh, so maybe I'll bump this up to a six. I think I actually like it. It can trade for anything and apply as much. Like, it's two power and toughness for two mana. What the, what else do I want? Yeah, I'm, and if I, your opponent spends a removal spell on it, you still end up with the energy, so... And maybe you can do something with that. I'm, I'm on board. I like the Poisoner. Okay. Um, next up is the Alley Strangler. How do you really strangle an alley? I think it's an ally strangler. Okay, okay. Uh, two and a black for a 2-3 Aetherborn Rogue with Menace. Eh, meh, I think. Um, I mean, if you need a three drop, uh, obviously, but I, I think there's probably better three drops to to like. I, th- I think it, I think it just suffers from the the comparisons to a lot of the three drops that we'll see or that we have seen. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the body's okay. Like it, it's a it blocks very well, but two power on menace kind of sucks. Like if it get if it's getting double blocked, it's probably not killing much of relevance. So I don't know. It's pretty middle of the road, but I think it. I think I rated it a little bit lower than middle of the road. Yeah, I'd probably go four here. Like, it was a 3-2, we're talking about something, but at 2-3, I'm, I'm kind of out. Yeah, I gave it a three. I could see three and a half, but, I mean, they were splitting hairs, so. All right, and I don't have many hairs to split. So let's move on to Battle at the Bridge. This is X black for a sorcery with Improvise. Target creature gets minus X, minus X until end of turn. You gain X life. It is a rare, mm-hmm. uh, but I'm first picking this. I'm sold. Yeah, this is yeah. a... Even if you never cast it with Improvise. Yeah, it, it, it reminds me somewhat of Deathwind and other X-Black spells we've seen before where you're kind of spending more mana to kill the creature than they, they spent to cast the creature. This one has the upside of you can use artifacts to negate some of that if you have some lying around, and you probably will. It's Kaladesh, and you're going to gain some life back. So I, I think this is a very good first pickable removal spell. Be aware that it's sorcery speed. Um, I don't think I mentioned that when I was reading through it. 
Um, so you do have to do this on your turn. It, if you've got excess mana or artifacts, you may want to dump it in there because even if it doesn't kill them all the way dead, you gain the life uh, anyway. So like, why not take advantage of all of your mana? But th- this looks like a very strong card. Can't kill vehicles. Yeah, that's true. But I mean, we're kind of used to that at this point, I think. Yeah, it's it's just very good. Yeah, I think frequently I'm going to dump as much mana as I can into this one on a turn. You know, like if, if I cast this on turn six, I'm not going to cast anything else that turn. So I'm just going to tap as many servos that aren't attacking and as many random puzzle knots as I can to maximize the life gain off of this. Yeah, yeah, I'm in. Overkill. I dig it. Uh, also, that plays around pump spells, too, like his defensive pump yeah. spells, so can't hurt. That's true. Uh, cruel finality. Two and a black for an instant target creature gets minus two, minus two until end of turn. Scry one. <laughs> so it's funny. When I first saw this in the in the spoilers text, I, either the spoilers text was wrong. Um, I was looking at the official one. I was looking at a text version so I could copy-paste a bunch of things. Either I read it incorrectly or is incorrectly in the spoil incorrect in the spoiler. I thought it was a four mana sorcery, and I was like, this is an awful card. And then when I saw that it was a three mana instant, I'm like, that's way different than what I was expecting. So my grading might be a little off on this one. Um the fact that it's instant speed, minus two, minus two is with this like with the as a combat trick is pretty good. It kills a fair number of things just outright, even without it just being in combat. And the scry one tacked on is kind of like you know, like a third of a card or whatever. So I'm up on this card, not nearly as high as like Battle at the Bridge or whatever, which I give an eight, but like, you know, I could see this being like a six and a half to seven. There's better removal, but it is decent removal. How excited were you to play Die Young in Kaladesh? Not very, because it was a sorcery. Yeah, I, I, I think adding a mana to it and making it instant speed and then taking away the upside of if I've got extra energy, I can do a thing. It isn't quite doing it for me. This looks like filler level for me. Like it's not exceptionally functionally different from um, built to last. Like if I'm using it as a combat trick to shrink their guy down and block it, I'm pretty unhappy. If I'm taking out a flyer, that's where I see this being really good. Like if they've got a wind drake that's going to kill me or a three, two that I need to deal with, it can do those things. But I, I, I don't think this is one that I'm picking uh, super early or, or super often, although I'll probably play one in my black deck. I, I'm not nearly as excited about it as you are. That's fair. I think early on in the format, we were picking Die Young. At least I was a little higher than it should have been, like they where I was at the end of the, the format. So yeah. maybe that's why I'm higher on Cruel Finality. But like, I think instant speed is a big deal. It is, but so is three mana. Like it, if, if I'm using it to instant speed kill something, like why was Shock a good card? I mean, obviously, because it's one mana. Yeah, it's one mana and it can go to the face. This is a three mana shock that can't go to the face, but can be a combat trick and save my dude. And t- stapling scry onto it's not nothing. Like, that's certainly yeah. valuable. But uh, I-, I think this is going to end up about where Die Young ended up, which is playable, serviceable, black common, but not anything I'm going to get excited about. Okay. Now, I might be a little too high on this one, but I'm I'm going to pick it highly, I think. I'm excited about this next one. Daring Demolition. Two black black sorcery destroy target creature or vehicle, period. Sold. Sold. Like, it's not instant speed. It'd be better if it was, but this is great, right? Yeah, it's it's awesome. Um, Like, four mana, unconditional. Like, that's what we get these days. Um, And it's a common? Whoa. Black is going to be overdrafted, for sure. So... My question for you is, Is do you prefer this or Battle at the Bridge? Probably this. Yeah? Yeah. I think it's close. 
I, I think it's close too, which speaks to the power level of this card. Like both of us were excited about Battle of the Bridge, and with this at common, it, it reminds me a lot of Oblivion Strike. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, like I can see a lot of drafts starting with, well, there's a Daring Demolition, so I'll take that. Yeah. I wonder if black is going to be, oh, like I said, overdrafted because of this card specifically. It depends on how good the drafters are. Like if I first pick one of these and then don't see any good black, I'm, I'm not playing black, like stay open, pick the good cards. And in, even with things like Oblivion Strike and there was a white one too that you first picked early. I can't remember what it was. Battle for Zendikar has been a while back, but like first picking these doesn't mean that you're black unless you're not particularly good at draft, in which case you open it and you're like, well, I'm black. So I'd, I'd say it depends on the level of the people that you're drafting with, but this is an absurdly powerful card. I, I would say this is this is an eight, which is as high as I'll go for a card that can't just win the game. That's fair. That's fair. It is premium premium removal, no question. Yeah, I, I think you still take like amazing bombs over it, though. Like something that can win the game on its own. I'm more interested in that than I am this. Mm-hmm. 100%. Um, also not splashable. That that was a thing Doomblade had going on. The double black means you're playing black. That's true. Battle at the Bridge is splashable. Yeah. Uh, next up is Defiant Salvager. Two and a black for a 2-2. Sacrifice an artifact or creature. Put a plus one, plus one counter on Defiant Salvager. Activate this ability only anytime you could cast a sorcery. So not being instant speed kind of sucks. Um, however, it does have the upside, which I think kind of negates that, of uh, f- it free mana, like no mana cost revolt. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you have artifacts that you don't mind going to the graveyard or you don't mind sacrificing to make this guy bigger i think it's a really good three drop if you're just playing it as a two two like forget it play the mana guy instead so it's a you know it goes up the more random servos like i don't mind sacrificing servos to this at all um i don't mind sacrificing the we'll see the implements not the puzzle knots but the implements which are very cheap and when they go to the yard you draw a card with them obviously you want to sacrifice those with this as well so um yeah i'm i'm okay with this card i gave it a five but i could see building around this or i think i think quite frequently this will be a three three for three instead of a a two two for three yeah all of the things that you said i thought were going to make you rate it higher but we actually end up the same way because i look at it and i see all of the disadvantages right like Mm -hmm. i sacrifice a servo and then they pacify this guy and i'm like man um presumably there's still some plus one plus one counter themes with black and green i'm i'm sure even if there's not in this set there still are in the kaladesh pack so i think this guy's serviceable and on an empty board i suppose you could just go all in and try to kill somebody with it not being able to activate it in combat is kind of an issue because like one of the things that was neat about Nantuko Husk, which is a very similar card to this, is I could attack in. If you block with your 2-2, I just trade something else for it. If you don't, I get into 2 damage and then do something else. Um, and, and this is missing that. But I, I think the instant speed trigger, or excuse me, free mana revolt trigger is going to be worth it on the, the salvager. So I'll, I'll go 5 with you there too. Okay, cool. Fatal Push, what's up? One black for an instant. Destroy target creature if it has converted mana cost two or less. Revolt, destroy target creature if it has converted mana cost four or less. Heck yeah, this is probably not really good in draft, but it's very good for um, modern. I'm excited to start brewing with this in Jun. It's it's okay in draft. People are going to first pick this and be like, heck yeah, I'm black, but it kind of doesn't kill the creatures you care about in draft very often. 
That is true. Um, I like it more than Cruel Finality, but if I overrated that, then I'm overrating Fatal Push. I think you're killing a four-converted mana cost creature quite frequently with this card because it's so cheap that it's easy to hold up on your turn, yeah. and you can just block and trade. So like like I said before, like the instant speed revolt triggers are much easier for you to con- for you to get because you're in con- you're more in- I feel you're like you're more in control of of them. You can block with them. You don't have to rely on your opponent blocking with them. Your opponent's going to be removing your creatures or bouncing your creatures at some point. So um, so it's easier for you to control when you can cast this and get the revolt value off of it. So I think if you swing the needle on this, you're more removing four mana uh, or four CMC creatures rather than two. Um, but I like, I'll take Battle at the Bridge and Daring Demolition way more than Fatal Push. So I might be overrating Fatal Push at a, at a seven and a half. I think it's actually a conversation about Daring Demolition and Fatal Push because just costing one mana is is exceptionally efficient. Like you just don't get one mana instant speed removal. Um, so I, I, I don't know which of those is better yet. I, I do recognize that this doesn't kill bombs, right? And Daring Demolition does. But Fatal Push can get something out of the way so that you can attack. It will often let you cast something else on the turn. And like you said, it will be easier to enable the revolt on this. So I, I think this is a high pick. And I think I'm going to start picking it much higher than Daring Demolition. And then kind of see from there. But like if, if I'm using this to kill my opponent's Grizzly Bear, I'm really unhappy. That's true. Um, it's pretty close to... Sh- well, not, I think it's better than Shock. Yeah, I do too. Right? And, and sometimes you use Shock on a Grizzly Bear. Mm-hmm. So I think you rate this higher than shock and we'll see shock in the format already uh, uh, later on here, but it'll be interesting. Maybe, maybe I'm rating it too high. Maybe I rate shock too low. I don't know. We'll find out. I'm, I'm excited to find out, but I, I'm going to start with this being my first pick out of the black cards we've seen so far. Um, maybe even higher than the X one. Huh? And mm, that's pretty tough. I think the X one's really good. I think it is too. That's a conversation. Okay. Um, next up is the Finn Hauler. We've got to transport those fins. This is six and a black for a five-five improvise. Can't be blocked by artifact creatures. I wonder if that's going to be relevant. I, I imagine it might be. Um, Can't jump it is, forever with servos. No, I think you're casting this for five or six. I, I think generally across the board, improvise is going to be like a one casting cost discount on average. Like I think you can easily rely on that. Um, you're probably never casting this for seven. Um, you know, if you cast it on turn five, it's pretty okay, but it's not exciting. So I gave it like a, like a four, four and a half, but you, you might want one. And if this is like a finisher, I think you're okay with it being like, we played cow prowlers and it's kind of a similar card to that. I mean, sure. It's one power, one toughness creature, but sometimes you just need a, a five, five and the not being blocked by artifact creatures may come up, um, against some opponents. So it, it's unexciting, but I, I would I would probably play one. Yeah, I, I think so too. It it, it reminds me of Gearseeker Serpent, but it, it it doesn't have that force through the damage aspect. Uh, so I'll agree with you there. Um, next up is Foundry Hornet, three and a black for a two three insect flying. When it enters the battlefield, if you control a creature with a plus one plus one counter, creatures your opponents control get neg one neg one until end of turn. Yeah. Um... A 2-3 flyer is not too bad for 4-mana. For, for um, and if you're in the right deck, it shouldn't be too hard to trigger this minus 1, minus 1. Whether that minus 1, minus 1 actually does anything, you know, it's going to be hit or miss. So sometimes it'll enable a bunch of attacks. Sometimes it'll remove some tokens and some X1s, um, you know, 3-1s or whatever. Um, so don't 
I wouldn't go ham around making sure that you're always getting this trigger, but it shouldn't be too hard to get. I gave it a five. Maybe it needs to be a little bit higher in the right deck, like picking it up in pack two. I don't know if I pick it early. Like there's a lot of black cards I'd rather pick over this, um, but I might pick it up late if I'm already in that kind of plus one, plus one counter theme deck. Yeah, even if you just have like a subtle strike in your deck or one of these defiant salvagers or something, having that ability is better than nothing. And it looks like it murders a lot of what White's trying to do, mm-hmm. um, which I, I think is very strong. So I like this card. I would probably go five and a half, six on this because it's, you know, we've seen plenty of four mana, two, three flyers in various formats. And as long as you're not dying to some giant trampling green thing, that's a fine card too. So looking at my chart that doesn't have numbers on it, I think there's about 15 X ones across the board uh and then obviously you have servos and thopters as well so that's that's a decent number of targets that this thing can can eliminate and you've also got the option of attack your 2-2 into their 3-3 if your 2-2 isn't relevant you've got something else with a counter and then after combat play the hornet and get some value that way yeah and there are a lot of there seem to be a lot of two threes Mm -hmm. so you know sometimes you'll bounce a two three off a two three right and then you can um neg one neg one it as well so your mileage will vary, but um, yeah, it's a reasonable card. Yeah, I'm digging it. Um, next up is the fourth bridge prowler. How many bridges are there? Uh, this is one black, so just black mana, for a 1-1 human rog. When fourth bridge prowler enters the battlefield, you may have target creature get minus one, minus one until end of turn. So again, 15 targets, but the 1-1 body it leaves behind is kind of... Eh... It's one mana, so it's cheap. So maybe you can stack these, but I don't. I don't think that's something you want to be doing. It's tough. I, I rated it low. I gave it a three and a half uh, out of ten because I don't like playing the the Foundry Hornet and having some targets for it is is better because the two three body it leaves behind is is decent. This doesn't block anything and it doesn't attack through anything. You might kill a servo and then trade it for another servo, and are you happy with that? Not really. So. I could see this coming out of the board against a deck with a lot of X ones, but I don't think I ever want to main deck this card. Yeah, I think I'm with you there. This is a nightmare for decks that are trying to attack aggressively with three ones because you kill one when you come down and then you're going to kill another when it attacks in. So it looks like a, a real strong plant that black may have some control side to it, perhaps paired with blue. And like this is your sideboard for the red, white aggressive deck because this, this is this is really a nightmare for my deck that has a bunch of those three one guys. I, I see this, and it's almost just scoop. It's a two-for-one there. Yeah. Uh, next up, we have Gifted Aetherborn. This is black, black for a 2-3 Death Touch lifelink. Uh, I think I saw the nickname for this, uh, Vampire Night Walk, because it doesn't have fly. <laughs> okay. So um, I'm sold on this one. Huge upside. 2-3 Death Touch lifelink. I mean, I like the one or the two-mana uh, Death Toucher. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think this is just way better. The fact that it's a 2-3 means that it attacks for a relevant amount. It gets through a lot of early blockers. Um, like it gets through the 2-2s and the 2-3s. If they double block it, you can kill two things with it. The lifelink is relevant, and the three toughness on defense is also relevant. The only downside is the double black casting cost. Yeah. But if you can cast this on curve, I think it's a 7 out of 10. Easy. Yeah, it's it's not as good as... The Vampire Nighthawk, obviously, because it's not evasive. But the fact that we can trade, I, I think, bumps it up. And in addition, um, do bear in mind that double black is a thing. 
Like that wants to be in a deck that has at least nine swamps, and even then you won't cast it on turn two sometimes. So keep that in mind. Um, I'm also starting to think more about the fourth bridge prowler. I realize we passed that one by, and I hate backtracking like this, but this is not that dissimilar from Forge Devil. Like again, we could attack a two three into a two three, have him bounce and play this guy. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's super relevant, but maybe I'm not terribly embarrassed if there's one of these as my twenty third card. Okay, you played over a basic land. Yeah, something like that. Okay, um, but yeah, I, I like the gift of Aetherborn. This is probably a, a seven ish card. Like the fact that it can trade for a lot of stuff on an empty board, it'll gain you life link. I, I like it. I like it. Okay. Glint Sleeve Siphoner is one in a black for a 2-1 menace. Okay. When Glint Sleeve Siphoner attacks, excuse me, when Glint Sleeve Siphoner enters the battlefield or attacks, you get an energy counter. At the beginning of your upkeep, you may pay two if you do draw a card and lose one life. In. I want this. Yeah, it's a really good way to spend your excess energy. Um, How often, like how frequently do you think you're getting energy off the attack trigger on this? It uh, depends on if you're able to turn to it and exactly what their blocks are. If you're on the play and turn to this, you probably just got an extra card out of it. Yeah. So, if, And if you're drawing one card out of it, you're probably okay with that, right? Yeah. There was a 2-1 Menace in Eldritch Moon that I played quite happily. And this is that with Upside. So it, it, okay. it, it doesn't fit with a lot of what we've seen in the other black stuff and that this wants to be a little more on the aggressive side. But uh, I very much like the card. And if there's an aggressive deck that wants black, like black-white, black-red are coming to mind here, then this is going to fit right into it. And sure. it's certainly playable in all the others, too. Yeah. Um, do you like this or the Gifted Aetherborn, the Death Touch Lifelinker, more? I like the Glint Sleeve Siphoner more because that upside of drawing cards seems better to me. That said, the Gifted Aetherborn seems like it would go in more decks, but the Double Black is a little scary there. Like, I could play the, the Glint Sleeve Siphoner in a Black-Red deck that's playing eight or even seven swamps and be all right with it. Whereas the Aetherborn, I'm kind of committing myself to, okay, we're playing at least nine swamps. Sure. That's fair. Okay. Um, I gave it a six and a half, whereas I gave the Aetherborn a seven. I think, I think it's very close though. And I think you're right. Um, I would pick Aetherborn earlier in pack one to speculate on mono or not mono black, but heavily black. Whereas Siphoner, like you said, goes better in it. Like you pick it up in pack two, if you're kind of black, but the Aetherborn might be harder to cast for you. So. I, I think I would pick this. I think I'm the other way, but the, the cards are at least close. Like drawing extra cards and limited when it comes stapled to a relevant body seems good to me. Like mm-hmm. she doesn't have to attack to give you the energy. You can find it somewhere else if you like. That's true. If you have, if you have an energy matters like pack one, pick this up early in pack two. You're absolutely okay with that. Yeah. So I, I could even see the siphoner going in like black blue where you've got, mm-hmm. or even black green where there's some energy stuff. So I, th- I think I like the siphoner a good bit better. You could play it on a splash in like a blue-green energy deck with a couple of attune with ethers. Yeah, you could. That would be amazing. Yeah, I think that bumps it up for me. Okay. Um, next up is Gonti's Machinations. This is a black for an enchantment. Whenever you lose life for the first time each turn, you get an energy counter. Pay two energy counters, sacrifice machinations. Each opponent loses three life. You gain life equal to the life lost this way. So this is Art kind noise. of a white lightning bolt that only goes to the face and is on suspend and you have to take damage if this is your only i'm down i'm out forget it where's my fart noise button yeah 
I don't, I don't like this card. I, no. You can find a way if your deck needs the energy, but even then your opponent can keep you from getting getting the energy by just not attacking you until they can kill you. Uh, meh. There you go. I might play it into Hit a Giant at the pre-release when I go. Yeah. If I open two, that'd be fun. But. Okay, I could see that being something. But as far as Bread and Butter Limited, this is just not, not what we want. Not a thing. Uh, Herald of Anguish, five black black for a demon. It is a 5-5 flyer with Improvise. At the beginning of your end step, each opponent discards a card, and you can spend one in a black, sacrifice an artifact, target creature gets neg 2, neg 2 until end of turn. That is my mind blowing. Yes. Um, so this is part of that mythic cycle. I don't know if you mentioned it was a mythic. Um, yeah, you're casting it for cheaper, usually like probably five or six mana, probably five more frequently because it's such a late game card. Mm-hmm. Like, like you're not casting it on turn five, but you're probably casting it four or five mana, which means you can probably get off the neg two, neg two right away. Um, and you get the value immediately in your opponent's er, in, in your end step. So like your opponent, you make them discard a card, assuming they have cards in hand right away. Yeah, I'm in. I gave this a nine out of 10. I think this card wins games on its own. Yeah. And you can also cast it for less than seven mana. Yeah, sold. Everything that Dave said, it's the improvise that really pushes this over the edge for me. If it didn't have that, it would still be a, a solid card and something I'm interested in in Sealed. But with Improvise, I, I'm ready to go. Let's 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 get Improv. Yeah. Like, you first pick this one and you jam Servo Makers and you jam... Just like just like you would with a Gear, Se- uh, Gear Seeker Serpent. Mm-hmm. Um, except this is way better. Yeah, yeah. I like it. Uh, up next is Ironclad Revolutionary. Four black black for a 4-4 four, four Aetherborn Artificier. Uh, when Ironclad Revolutionary enters the battlefield, you may sacrifice an artifact. If you do, put two plus one plus one counters on Ironclad Revolutionary, and each opponent loses two life. So it's a six mana, sometimes Cowl Prowler? Yeah, you can build your own Cowl Prowler at Uncommon, and you only have to sacrifice an artifact. And pay six mana? I'm out. Yeah. This is, if you need a big dumb thing, here's a big dumb thing. You're not often going to want a big dumb thing, would be my guess. Um, and the two life drain is just not there for me. So I, I do not like this card, but it, again, there there will be decks where you will want this. The counters could matter, but I, I think you could probably do better for six mana. Yeah, absolutely. You could. All right. Up next is two black black for Midnight Entourage. This is a rare Aetherborn Rogue. It's a three three. Other Aetherborn you control get plus one plus one. When Midnight Entourage or another Aetherborn you control dies, you draw a card and lose one life. How many Aetherborn are there, Dave? I'm just looking at that right now. There are at least eight, I think, in black. Okay. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. One of them is is a rare, though, I think. So, um, plus there's all of the Aetherborn in Kaladesh. Yep. How many Aetherborn do you need to make this... um, a good card. None. You're just going to play a four mana three, three by that draws a card by itself. Yep. Okay. So if you have some number, let's say you have like five or six Aetherborn in your deck. Uh, how high I like, I rate, I think, I think I rate this card an eight. If you get just some random number of Aetherborns and I think it's probably a seven if it's your only one, maybe, maybe six ish for me, like a hill giant body isn't amazing. We've seen two drops that would trade with it, for example. But I, I think the upside of when it dies, you draw a card. Like if this was just a four mana three three, when it dies, you draw a card. I'd be happy. 
The fact that it's a sometimes anthem bumps it up a little bit for me. And the fact that it's double black bumps it down a little bit for me. Uh, that said, double color on turn four, not nearly as hard as double color on turn two. It's true. And when your other Aetherborns die, you also get the cards. Yeah, but presumably they're going to kill this first if they, if they have any ability to do that. Presumably. Yeah, I'm I'm like I'm going to pick it highly. Like I'll speculate it on it in pack one because there are a lot of common Aetherborns, right? Like the Defiant Salvager and the Alley Strangler and the, you know, just random Aetherborns in Kaladesh. Um, like I think a lot of the... No, those were all Artificer. All the Fabricate ones were Artificer. The, the Aetherborn, there was a Flyer that was an Aetherborn. There was... There's a lot of things that are Aetherborns, so yeah. I'm yeah, in. I'm, I'm in on this too. I think this is a strong card. Um, next up is Night Market Aeronaut. Three and a black for a 2-2 Aetherborn Warrior with Flying. Revolt, you get a plus one, plus one counter. Again, this is the Revolt staple to a creature. I think most of the time this is going to be a 2-2 Flyer. Some of the time it's going to be a 3-3 Flyer. Um, the needle's probably closer to 2-2 than it is to 3-3. Mm-hmm. So split the difference, call it a 2.5, 2.5. It's okay. It's okay. not great. It's like, situationally better or worse than a wind drake. If, if you've got a lot of ways to enable revolt, it can be better. If you've got the Aetherborn Midnight Entourage, of course, it gets a little better then. I think this guy's serviceable. Like make it a like, th- make it a three two, and I'm a little more excited. Like if that's my fail case. Yeah. Do you like this or or wind drake more? No, I don't really like either of them. Okay. I think in the right deck, this is better than a Windrake. If I can make a deck that can consistently enable this, then this is better than a Windrake. Sure. That's fair. I gave it a five and a half. Uh, what did I give Windrake? Like a five? Yeah, this is a five. Yeah. Okay. Whatever Windrake is, this is kind of the same rating. Sure. Um, next up is Perilous Predicament. Four and a black for an instant. Each opponent sacrifices an artifact creature and a non-artifact creature. I mean, it's a two for one. Potentially. Sometimes. Sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes it's going to hit a servo. The fact that it has artifact creature and non-artifact creature means that, you know, you can get something of relevance sometimes. So I think against the right opponent, it's okay. But um, I'm not sure where to, to come down on it, to be honest. There's so many better removal spells that you would rather play. Um, instant speed is relevant. It's better on an empty board or a pseudo empty board. Yeah, edicts are always weird and limited. Like this basically says your opponent sacrifices their worst artifact and their worst artifact creature if they have both. It may just do one. At it's neat that it's instant. At five mana, it's a little scary. Black doesn't often get ways to deal with artifacts. So if your opponent has one big artifact that's an issue, this is a neat way to take care of it. It's artifact creature. So it's not artifact and creature oh. it's artifact creature and a non-artifact creature okay so it's i missed two that. creatures so two creatures yeah. hmm yeah I don't, I don't know what five mana and now that i understand that i can't even kill artifacts with it i'm significantly less excited about it yeah i think it's a sideboard material i don't it might be tough to main deck if you're short on removal i guess you main deck it but i i think you main deck it when you're overloaded on removal if you're killing everything else and something fair. like this gets a little better I don't think I'd want this to be my only removal spell. I'd rather just play a, a five-drop creature and play player removal. Yeah, I think this card sucks. I don't like All it. Right. You're out? Yep, I'm out. It's garbage. All right. I'm going to give it a speculative four. And I'm also going to play it in two-hit a giant. 
Okay, yeah, it gets better there because it says each opponent. <laughs> I'm actually really excited to, to play two at a giant, so I'm dreaming of all these cool decks that I can build <laughs> opening 12 packs with my daughter. Awesome. Uh, next up is Renegade's Getaway. Two and a black for an instant target permanent gains indestructible until end of turn. Create a 1-1 colorless servo artifact creature token. I wish it was in the other order, and then it might be playable. Like if it was create a artifact and then make it indestructible. Yeah, create. And then, it could just, and then it could just block something, but even then it would just be worse worse than a fog. I'm I'm off on this card. You might side it in against a deck that has a ton of removal. Even then it's not very good. I mean, it's kind of paying one extra for your negate, except you get to make a servo. So you're kind of like paying one mana for a 1-1. One, one. I, I don't think all of that together is good enough. It's a serviceable combat trick. It probably goes up a good bit if I've got a bunch of the Death Touch dudes. Um, mm-hmm. if I can have them attack in or I can attack in with it and they think they're going to trade and then, oh, it's indestructible. And we, we have seen a common death toucher in black. So I, I think it's probably got a place, just not a very good one. I would put this at like maybe three ish. Like I can see some yeah. black decks where I'll play it, but it's never going to be like, oh my God, we got them. I gave it a one and a half, mostly because I think you're going to see these 13th, 14th pick a lot of the time. Yeah. Um, and we have Russia. We had Russia Vitality in Kaladesh, which is just way better. I know you only get one pack of Kaladesh, but if you want this effect, you probably can find a Russia Vitality in pack three. Yeah, that doesn't play as well with the Death Touchers. Well, I guess it does because it's one cheaper. Yeah, yeah, you're right. This is just worse than Russia Vitality. Yeah. Um, Resourceful Return is one in a black for a sorcery return target creature card from your graveyard to your hand. If you control an artifact, draw a card. <sighs> I kind of like it, but I didn't rate it too, too highly because you don't want too many of these. And I think because it's common, you can get it late. Um, it shouldn't be too hard to get activate the draw a card. Um, as long as you're drawing a card, I think it, it's it's okay. Like it's like a three, three and a half, but that's because you don't want this effect a lot, right? There's only one spot in your deck for a card like this, I think. Mm-hmm. I would be interested in a card like this specifically in a grindy matchup. Where I feel like my stuff is going to die and we're going to trade off things. I don't want any sort of aggressive deck where I'm likely getting back a Goblin Piker with it or something like that. Um, so it, it goes up a little bit in sealed as well. But I, I think if you've drafted them as you know a three rating or a four rating and end up with one, you're not too embarrassed. And like in a blue-black artifact deck where you've, you've got limited number of kill conditions, this could also be pretty good. Yeah, it also goes up with the Death Touchers that we saw. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I would side this in more frequently than I would side in Renegade's Get- Getaway, the last card we just reviewed, because the draw card and it's cheaper um, just in general. Like, I, I don't I'd rather not give my creature indestructible. I'd rather bring it back from the yard and maybe get an extra ETB effect. So I like this a lot more than the, the previous card we reviewed. I gave it a three. I'll probably play one. What was the one that we played just recently? Um uh, do no. Uh, it was in Shadows over Innistrad. It's like it's very a creature back if it's a zombie draw a card. Yeah, was that it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very similar to that, and I liked that card. Um, yeah. A reasonable amount. We had some mill action going there and and discard stuff to madness. So you like there was a little more going on there, mm-hmm. but this one's a little easier to enable because you're going to have artifacts in Kaladesh, whereas you had to specifically have zombies for that. So I, 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 I think this is probably filler level. And it, again, keep in mind things like grindy matchups, something like this is going to get a little bit better. And against an aggressive deck, you really don't have time to do anything like this. You need your two drop to block their two drop. Would you side two of these in in a really grindy match? 
Super grind fest. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Uh, next up is secret salvage. This is three black black for a rare sorcery. Exile target non-land card from your graveyard. Search your library for any number of cards with the same name as that card. Reveal them and put them into your hand. Then shuffle your library. That's a whole lot of nothing. Pretty much. I, I can't conceive of a scenario where we would want this in limited. So No, not pass. ever. Zero. Somebody's going to build a deck with this in the thing that you win if you have eight cards that have the same name. And my hat's off to you, sir, ma'am. Oh, can you imagine? <laughs> Yeah, that's that's the dream. Here, here's the dream. Here's Magical Christmas Land. Pick up eight of the um, one mana artifact. We'll get to it. There's a there's a couple of one mana artifacts you could pick up. Pick them all up on the wheel. Get eight of them. Play this. Win the game. There you go. No, no. <laughs> Sly Requisitioner is four and a black for a two two. Sold. This has got to do something cool. I'm actually not sold. Improvise. Okay. Whenever a non-token artifact you control is put into a graveyard from the battlefield, create a 1-1 colorless servo artifact creature token. What am I doing with this? You're overpaying for a 2-2 that maybe makes a servo? I don't see it. Like, you're not going to combo off with this and the scavenger or whatever it was. The, uh, was it Defiant? No. Which one was it? Yeah, Defiant Scavenger. You're not comboing off with that. Because you're you probably want to sacrifice servos for plus one plus one counters. Um, puzzle knots are too expensive. The implements, I mean, maybe with the implements we'll see coming up. I don't, I don't think it's a very good card, especially because it's five casting costs. Like, yeah, it's got improvised, but you're you may be paying four for this. I don't know. I'm off. I give it a two. Yeah, I'm. I'm not really into this. It's possible there's some sort of control shell that's playing a bunch of artifacts anyway, without many creatures. And you're going to use this to buy time and get some chump blocks in, but I, I don't like this card. Yeah. All right. Too much work. Hard noise once again. Yeah, too much work. Up next, Vengeful Rebel. Two and a black for an uncommon Aetherborn warrior. It's a 3-2. Revolt. Um, target creature and opponent controls gets negative three, negative three until end of turn. Hello. Yeah. And and the body is relevant enough that if even if you're not doing the revolt, you're it's it's not the end of the world here. Um, I think I like this more than the Harpooner. Me too, um, for sure. Because of the three power, and it's probably easier to kill something with it. So I'm going to just scroll back up. What did I give the Harpooner? Uh, I gave it a six. I'm going to give this a six and a half. <laughs> I like this considerably better than the Harpooner, which I think I didn't like all that much at all. This gets even better with the Blink effects in blue. Um, and, and like you said, if you have to play it as a three mana, three, two, that's okay. It's not the end of the world, but it's got a lot of upside. If you can blink it later, attack in, get somebody to you know trade with your stuff. This is a nice card. I could see starting a lot of drafts with this guy. Mm-hmm. It's it's built around like if you have those blink effects, it's a very good build around. Mm-hmm. Um, interestingly, I could see even bouncing this for one mana with the the combat trick in white, and then replaying it, and you get a four mana minus three minus three. Reminds me of Tooth Collector. Yeah. Uh, well, Tooth Collector could eventually trigger every turn, but I mean, this is, this, yeah. is, this it is similar, but it's a very strong card. I, I like the Vengeful Rebel a lot. Yeah. Um, up next, we have Yahini Undying Partisan. This is two and a black for a 2-2 rare Aetherborn Vampire with haste. Whenever a creature an opponent controls dies, put a plus one, plus one counter on Yahini. Sacrifice another creature. Yahini gains indestructible until end of turn. It's pretty good. 
Yeah, I don't know what's not to like about this. Like, you can get in some hits, you can build him up. He plays obviously well with combat tricks, and there's always threat of activation. Like, if your opponent doesn't have great blocks for it, because you could just sacrifice some servos or whatever, he's just going to get even even better. So I, I like Yenny quite a bit. That that seems like a strong card to me, and it's it's reasonably costed at two and a black, not like colorless black black. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it's the only irrelevant thing on this card. It might even be haste. Yeah, that's the part that seems like it doesn't quite fit, but I'm still not unhappy to have it. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I would be quite happy for picking this card. Are you going to first pick this over the Daring Demolition or the Battle at the Bridge or Fatal Push? I don't know yet. I need to see how how much of a synergy format this is. Initially, yes, I'm going to first pick it because I want to try him out and and see what what he does. But as the format plays out, we'll learn whether that's a better first pick or not. Um, but this looks like a synergy card, right? Um. Yeah, I mean, no. I think I think it's just the value card. Your opponent's creatures are going to die. If you're in black, you're going to have removal, right? Yeah. And and you you can sacrifice like you can sacrifice anything to keep this alive, right? Yeah. It just completely blanks removal. Yeah. Okay. It the- blanks aura based removal. It 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 slices it dices. It's your. I think your first pick slamming this um, over. I I think I think you're first picking this quite a bit. It doesn't blank aura based removal. That's a nice clean way to deal with him. It well no no sorry they, they will put aura based on this. But if you play this after, then you sacrifice the creature that has the you know what I mean. Like it doesn't blank it. Go. I'm sorry, you're there right. You it doesn't blank it. It it is a way to get value out of those creatures that have been uh, caught in the headlights and not yet removed, like not yet run over. So okay. Yeah, I, I like this card quite a bit. I think I'm first picking it. After, after looking at it and reading it and understanding it a little better, like their stuff's eventually going to trade off. You can attack in and, and it shouldn't be too hard to get this to a 3-3. So I, I like Yehini quite a bit. Uh, Yehini's expertise is two black black for a sorcery. All creatures get neg three, neg three until end of turn. You may cast a card with converted mana cost three or less from your hand without paying its mana cost. It's really good. I think so. The the and you said the magical toughness was like two and a half or whatever. Yeah, I think this kills a lot of things. So this will kill a lot of things that you care about, and then you can cast something from your hand that's not going to suffer from the negative three, negative three. It's a true story. If you're um, super lucky and living in magical Christmas land, I you I guess you could cast Yehini and then cast this. Uh, no, Yehini would die. Well, if, if you can get a couple counters on. You have to first. kill your opponent's creatures first. Yeah, okay. Okay. That's, right. So that's not quite Magical Christmas Land, though. Magical Christmas Land is sandbagging a hand with uh, Yahini and the Expertise and, like, a couple of, like, uh, four drops or, a couple, or, like, a couple of two drops or whatever, and then not playing anything until Yahini's Expertise on turn four, wiping their board because they went two, three, four and played a bunch of three threes, and then... Uh, cascading out Yahini or casting it for free and then swinging in for 2-2 haste. That is Magical Christmas Land. Okay, okay. The, the, I can get behind that. I, so we're we're first picking this card every time we see it? I don't know. If I see it and with, with a foil Battle at the Bridge, I'm not sure which I would take first. Oh, I'd take this every time. Battle at the Bridge is going to be a good one for one. This one, I understand it's not entirely Wrath, but it's pretty dang close to it. Like, we haven't seen much stuff that lives through this. Yeah. 
Yeah, I will bump it up. I will give it the same rating as Daring Demolition and Battle at the Bridge. I, I think give it an eight. I think it's a little better than both of those. I probably put those at seven. I haven't been keeping track, and I would put this at an eight then because I, I think this is one of the stronger cards we've seen for a black. Okay, that's fair. So looks that is like black. Yeah, it looks like that carries us through black. Uh, Dave, you want to take us off with red? Uh, yeah, actually, I just want to sum up. Like, black looks amazing. Yeah, black right. looks fantastic. It's got good removal. It's got good creatures. It's got value creatures. It has a, a good mix of mechanics with the the improvised cards. Yeah, black looks fantastic. It, is it the is it the best color? I guess we'll have to look at green first. But I, I think I'm going to be very happy playing black. And then black was pretty good in Kaladesh anyway. So the the fact that it looks great here and pretty good there, I, I think, makes this a very strong color. Yeah, I'm excited to uh, always get cut out of black after first picking a really good black card. So <laughs> that probably more accurately describes it. Yes, it is going to be heavily drafted, but that that is okay. All right, we're going to take a super quick break, and then we'll be back for red. <laughs> All right, here we go with red. We have our first red creature, Aether Chaser, which is one and a red for a creature, human artificer at common. It's a 2-1 first striker. It, when it enters the battlefield, you get two energy. This is part of that cycle. And then whenever it attacks, you pay two and make a servo. Two energy, that is. So 2-1 first striker that comes in with two energy and I would say usually makes a servo. Yeah, I think this card is great. I, I had a sealed event uh, yesterday where... The 2-1 Dwarf Pilot basically held back my entire team long enough for my opponent to get a win out of it. And that was without any vehicles. Um, and I was happy to play that card without any vehicles. And this is just an upgraded version of it without the vehicles. But it's a common. I I'm super happy to have a 2-1 first strike. We have seen some 1-3s and there's 1-4s in the format that'll blanket. But like, this seems like a, a very fine card to me. And if you want the servo, you can get the servo. If you want the energy, you've got the energy. This looks like a, a solid, slightly better than playable level card for me, especially for red, which usually wants to be attacking. So I'm in. Let's chase that Aether. I give it a five and a half only because, like, you could probably just pick this up mid to late in the first pack if you were uh, already an aggressive. Like, you don't have to prioritize this. I don't Do know, man. I mean? This is our replacement for Thriving Grubs. I think I'm going to take them early. And, like, they block well, too, especially in multiples. If you've got three of these down, who's attacking into that? That's fair. That's fair. So you think higher than that then? A little bit. A little bit. Okay. That's fair. Next up, we've got uh, Chandra's Revolution. Three and a red for sorcery at common. Uh, it deals four damage to target creature. And you tap target land. And that land does not untap during the next untap step. Man, I want that to be an instance so bad. Mm. Um, that said, it's okay removal. Like We had this effect stapled to a hill giant um, in sets past. And it was pretty good. So kill your thing, slow you down a little bit. Um, I probably am more interested in this in an aggressive deck that's using it to get rid of a blocker because it looks like some of the bigger things it doesn't kill. Uh, we did see some five toughness stuff, but I, I mean, this is probably your bread and butter removal spell for red. So probably not a super high pick, but like once I'm red, I'm into it. I could even right. see taking it like second, third or fourth, something like that. Yeah, so I'm just doing a quick count here. So there's about 65, I want to say, three toughness or less creatures. Okay, so it's going to kill a bunch of stuff. Yeah. Oh, no, actually, there's because it'll kill four toughness, too. So there's not a lot of things this doesn't kill. 
I would say this kills like 75% of the format. Am I just hating it because it's not instant speed and I'm an old man? I, I think you might. I think it's I think it it's really good on like in an aggressive deck if you're casting it on turn four and swinging for damage because it slows your opponent down. I think it's really good mid game because it kills a lot of relevant things. It doesn't kill the five fives, but or vehicles. Or vehicles. But it does kill a lot of other things. Um, and, you know, late game, I mean, the tap down doesn't really matter, but you might be able to take your opponent off double color or something like that. Um, I think it's just, I don't think it's as good as the black removal. Um, but I think it's still like a seven. If you're in red, I think you, you need to prioritize this card because I think it's one of the better removal spells in red. Yeah. And I'm probably going to first pick it some too. So I, I, I think this ends up being a good card, especially if it matches up well with the format. I guess I really need to see green before I can make my determination of, of exactly how wonderful this is, but this seems like a good card to me. I, I, I'll move up to your evaluation there. Okay. Next up is destructive tampering, uh, two in a red for a sorcery at common modal spell, choose one, destroy target artifact. So it's a cheap rem- artifact removal for red. Uh, and or, or sorry, not and or, or creatures without flying cannot block this turn. That looks great. I, I usually like have a falter style effect in my sideboard and then feel terrible when I'm behind and can't use it. But both of these seem relevant. The destroy target artifact is why I'm playing it, right? Like I'm pretty happy to have that in the deck. And the fact that I get to also occasionally have the, oh, look, you, you don't have any blockers. I win is really cool. So I, I think I would value the first one of these pretty highly. Yeah, um, you're, you're. I think you're, you're. You feel better about the fact that you can destroy target artifact for three mana, and then you sometimes have the upside, like you said, of just winning the game straight up. So normally we don't like putting these types of effects in in our decks because they're so they don't do anything on defense. Whereas this can actually do something on defense. It's good mid game. It's good late game. It's good ahead. It's good behind. Um, yeah, I think you want one. So like a five and a half, six, are you picking this over a two, one first striker? Uh, the first one, maybe the second one I have zero interest in though. Yeah. You don't want more than one. Okay. So that, that, that's a weird card that like in the 40 cards I'm playing, if I'm red, I definitely want one of these, but exactly one. So like maybe the first one's a six and then all subsequent ones are zeros, frankly. It's fair. Um, you're never first picking this. no. Yeah, I you're did, never, I, are you like third, fourth picking it if you if you're already red? Maybe if I picked like a good red removal spell and then a good red creature, and then I see this, and there's like I don't know a blue card and a white card that are comparable, I'd probably still take this to stay red and see what's open. Okay, so I, I could see something like that happen, but I'd rather be taking it like sixth, seventh pick after some things have cleared out. I'm like, okay, let's go ahead and grab one of these now because I know I'm going to want it. Yeah, I, I, I could see that. So for the, I gave it a five and a half for that reason. But I think, like you said, the, you want one and you're happy. This or you're, you're not happy like over the moon with this in one of these in your deck, but it is going to be a very solid modal card. Sold. All right. Next up, we have Embril Gear Smasher, two and a red for a human warrior, a creature uh, at common. It's a two, three. So, all right. Uh, has the ability tap and sacrifice an artifact. Embral Gear Smasher deals two damage to each opponent. Okay, so we've got a serviceable body that can attack and block about as expected. Uh, we can trigger Revolt, and we can burn our opponent's face. 
in an aggressive deck, I would probably want one of these somewhere because aggressive decks can sometimes get like the first 15 points of damage in and then stall. And this does give you some inevitability there. They're like, okay, now you have to deal with this guy because in three turns, I'll sacrifice these leftover servos and kill you with them. I, I, I don't think I need to pick this early, but I think if I'm red and have some artifacts in my deck, it's Kaladesh I'm going to, then I probably have room for this guy. Yeah, I think if you can get, like if you just have sacrifice a couple of servos and get four damage out of this card it's probably pulled its weight yeah and the, the, i think i again would like it better as a three two the two three body is is kind of confusing me there tag this on a grizzly bear and all of a sudden i'm in business like it i'm gonna need some threes in aggressive style decks and this is probably one of them and if you can get some value out of triggering revolt etc cetera, etc cetera, it's it's probably a little better i, I probably yeah. put it at like a four though this doesn't seem like an all-star. This seems like limited filler. Yeah, I, I gave it a three and a half. Like you, you'll randomly have these as draft chaff. Yeah, and sometimes they'll land, they'll end up in your deck because you have synergy. Okay. Okay. Cool. Uh, next up is an enraged giant, and boy is he angry. Uh, five and a red, so six mana for a four-four giant at uncommon. It has improvise. This is part of that uh, a six of casting cost improvise cycle. This one has trample and haste. Okay. Is this better or worse than the wayfaring wayward giant or whatever? Which one was that? The four five for five with uh, menace. Four five for five with menace from Kaladesh, the red one. Oh, that one. Yeah. I don't know. I don't either. I mean, they don't see it coming. If if I can cast this for four, then I think I'm pretty happy with it. But it's it's another scenario where I probably don't want to be tapping servos. But like you mentioned, if they're not getting in anyway, I'm not exactly sure where this guy fits in. This is a really difficult card for me to evaluate because obviously six mana for a four, four trample haste is terrible. We don't want that. But it, this is not that. It's probably a five mana four, four trample haste then it's okay. Yeah. It's okay. I, like, I, I'm going to want some top end in case I flood out or have artifacts that aren't doing anything. I, I guess we'll need to see exactly how fast I can get my artifacts out. Like, I could see a curve that starts with the Aether Chaser making a servo, um, you know, into three drop, four drop, and then this guy. And that that's that's pretty great. That's pretty amazing. Yeah, I could see that. I could see that. If you're If you're in an aggressive deck and you're not playing artifact creatures then you're taking turns off to get this guy out on turn four when you haven't attacked your opponent yet. So that kind of sucks. So that's why I mean, you're, you're probably attack. You're probably playing. This as five. I could see like mid game. You could maybe cast this for like two. You know what I mean? And like all of a sudden, you know, Hey, here, take a four, four haste trampler that you have to double lock or something like that to kill. Um, but most of the time you're probably casting it for five. So in most sets, there's a big dumb haste monster in red that's a little overcosted, and I think this is actually just our version of that here. Like, if you want a big dumb haste monster, like a tenement crasher or whatever, that enraged giants, your man. Sure, I gave it a five. I think it's middle of the road. It's not exciting, and it's probably one of those cards that I'll never get to pick because somebody will pick it before me, and it's uncommon. I'll go four on this one. I tend not to value those super highly. Like, it's the the, the one in excuse me two to three drops that I'm interested in if I'm trying to be aggressive. Sure. All right, next up is our dragon of the set, Free Jam Regent. Uh, four red red for a dragon at rare. It has improvise. Ah, 
4-4 flyer, and it has fire breathing. Actually, kind of double fire breathing. So one and a red, uh, it gets plus two, plus zero until end of turn. It's actually a little bit better than regular fire breathing, because if you're playing a two-color deck, you can activate it. Mm -hmm. With that, this guy will close out a game, and with the improvise, I think I really like it. Like, the only Mm -hmm. problem I had with the white version of this was it didn't have improvise, right? Um, yeah, I don't think this is the same cycle. Okay. It it seems similar to it. Um, but yeah, the, the, yeah, you're right. This is a six drop, but th- this card looks great. You can cheat it out fast. This is what I want. Not the enraged giant. I want this. I don't need the haste. Give me flying instead. That's much more relevant. And the fact that I can dump extra mana into it and it looks like a tiger dragon. I'm in. This is, this looks like a bomb to me. Yeah, can you imagine? Like, this is a reason to go overboard on artifacts to cheat, like to cheat it out on turn four, or just play it in your aggressive deck with some artifact creatures and cheat it out on turn five and be happy about it. Yeah, but like, if I'm I'm gonna face this on turn four and I'm gonna be so sad because I won't be able to kill it. Chandra's Revolution does a really good job with it, though. So yeah, and the enchantment based removal kind of stops it in its tracks too. I gave it a seven. I think it's really good. I think so too. I would say at least at that level, maybe a little more. Okay. Next up is Frontline Rebel. Two and a red at, uh, or for a human warrior at common, it's a 3 3. So decent body, uh, but it has to attack every turn if it can. I usually don't like these cards. Yeah. I'm down on it early, but I think the three power and three toughness makes it slightly better than it would in other sets. Okay. I, I will need to play the format some to determine if this is good, but it, it usually there's a, a home for a card like this if one is printed. Like we can trust wizards to know that this card is good enough for playability if they're going to print it. Because like Majoring Bully initially I didn't like an Origins and it turned out that was usually just fine. Like you were never excited to have the Majoring Bully deck, but it was fine. Um, so I, I tend to not like cards like this that are very risky plays. Um, but if you're going in an all in aggressive style deck, then sure, go for it. Just sometimes you need to block and this guy's not going to be able to do that for you. It's true. Um, it's good in a vehicle based deck too, because if your opponent has good blocks for it and you have a vehicle, you can just crew the vehicle and, and keep your creature around. So you do have that kind of out. Yeah. Like I hadn't the, thought of the that. Escape clause on that one. Um, like, and it's three power, which is really good at crewing a lot of the, the, those vehicles that we saw in Kaladesh. Um, you know, the Bombat Bazaar or whatever it was and, and things like that. So, but I don't think it's an early pick. And again, it's common. You should be able to wheel these. Not all decks want it. I gave it a three. Yeah, I think that's a reasonable place for it to be. It's three mana, three power, three toughness. It's a three. Sure. Next up, uh, three and a red for Gremlin Infestation. It's an aura at Uncommon. Enchant Artifact. So not a creature, just an artifact. Um, at the beginning of your end step, Gremlin Infestation stab wounds your opponent. Um, so two damage to enchanted artifacts controller. And when that artifact is put into a graveyard, create a two, two red gremlin creature token. It's kind of like a really bad lava axe, huh? That's kind of like a really bad stab wound. Yeah. Really bad stab wound. I, I don't think I particularly like this, although I could see playing it. If, if, if I'm a deck that's wanting to play frontline rebels, like just using this to deal four damage to my opponent, may be Okay. But I, I I don't like this card at all. Like, they have to have an artifact for me to even cast it, and it just doesn't do anything other than a few points of damage to them every turn. Yeah. It's... And the 2-2 body it leaves behind is not relevant, I don't think. Like, for 4 mana, 
it's probably like four mana deal two damage, create a two two. Or they can't destroy their own artifact and they just sit there and take two damage every turn. Like, I think that's the effect that you're going for if you play this. It's very flavorful. Like, there's gremlins in your machine, dude, and they're going to keep messing with your stuff until you blow it up. And then they come out, which is neat. But uh, yeah, this, this is not a card I'm looking to play. Nah, I'd rather, there's way better four drop or four casting cost cards that I'd rather play. I gave it a two. Yeah, I'm with you. All right. Next up, Hungry Flames. Hungry, Hungry Flames. Two and a red for uh, an instant at Uncommon. Uh, Hungry Flames deals three damage to target creature and two damage to target player. I think I like this. It's one less than Chandra's uh, Revolution. But that instant speed really has me excited. Like, Mm -hmm. that's one thing that I learned through Kaladesh was to overvalue instant speed removal, which I already overvalued just so I could interact with vehicles and combat tricks. And this does all of that as well as burning them a little bit in the face. Like, obviously, at two mana, this would be way better. It's not super easy to hold up, but this this is the the red removal spell I can see myself first picking most often, just because I'm, I'm willing to accept a point less damage for that instant speed. I, I don't really super value the two damage to target player. It's not bad to have, um, but the, the instant speed is what has me excited here. This is really good in an aggressive deck. You're probably using this to remove a blocker. Yeah, more than you are anything else because of that two damage to the face. It's like a, what's that modern burn card? Uh, Searing Blaze? Searing Blaze, yeah. Yeah, like it's it's like, it's similar to that, I would say. Um, so goes really well in an aggressive deck. Yeah, and I think I would even be happy playing it in other decks. Like just three mana, three damage. That's kind of what we get these days. We don't get Lightning Bolt anymore. But uh, I, I think I like Hungry Flames. I have an appetite for this type of card. <laughs> I gave it a six and a half, slightly less than Chandra's Evolution. I think I still want that more. Uh, I'll bump this up I, a half point over Chandra's Revolution for me. I think I want this more, but uh, I, I can see the argument. That's fair. Uh, Indomitable Creativity is X red, red, red for a mythic sorcery. Uh, this is an interesting card. Okay, buckle in. Destroy X target artifacts and or creatures. Yay, right? Yeah. Here comes the roller coaster. For each permanent destroyed that way, its controller reveals the cards from the top of his or her library until an artifact or creature card is revealed. They then exile those cards, and then they all go onto the battlefield. So you remove three creatures uh, or artifacts, and they get three uh, creatures or artifacts from their deck. Yeah, no. No. <sighs> maybe if you were downgrading your opponent's bombs, maybe... That's pretty hard to set up, though, um, and you're only downgrading them. Maybe if you were upgrading your own, maybe that's so hard to set up, and the casting cost is just prohibitive. It's I'm out. I gave it like a one, but yeah, I can see never. I can see never playing it. Yeah, this is a zero, dude. We're never playing this in limited. Like there's, we see cards like this every once in a while that are just like fun cards or neat cards or may have some applications in a combo deck. But as far as limited play is concerned, this is just not something I have any interest in doing, especially considering it's almost impossible to cast at triple red and X. Yeah. Yeah, somebody's going to take a screenshot of them blowing up their board and giving their opponent a bunch of, like, 1-1s or something like that. But Well, that you know, like, for it to downgrade their creatures, they have to be playing bad creatures in their deck. And for it to upgrade mm-hmm. your creatures, you have to be playing bad creatures in your deck. Like, and mm-hmm. you're spending a card... To, to just randomize the board rather than actually get any advantage. I want my cards to give me an advantage 
not just be a coin flip. So I, I think this is a modern version of coin flip cards. Yeah, this feels more like a Hearthstone card than a Magic card. It does. It does a little bit. All right. Next up, we have Invigorated Rampage. One and a red for an instant and uncommon. It's a modal spell. Uh, choose one. Target creature gets plus four, plus zero, and trample until end of turn. Or two target creatures get plus two, plus zero, and gain trample until end of turn. Hmm. Now Here's we... a limited burn spell. Like to the face, I mean. Yeah, although it does go up a good bit if we get a couple of those first strikers. Because mm. this plus first strike starts to look absolutely terrifying. This on its own, the fact that it doesn't pop toughness means you're not going to win any combats f- with it. Although you can force, you know, four damage, potentially even more for two mana. That That's a big effect. I, I think I don't want this unless I have at least a couple first strikers or I'm exceptionally aggressive. It's fair. Like, I think it goes up if you have first strike, obviously. So like way up. Yeah. And the fact that we've seen a common first striker means maybe if I get two or three of those and then see one of these, I, I want it. Other than that, just bear in mind, this isn't really a combat trick so much as it is a, a very conditional burn spell to opponent's face. Yeah. I could see it like being like almost like a lava axe, like a really cheap lava axe if you have big enough creatures. Yeah. And they block with like servos or something like that. So maybe the home for this is in um, red, white, aggressive with some first strikers or in red, green, where you've just got some big crap and you want to finish the game off. I can see it being really good in red, green. Even then, I'm not sure I love it, but it it looks okay. I think if you have a lot of four toughness creatures, I think this also goes up. First strike or four toughness. Why four toughness? Just because uh, the single blocks are really bad against four toughness because not a lot of things have four power. Okay. So you know what I mean? Like, so like you can like, um, if you, if you attack with like a three, four, um, and then they block with like a three, four, you can jam that damage through or whatever. But like, I think, okay. um, I, I don't think like two toughness is really bad on this card or like if you're swinging with, sorry, using this on, on X twos, because like you said, those cards are just dying anyway. So that, that's kind of where I'm at on that. That all ends up to a very conditional card, which I, I don't yeah. think I'm taking early, but will situationally play. Yeah. So I gave it a two and a half. I'm in. Okay. All right. Next up is uh, Karizev Skyship Raider. A one and a red for a legendary human pirate at rare. Yar. This is this is an interesting card, and I'm going to get a lot of flack for this, uh, but I don't like it. It's First Strike Menace. It's a one three First Strike Menace. And whenever it attacks, uh, you create a 2-1 legendary red monkey creature that is tapped and attacking, and then that creature goes away at the end of combat. So it's the Pirate of St. Traft, I think I heard to it referred to. <laughs> okay. um, I'm, I want your take on it. I'm going to tell you why I don't like it. Okay. Uh, I think it looks fine. As a 1-3 first strike, it can block a lot of stuff. It, is, it essentially attacks as, what, like a 3-4 that's split up. I don't think the 2-1 monkey token is, is that super valuable. She's going to be hard to block, though, uh, initially, her, her power isn't high enough that it's super threatening, though. So, like, I'd like the card, and I think I would play it. Like, it's it's two mana for almost a 3-4. A, a like, that's good, but they had to split it up. So, like, on, on an empty board, this is a two mana 3-4. And as part of an attacking team, I think she's fine. As mentioned, First Strike plays well with a lot of other mechanics. And we've seen a couple, like, the other First Striker there, and we already know that there's some in white, so... I think I'm digging this. I don't think it's a bomb and I don't think it's a windmill slam pack one, pick one, 
But I think if you're playing an aggressive red deck that's looking to win with two and three drops, th- this is certainly a fine one to have there. I think the reason I don't like it is because it's just easy to ignore the the one three and just maybe block the two one with a two three, right? Mm-hmm. If if my if I'm playing this and my opponent has X threes, I'm this card never does anything anymore. Yeah. So I th- I think and and I think that's that's where I don't like it. Um, you know, it it can steal you the game if you play it on turn two and just against the goldfish, it'll just wreck them. But it just gets blanked so easily. And then even the like even if I can't block her and I can still just block the monkey, like I'm only taking one a turn, it's like who cares? Yeah, I think a lot of people will look at a rare like this and think that they're supposed to get an amazing card. But like just remove the rarity symbol here and pretend this is a common. If this is a common, we're pretty happy with it. We're only disappointed in what she's doing because there's a gold symbol there. Like, this is a card that does stuff. I'm I'm happy playing this in my red decks. I don't think it's a bomb or amazing, but it's fine. I think if it was a common and you could have multiple of these and you could more frequently have it on turn two, I think its value goes way up. Yeah. But like like if I had two or three of these, it's it becomes amazing. You can't. Not only because it's rare, but because it's legendary. So I think that's why I give it a low value. I actually give it a three. There's a lot of cards I pick over top of this. I think it's a five. Like if the two one first striker is a five, then this this is the scale's a five two. Like it's just fine. It's not anything crazy or exciting, but it's fine. I wish it was a two two. Me too. Because then then you would have to block her because two damage a turn is way more than one damage a turn. I, I think a three one first strike would be way better. Like, just flip those around, and all of a sudden, you've got a really pushed, powerful card. As it is, she's just okay. Yeah. All right. And we have Carrie Zev's Expertise. One red-red for a rare sorcery. Uh, Gain control of target creature or vehicle until end of turn. Note that it does not turn that vehicle into a creature. Yep. Untap it. It gains haste. And then you can cast a converted mana or a card with converted mana cost two or less without paying its mana cost. Uh, Go ahead. This is not super functionally different from Hijack. Like I, I and I played Hijack a good bit in um, Kaladesh, but it, like I'm not first picking a Hijack style effect. If if I'm in red and I would want to Hijack anyway, this is a better one. Why not? But I I don't think I'm going to want that style of effect. So I would probably put this as like a three if I'm in an aggressive deck and see this come around. Sure, let's grab it. But like the advantage of casting this on turn three. And getting your two drop in play is just not there. You want to cast a, a spell like this to end the game, not for advantage. I think you can ignore that whole second claw, like second piece of that card. I don't think you're casting a card off of this very frequently, at least not one that matters. Agree. Okay. So I gave it a two and a half. Could yeah. even be worse than that. I'm with you there. All right. Uh, Laugh New Sailback is four and a red for a lizard at common. It's a five four. Cool. I'm down with stuff like this. Sometimes you just need a big dumb guy, and this is a big dumb guy or gal as as you need it. We've seen this yeah. th- 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 these stats in green before, and it's been okay. It trades with a pair of tutus, but uh, again, it's just a fine card. It, it's a good defensive creature. If, if somehow you need that, it can block a lot, but I, I generally want to be using removal spells to get stuff out of the way and hitting them for five a turn. That'll end the game. Yeah. This is more comparable to that wayward giant that you were talking about, right? Yeah, I think so. I think I still like the Wayward Giant better. Like a 4-5 just blocks everything, but this is our version of that in the set. Yeah. And I without mean, the I'm Menace, not, it, it kind of sucks too, but... It's true. I'm not high-picking this, but I don't, I'm don't. i not embarrassed to play one. 
Same. I, I think I would go there. So that probably puts it at like a four for me. Sure. Sure. I could see that. I gave it a three and a half. Pretty close. Splitting hairs. All right. Next up. Uh, three red, red lightning runner is a mythic human warrior. It is a two, two with double strike and haste. Uh, whenever lightning runner attacks, you get two energy and then you may pay eight energy. Let me make sure I count that correctly. If you pay eight energy, untap all creatures you control. And after this phase, there is an additional combat phase. Oh, so it's like a relentless assault stapled on there. That's pretty cool. It is. Man, that two toughness, though, is real tough to rate. It's not so bad with the double strike, though, especially with the haste, meaning they may not see it coming. Like, I like this a lot better than the giant. The, yeah, the double strike that. means it can take advantage of combat tricks much better, um, especially the, the trample one. Oh, mm-hmm. my goodness. Like, you, they don't see it coming. You got seven mana. You play this and the plus four, plus four, and like, hey, take, what is that, 12? Yeah. Yeah, I think I I think I like this card. I think I would first pick this and see if red's open and be pretty happy about it. You you're probably not getting the energy from the lightning runner to activate its second ability. Like you're going to need to have other energy sources and we haven't seen great ones in red. So I'm presuming this is almost a red green card or maybe a red black card. So you can get that energy cuz you you kind of would want to do that on the same turn and just wreck your opponent, but you would need to have six man- energy already in play to do that. That said, I think this card is fine just on its own as a surprise for damage. You know, now you have to deal with it later. It doesn't block particularly well. So, like, that's it's basically a 4-2 on blocks. That's true. I'd probably pick the dragon higher than this. Oh, yeah, me too. But I don't think we'll ever have that pick. No. Uh, but I, I don't know. I certainly like this card. And, it, again, aggressive curve topper. This looks great. Yeah. I'm going to rate it lower than Chandra's Revolution, but I might first pick it because it is a mythic and building around it will make it better. Um, but I'm not, you know, like if 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 I see this in pack two, pick one, and I'm not in red, I'm not going to go into red for it. No, 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 no. Nothing like that. So I don't know. Maybe I'll give it a six and a half. I, I think that sounds reasonable to me. Like it, it wants you to be playing aggressive creatures. It would certainly love to have that falter style effect in the deck too. So like you mm-hmm. get in it with the the first turn because they don't see it coming, the second turn with that, and then you've only got to tie together two more attack phases. Yeah, like you have to have other energy to get that going, I would think. Yeah. But I like All the right. card. All right, cool, cool. Pia's Revolution, two and a red for an enchantment at rare. Whenever a non-token artifact is put into the graveyard, into your graveyard from the battlefield, return that card to your hand unless... Target opponent has Pia's Revolution deal three damage to him or her. Dumpster fire, man. No, thank you. Yeah, I'm off it. Any of these Punisher style mechanics are just terrible. Like if your opponent has a choice, they'll always pick the one that is worse for you. If they've got a lot of life, they'll just be like, fine, I take the damage. And if the non-token artifact is irrelevant, they'll be like, fine, draw it. Like it, it needs a very specific board state that's applying a lot of pressure for this card to do anything. And then you're playing this card, which doesn't apply any pressure or do anything. No, zero. I'm going to open a lot of these. And I'm going to pass a lot of these. Yeah. All right. Next up, Precise Strike, uh, single red. So one casting cost for an instant and a common target creature gets plus one plus zero and gains first strike till end of turn. I've seen similar cards to this in, in many sets. This is your kind of stereotypical red combat trick. And I'm not high picking it, but if I'm in red, I probably have room for one of these. 
Yeah, I gave it like a four and a half. I mean, one is fine. You know, first strike is usually pretty good. So, And the plus one is usually enough to win most combats. It's okay on defense. It doesn't have the advantage that we're used to in light green or white combat tricks of pumping toughness. So it's really never going to save your guy. You're not looking to save anybody with this. You're looking to to force through a blocker. Mm-hmm. Gets better with tramplers. Gets better with death touch. Oh, heck yeah. Heck yeah. Like this could be a staple in the black blue or black red, um, you know, like, maybe not aggressive deck, but death touch deck. Yeah. Use it as a one mana removal spell. That seems great. Yeah. Okay. Quicksmith rebel. Boy, we are flying through these. Uh, three and a red for a human artificer at con- or at uh, rare. It's a three two. When it enters the battlefield, target artifact you control gains the ability to tap and deal two damage to target creature or player for as long as you control Quicksmith Rebel. So similar to the what was it, Quicksmith Spy? That was the blue one, yeah. Yeah, the blue one. Which one do you like more? I think I'd prefer drawing the cards. Because like if if I if I play the 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 blue one and they kill it immediately, which is harder to do because it was a two three instead of a three two, then I get the card back. Whereas with this one, maybe I can kill something, but like if I'm in, on a board of three threes, maybe I can't, and I'm just pointing two damage at their face. Yeah. So I, I think I like the blue one a little bit better, but that doesn't make me not like this one. Like it's another yeah. thing that uninterrupted pingers are already pretty good, and pinging for two a turn is kind of a big deal. I like that it hits creatures. Oh, yeah. That's really strong. So, like, if you can get one activation on it, it's like a free shock. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that's too, too bad. So, I gave it the same grade. I gave it a 7. I don't know which one I would pick first if I was given the choice. I'd probably honestly pick this one first, even though I like the other one better, because I think I like red better than blue. which Which is a really weird conversation to have, but... This is a strong card, and I like it. I don't like that it has two toughness, but it's it's almost a 3-2 for 4 that deals two damage when it comes into play. And then if they don't mess with it, it can continue doing that. So I, I think this is a very strong card. Excellent. It has okay. all the advantage like- of that 2-3 that you could tap and sacrifice an artifact, but it's so much better. Oh, yeah, for sure. All right. I, I hope to be able to first pick that. I think I think that'll be my favorite like non-super bomb to first pick would be that quicksmith rebel i think so all right ravenous intruder one in a red for a gremlin at uncommon it's a one two and it's an atog sacrifice an <laughs> artifact uh it gets plus two plus two till end of turn it actually isn't a tog I, I i don't remember a tog ever being very good and limited even in formats where there were artifacts to feed to it like the, the threat of activation isn't quite as good because they just take one right yeah Maybe we're doing some fun stuff with hijack and taking their artifacts and sacrificing them to this guy. But with this at, at uncommon and only one pack of Kaladesh, I'm probably not able to do that either. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't think I like this. Maybe in the right deck, if you have a ton of artifacts and you're trying to go ham on that, like, um, you know, we saw a deck similar to that with the, uh, the, what was it? The renegade Fireweaver Was that what it was called? The one, three that pinged your opponent when you played artifacts. Yeah. I did that a couple times. Like you could go ham and get a couple, like get one of these or a couple of these, but I don't think you're going to get a couple of these with only two packs and it being uncommon. So I don't think the payoff is there. Maybe you get lucky and pick it up in pack two and you have a bunch of servos. Um, but I, I gave it a four, you know, maybe you play it, but you're not sad if you miss it. There's better two drops. 
I, I think so too. Like it, it is a two drop that could conceivably win the game. Like it needs to be respected. If you can find a way to derp out a bunch of artifacts, you could certainly do something with it, but it, mm-hmm. it, it's just power level. Like it can be ignored, but can only be ignored so long. Like eventually it could turn into an abyss almost for both of you. I, it's a difficult card to evaluate, but overall I think I'm not interested in this. Yeah, it's another um, free reno- like manaless revolt enabler as well. That's something to keep in mind. Yeah, but the, the like it's a manaless revolt enabler that leaves you with a one two or or maybe a three four that turn. Yeah. yeah. All right, so kind of down on that one. Maybe Thank I'll you. give it less. Maybe I'll change that to like a three. All right, reckless racer. I kind of like this card. Two and a red for a human pilot at uncommon. It's a two three first striker. I would probably play that just as is. And then when it becomes tapped for any reason, you may discard a card. And if you do, you can draw a card. Yeah, I'm sold on that. Like I played the one, one goblin that just rummaging goblin and was happy about it. This is that, but it can attack. It can trigger when it crews vehicles. It, it's again, weird to see a two, three, first strike. You would expect a three, two, first strike. It was probably too good at that. Um, and, and like we've, con- I've continued to mention how good that various cards play with first strike. And it looks like you may actually be able to get a good bit of red first strikers. So I, I, I like this card. I would put this at maybe a, a six, a little bit better than your average three drop. Yeah, I give it a 5.5, but I think, again, we're splitting hairs there. So yeah, let's get reckless, man. I like it. Um, okay. Release the gremlins. XX red for a sorcery at rare. Destroy X target artifacts. Create X22 red gremlin creature tokens. I really like this card. This is a scalable manic vandal. Like, worst case scenario, I get a 2-2 and blow up one of your artifacts. I'm already happy with that. For three mana, which is a really good rate. Yeah. And if I happen to have five mana and you happen to have two artifacts, I'm going to blow up both of them and get two gremlins. Like, they're going to have random servos. So, like, I think it's not not a rare case for them to have an artifact you want to kill plus a random servo and you make two twos for five mana. I think that's a really good rate. I think so too. I I think I like this card. I'm I'm again pretty big on artifact destruction in general in this block. Um, I'm excited to get to the artifacts and look through those and see how many I'd be happy to blow up. But I, I think I like this card quite a bit and could even see first picking this over like the four damage spell, for example. I could see that. Yeah, I'm actually rethinking my evaluation of the card because um, vehicles, it, it does a really good job of getting vehicles out of the way. Yeah, and leaves you with some relevant creatures. Yeah, so but like... I mean, I was going to say, like, a turn three play uh, on the draw where you just blow up your opponent's Renegade Freighter is a really good play with this card. Yeah, and you've got to, you've managed to develop your board as well. And the fact that it just mm-hmm. scales better into the late game. Like, if, if Manic Vandal were in this set, which is just uh, two colorless and a red for a 2-2 blow up an artifact, I would pick that highly. This is that, but better. Okay, so I'm going to reevaluate this. I'm going to bump it up to, like, a seven and a half, I think. Yeah, I think that's where I would put it, too. Very cool. He talked me into it. This is why we do this. All right. Scrapper champion. Uh, Three and a red for a human artificer at uncommon. It's a 2-2 double strike. What is with the first strike and double strike? Is there just a lot of it or is it just me? It seems like there's a lot of it in this set. Okay. You're going to like this card. So 2-2 double strike for four mana and it gets two energy. And whenever it attacks, you can spend two energy and put a plus one plus one counter on it. So basically it's a 3-3 double strike. As long as you can attack. Which you, it's double strike, so you probably can in most cases. Yeah, on my four drops, I often want the flexibility to block, but frankly, it can block as a 4-2-ish, right? 
Yeah. Like with the double strike. So I think I like this card quite a bit. Yeah. And it it's, can scale it's a good out of four control. Drop. Yeah, it's a good four drop. I, I don't want it's a, a good, million four drops, but I think I want this one. This is a really good curve topper for your aggressive deck that you love so much. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And it's even fine in any deck. Like mm-hmm. after looking at it, the fact that it essentially blocks as a 4-2 and blanks X-2s, I, I think this is quite a good card. Mm-hmm. It's maybe another 7 at an uncommon. A 7 at an uncommon, hey? I might give it slightly less than a 7 because I think I like the Quicksmith Rebel a bit more, but you prioritize this if you're already in an aggressive deck. Do you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, I would agree with that. I just I feel like if 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 you can manage to get the board clear and enable a couple attacks with this, like it's dealing six damage the first time it connects, that's a lot of damage. Okay, here's here's a question. Um, I forget what you like rated Lightning Runner, but do you like this or Lightning Runner more? That that's the the uh, five mana two two haste with that gets you energy when it attacks. I think I like this better. Yeah, it costs less. It gets bigger faster. It doesn't have haste. But it, it it starts growing so quickly. Yeah. The fact that you can it's a three three instead of a two two, I think is it seals the deal for me on that one. Yeah, because it like your opponent can't take six damage very long. Yeah. Especially we've seen combat tricks, we've seen good removal at instant speed in red. The fact that shock is sitting next to it is enticing as well. Because shock plays particularly well with first strikers and double strikers. So I, I think I really like this champion. Champion does die to shock, but <laughs> yeah fair enough <laughs> whatever all right so next up then we have shock which is an instant uh at common for one red and deals two damage to target creature or player in every format this has been and it has been a high pick everybody it, it back in my day when this card first came out we complained that it wasn't lightning bolt and that is a valid complaint that said it's instant speed removal for one mana and it's a fantastic card i imagine i will first pick this quite a bit yeah um I might take the champion over this because the champion is uncommon, Um, but I love shock. I gave it a seven. Yeah, it's a really good card. Like, it's just cheap removal that can also go to the face late game. Like, don't underestimate that. Sometimes your opponent's at two and you top deck a shock when they've got lethal on board next turn. You're like, oops, I win. Oops. Oops, all spells. All right. Yeah, okay. It's a good card. Um, You're probably going to want a mix of these and, like, Chandra's Evolutions. Or like the you don't want three mana one, you don't, or the three mana one. Like you don't want f- four shocks. Well, I mean you're okay yeah, with you four do. shocks, but but you probably want more like two shocks and then two the uh, the Chandra's evolution that deal four damage, just because shocks don't deal with your opponent's large things, mm-hmm. even though it is cheap. Um, but it is instant speed. And you can use it in combat, and you can two for one yourself or use it with first strike. Very very flexible card. Um, yeah, I think it's here because there's so many of these first strikers. Like shock plays so yep. well with that. Yeah. Also does a really good job of removing those first strikers. Yeah, or getting your opponent's blockers out of the way. So it, it's it's just a, a a really good card. Oh God, can you imagine this with um, just like like you you go like a scrapper champion, um, and then you just have shock to remove their their blocker, and you just your scrapper champion just gets out of control. Mm-hmm. Oh, so I can good. certainly imagine that. That that is. Oh, I'm not just so going to imagine it. I'm going to make that happen. You're going to make that happen. All right. Next up, Siege Modification. One red red for an aura at Uncommon. Enchant creature or vehicle. Uh, if it's a vehicle, it becomes a creature uh, permanently. Well, until the aura is gone, obviously. And then Enchanted Creature gets plus three, plus zero, and has first strike. This is almost close enough to me playing, because it's kind of like that plus three, plus oh has haste, and they're not going to be able to block it. 
Man, I, if you put this on a vehicle, that is so gross. It really is. It really is. And it's cheap. Now, it is double red, so we mm-hmm. need to be heavy red to play this. And it, it suffers from all of the issues that auras normally do, uh, in that you could easily get two for one with this. But it, it's also kind of a must-deal-with threat. Like, it, it's one of those high-risk, high-rewards. They either have the answer right now, um, and and you're two for one, or they don't, and you're probably going to kill them. Do you like this one more, or do you like the two two flyer more? You like this one way more, hey? Oh heck yeah, the two two flyer one's probably not playable under any circumstances. This one is. Yeah. <sighs> I. I, it suffers all the same problems that auras do, obviously. Um, easy to get two for one. But if you can just smash in for some amount of damage, like, you know, remove a creature and put it on something that has trample or something like that, or or one of the two, I should say. You know, if you can smash in for, like, seven with your Renegade Freighter or eight with your Renegade Freighter or whatever it is, then that's pretty big game. I'm still going to give it, like, a four, four and a half, I think. I agree. Um, just because it's, again, a high-risk, high-reward strategy, so I'm not going to pick this early enough. To, to really get that. But if, if I'm already in a very aggressive red white deck, for example, and I see one of these a little late, I'll probably take it and consider main decking it. Okay. I, I, the upside is here. The upside is here. It's fair. Next up, Sweatworks Brawler is three and a red for a human artificer at common uh, three, three with menace and improvise. I'm in on this. I've seen menace uh-huh. be a surprisingly relevant keyword. It plays well with the combat tricks that we've seen so far, particularly the first strike one. Uh, because they they want to double block it, and I, I like even if this didn't have improvise, I think it'd be playable. And giving me that on top of it, it's just just absolutely fine. Man, jamming this on turn three would be so good. It would be. It would be absolutely fantastic. Not a lot of curves are going to have that happen. Um, but e- even given that caveat, I, I think I'm happy enough playing this. Like this looks like a, a five for me. Yeah, I gave it a five too. Um, I don't think you can go wrong with uh, two of these in your deck. Um, but I mean, they're common, so you can probably pick them up, you know, mid pack. So yeah, I, I like it. I think I might rather have the hill giant that could give things haste from Kaladesh. But it, mm, it's interesting. It's questionable which of those is better. It, it's it's clearly filling the same spot that was. It's pretty close. Yeah. Okay. Next up is Wrangle, our last red card. One and a red for sorcery at common. Gain control of target creature with power four or less until end of turn. Untap that creature, it gains haste until end of turn. Eh, here's a, yet another threat and effect. There's going to be plenty of these if you want them. Um, you can't steal vehicles with it, and you can't steal big stuff with it. I'm kind of out on this one. Like, Yeah, I gave it like a two. Yeah, I'm, I'm not interested in this. I need to be exceptionally aggressive, and my opponent to be playing an aggressive... Yeah, I'm never playing this. Let it go. Yeah, not no. rambling. No, okay. I mean, you might play it over like a you know 18th land, but meh. If you if I think if you if you draft this, you probably missed some other cards that were better somewhere along the way. Yeah, that would be my guess too. I I'm not a Wrangler. Okay. Um that wraps up red. How do you how do you like red? I like red. There's first striking, there's combat tricks, there's shock. Um I guess one combat trick I want to play, but it looks like they made the plus four plus O or two plus two plus O and trample card relevant by just giving everything first strike. Um yeah. It, it looks like a first strike deck. I really like it. Red looks strong to me. Looks obviously aggressive. That's not news to anyone who's ever played red before. Um, what we're kind of missing is like multiple great two drops. It feels like we've kind of got one good two drop 
that's the first striker guy, and it, it, it dries up pretty quickly from there, doesn't it? Yeah, there's you're going to have to get your two drops from somewhere else. Yeah, so you have to play another color to get the, the solid two drops or just get a bunch of Aether Chasers. So I'm, I, that's the only part that worries me a little bit about trying to go super aggressive red is you're not really aggressive if you don't have a bunch of two drops, and there's there's not multiple cards to fill that role. There's just one. So red may yeah. actually end up being almost controlly or big. Not controlly is not the word, but big. I could see it being your secondary color in an aggressive deck. Yeah. Right? Like green-red, where red is your seven red sources, or uh, white-red, where red is your seven red sources, for example, your seven sources. So Yeah, if you're picking um, up those three ones and then using red to fill out the removal and oh, three and four drops, I think you got a great deck. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Which is interesting. It's an interesting reversal from, I think, most draft sets where red is usually that and the other colors support red. So mm-hmm. I think it's really cool to see. All right, that's going to wrap up red. We're going to take another quick break and we'll be back with green. It's not easy being green, but we'll give it a try here. Our first card is Aether Herder, which is three and a green for a 3-3 Elf Artificer Druid at common. When it enters the battlefield, you get two energy. When it attacks, you may pay two. If you do, create a 1-1 colorless servo artifact creature token. Ah, it's no Pima Outrider. That's yeah, for sure. It's the first thing I thought of too, meh. Eh, I mean it's okay. Like it's it's filler. Like you don't you're not sad to play this as your four drop, but I mean you're not excited to pick it either. So it's kind of a okay common. Yeah, that's where I'm at. It, it's a hill giant with a little bit of upside, either in that I need the energy, or sometimes I can attack and make a servo. One of the things that I don't like about this is like in the scenarios where you played Pima Outrider as a 3-3 and made the servo, you could attack with it the next turn. These are not Hero of Bladehold tokens. Like it's not coming into play tapped and attacking like it did with the Pirate. So I, I think this is a filler level of like a 5 rating, whereas Pima Outrider was just absurd. Yeah, I gave it like a 4.5, so not overly excited, but you might want the energy. So Okay. Um, next up, we have a cat, so clearly that's a 10. It's Aether Storm Leopard. Two and a green for a 2-3 Trample. Interesting. When it enters the battlefield, you gain an energy. When it attacks, you may pay an energy. If you do, it gets plus 2, plus 0 oh until end of turn. So this is not the guy, the the Brazen Wolves from Eldritch Moon, but it's not super far from it. It's kind of close. If you have like enough energy that this is a 4-3, like, three or four attacks it's probably okay but if this is your only energy provider i don't think i'm interested yeah by the end of the format i really disliked the riparian tiger like i'd rather just play a bastion mastodon in my green decks because it was so poor at blocking this is at least a serviceable body for blocking and can enable some attacks and if we've got like a tune with the aether or something cheap to give me energy i think i'm all on board the cat train best three drop ever probably not but even if i just get in a hit for four and then have a serviceable blocker i'm happy enough I like this as a revolt enabler on attacks. Like we talked about, you know, sometimes you just suicide your creature in. Mm-hmm. So you play this on turn three. Let's say you're on the draw. Your opponent plays like a like a Aether Herder or something. And you just, they just trade and you get one damage through. You know, you're fine with that. And then you, and then it, and then it's an easy way to trigger revolt. So like th- if you're, if you think your opponent is smart enough to not block your creatures because you're trying to get a good revolt trigger, like maybe like a draw card or some kind of other effect, gain five life. Um, I think this is a really good, way to do that because if it's left unchecked 
it either gets four damage through or maybe like eight damage through or something like that. It can be a lot of damage adding up. So I can see this being a high priority to get blocked. Um, and it'll trade up really well if you just attack in with it, you know, and spend that energy. So um, mm-hmm. I give it a five and a half. There's probably some better three drops, but I think this is perfectly fine if this is your curve filler at three. Yeah, and it certainly wants to be attacking, which would lead me to there being an aggressive green deck, which I would like. Mm-hmm. Um, next up, we've got a lizard. This is Aetherwind Basker, four green, green, green for a 7-7 seven, seven lizard with trample. That thing's huge. When it enters the battlefield or attacks, you get an energy. You can pay one energy to give it plus one, plus one until end of turn. So how do we feel about a seven mana, seven, seven trample that we can maybe pump some? Um, it's one energy for each creature you control. Oh, crap. You're right. So you get a lot of energy and it's going to kill them immediately. How do we feel about your opponent dying for seven mana? Um, I mean, it's the whole dies to removal thing, but unless your opponent's black, there's not a ton of removal that just straight up deals with this. So I gave it a seven and a half. It's very hard to cast, um, but I like it. The fact that it has trample puts it over the top for me, I think. Yeah, I'm going to be interested to see how many green ramp cards we have. Um, We only had Servant of the Conduit at Uncommon in Kaladesh to really do any rampy strategy. So if there's something similar to a Llanowar Elf or Rampant Growth, something like this gets a little better. It will certainly end the game relatively quickly unless the board is exceptionally clogged. And being able to pump it that much, my goodness, that, that'll finish the game. But it's just a question of can you cast a seven drop? You can, And you can pump it that turn. Like it attacks and it, let's say it gets four energy. You can just make this 11-11. Yeah. Yeah, this thing could be huge. So it kind of demands an unconditional removal spell and that you live long enough to cast a seven drop. I'll put it at a seven too. Like I think I would take it early, assuming there's some ramp here. If there's no ramp, it it probably goes down to a six for me. And that if you live long enough and the board stalled, then you can win with this. But frankly, you could win with a couple of cats too at that point. This just busts through a board stall. It really does. That that is where this is a really good card. Okay, I see a mana ramp elf down here, so I'm I'm a little (laughs) higher in it. So yeah, let's 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 put this at a seven and a half. I like it. Aid from the Cowl. Uh, that must be where the Cowl Prowler comes from. Three green green for an enchantment. Revolt. At the beginning of your end step, if a permanent you controlled left the battlefield this turn, reveal the top card of your library. If it's a permanent card, put it onto the battlefield. Otherwise, you may put it on the bottom of your library. It's a whole lot of nothing, I think. Is it? It's five mana. It's really expensive. Yeah, that's the part that's bothering me. And like... It's probably not enough high upside. Like sometimes you're just hitting a land, which is good. It it almost says if something you control died, draw a card, doesn't it? But it's only on your turn. Yeah. Right? If it was both turns, I'd be in love with this card because you can then engineer, like if your opponent uses removal or or you can engineer a block or something like that. But this, you know, you're either suiciding creatures, right? Or, or trying to trade creatures at five mana, like... You know, the board is probably more suiciding than trading, um, or at least unfavorable traits. And it just doesn't, I don't know. I think it, I think it's tough because it's that sorcery speed revolt. Like, mm-hmm. like you can't do it on your opponent's turn. So I'm pretty down on it there. You're not getting a, a card every turn out of it, or sorry, you're not getting a trigger every turn out of this. And even the turns that you're getting a trigger, you're not always getting a card onto the battlefield. Yeah, it's just too inconsistent for me. Like, you could do the thing where you attack in, they trade, you play this. You did it, but you probably at best cycled it. I mean, maybe it starts to get interesting if you're playing a bunch of big creatures. 
and some mana ramp where you can like start attacking them with your mana ramp dudes and they either take the damage. I don't, I don't know. I, I can't put together conditions where I want this. Yeah. I mean, I could be, I could be wrong. Like it does get land onto the battlefield. So like if your deck is all creatures and land, then this, the, this hits more frequently, obviously, but I think that's just a lot of setup. I'm, I'm giving it like a two, maybe I'll play it, but I don't, I don't think I'm ramping this out. Like if you have like Matadork, Matadork, ramp this out. I think that's, probably best case scenario for it yeah and i don't even think it's amazing there no all right next up is druid of the cowl one and a green for a one three tap add green to your mana pool this is a common yeah i like it yeah this is enables a strategy we just didn't have in kaladesh because there wasn't consistent mana ramping and now we've got consistent mana ramping um would it be better as a one mana one one sure but at least it can block, like we saw a lot of 2 1 first strikers, a lot of 2 1s, some 3 1s you might just have to trade with, but I think I like this card quite a bit. Yeah, the fact that it's 3 toughness really puts it over the top. I gave it a 7. Um, I would pick it probably just as high, if not higher, than the Servant of the Conduit, and I pick that really highly. Yeah, yeah, I think this is probably, in most cases, better than Servant of the Conduit because Servant, it was always awkward when they attack with the 2 2 and you're under pressure. You're like, Am I supposed to trade this? Am I supposed to fish out a trick? Like they'd attack in even if they didn't have one because they're happy with the trade. But this you're just like block. If you want to spend a combat trick and slow me down, that's fine. You slowed yourself down. I think this is probably going to be one of the better green commons of the set. I agree. Green Belt Rampager seems relevant. It is a one mana three four. Have creatures gotten better in magic over the years, Dave? <laughs> Seems like it. Seems like it. When it enters the battlefield, pay two energy. If you can't, return it to its owner's hand and you get one energy. Yeah, you got to chew on that one for a second. Just going to let that marinate. Not a lot of a second because it's kind of at worst sort of a three mana, three, four, which is already mm-hmm. amazing. Mm-hmm. And revolt. Yeah, it's instant speed trigger. For, this just kind of does it all. This is the relevant elephant. It's a really cool card. I don't know if it's better than a Druid of the Cowl, but it, I think it's pretty close. Like, let's say that we just have... Um, we have this and three forests in our open room. We're all in the play. We go turn one, play this, bounce it. Turn two, play it, bounce it, play it. Yep. You now have a turn two, three, four. Yep. That's pretty what good. this card is. That's that's not just pretty good. That's busted. That's like almost werewolf level of Innistrad problems. Mm-hmm. And you don't have to like have your opponent not have a thing or pass the turn. Or, it's just amazing. So this this looks like a first pick for me just on efficiency. Yep. It's pretty close to the Mana Dork, I think. I think it's ex- way better than the Mana Dork. I think it's way better than the Mana Dork. Oh, um, yeah. Maybe, maybe I just like the idea of the Mana Dorks in multiples. Yeah, and it's neat to think of casting something big, but this kind of doesn't need anything else. Like if I get a turn two, imagine this was just a two drop. Mm-hmm. I realize I'm talking it up a little bit, but it it worst case scenario, I think this is a three mana three four if you're heavy green. I agree. Like if it was green, green, green for a three four, we'd be like, eh, I don't know. Maybe we'll play this. You'd have to be mono green. So it, it's it's kind of close to that, but it does a lot of other things too. We used to play green, green for a three two, wasn't it? Yeah, and we were happy about that, and we were pretty happy with that. Mm-hmm. Um. I think if you can abuse this in a revolt deck, I, th- I think it. I think the value is way up. You could even turn one a tune with Aether or similar card, and then turn two. Yeah. The, play two of these. 
Oh, can you imagine? That'd be so good. I mean, the thing is, if you if you only have one of these and you do a tune and then this, that that's the only thing that you're doing. So you're not really getting extra value unless you're not playing two forests, right? Like if you go like yeah. Forest Island, then that's then that's like the maximum value you can get out of it. But if you go if you can go Forest Forest, then there's the a tune like doesn't really do anything. So um, yeah, it's 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 an interesting card. Um, I'll give it the same rating as the the Druid. Yeah, I, th- I think it's right up there just for the fact that I, I I don't have to dig too hard to find a way to get this out on turn two or three. And once I've done that, I think the card's very good. It's just a lot of power and toughness. Like yeah. I, by the end of the format, I was relatively happy playing the three, four for four in both white or black. Like I wasn't mm-hmm. thrilled about it, but it was okay. And like getting that out a turn or two earlier is just absurd. Mm-hmm. And I mean, four mana or sorry, four toughness is a really good number, I think, in this format. So yeah, but with the three power, I'm I, yeah. I want I want to play some elephants. I'm going to need to get the sim trumpet emote going now because <laughs> I, I have a feeling we're going to need it. Um, <laughs> next up for us is the Green Wheel Liberator. This is one in a green for an elf warrior at rare. It's a two one revolt. It enters the battlefield with two plus one plus one counters. Mm-hmm. This and the elephant are best friends. They're going to have soft tacos later. They're best friends. Yeah. I don't even know That's what a- to say about this. Walk me through this, Dave. So even if you don't trigger revolt, you have a two, one for two, which in an aggressive deck is, is fine. We've talked about that before. I think this, because it's so cheap, this is going to be a very easy card to get revolt on. Um, because it's so cheap. So if you have an elephant, you have um, flicker effects, you have, I don't know, that, that, that stupid enchantment that you can bounce back to your hand that I like so much. Um, you know, this could very well be like a turn four, four, three. What about a turn two hit your opponent? Turn two play it, attack your yep. opponent if they have no blocks. Then they swing back on you and you acrobatic maneuver this and block with a four, three. Ah, oh, it'd be so gross. If you ever blink this guy or gal, as the case may be, it, it comes back as a four three. That is accurate. So I could see it, you know, you play it on curve, and then with the idea that you're gonna blink it later. Um, or sometimes you just trade it up, right? Like like it's a it's a two power, two casting cost creature. Like who cares, right? Yeah. Um there's also I'm gonna spoil it for you. There's a there's a one mana artifact, a renegade map that you can it's like evolving wilds kind of. Mm-hmm. That and this are best friends. Okay. I'm I'm in. I'm in. I like the Green Wheel Liberator. I think it's a two drop that's good on turn two, good later in the game, and has some flexibility in all points between. Um mm-hmm. and it, it's not at like I'm not super unhappy putting two ones for two in most of my decks. So it's really not asking that much of me. So I I think I dig this card quite a bit. This or the elephant? Elephant. Okay. I think it's I think it's close. I gave them both a seven. So, but like I'm loving green so far. Yeah, me too. I want to be green. Right. Maybe it is easy green, being green. Ooh, Johnny's on the next one. Heroic intervention. One in a green for an instant permanence. You control gain hexproof until end of turn. It's a rare. Is this any different than a gate? Hexproof and indestructible. Hexproof and indestructible. Okay, so yes. it's a little different than the gate. Yeah, it's um, you know, like a one sided fog plus a negate. Okay, that's a lot of flexibility. How do you feel about this card? Is this is this good? I'm kind of, I'm kind of like sideboardy on it. Like, I don't know. I gave it, I gave it a three in my initial pass, but this is late last night, so I was pretty tired at the time. Um, like sometimes you just, it's just going to be a negate, 
And sometimes it's going to blow your opponent out when they try to swing in and make a bunch of trades or something like that. Um, I've seen those dream scenarios just not happen nearly enough for me to value exactly. that on a card. Yeah, so that's why I gave it a three. If you get it, like, eighth pick in pack one and you're already green and there's nothing else, chuck it in your sideboard and maybe bring it in against the, like, where you want a negate-style effect or, like, your opponent has a bunch of, like, you know, combat tricks that you can blow out with this or um, uh, death touchers or something like that that you can kind of get them with. If you can get a two-for-one with this, I think you're pretty happy. Um, One-for-one-ing is not something where you want to be with this card. Yeah, I, I feel like this almost could have been an uncommon and it would have been all right. Yeah. I mean, it's cool so, that a Johnny's on it, though. It, I, at first, I thought he was throwing two nets, and then I realized that he was cutting that net being thrown at him in half, which made way more sense. Yes, yes. That d- that does make more sense. Um, next on our list is Hidden Herbalists, which is one and a green for a 2-2 human druid uh, at Uncommon. With Revolt... Uh, add two green mana to your mana pool when it enters the battlefield. So similar to Burning Tree Emissary. It's kind of free. Um, Burning Tree Emissary was good because we had, um, like, it was easy to trigger. You could go Burning Tree, Burning Tree, Burning Tree. Um, And it provided some number of fixing. uh, Yeah, I guess. Yeah, you're right. It did. Um, And it was really flexible on the casting cost. This is also Mm -hmm. really flexible on the casting cost. That being said, it's just, I think it's just a 2-2 most of the time. Um, like it's a two, two for free sometimes. Yeah. A two, two for free. Sometimes I think it's, it's mostly filling that two, two role. I, I think it has some interesting implications in modern with fetch lands and burning tray in the series already being a deck. Um, so it kind of gives them more copies of that, which is cool. But I, I think for limited, I would probably value this about where I would value a grizzly bear, which is a five. I, I, I don't think the uncommon symbols making it much better, but I I'll play two twos for two. Sure. I think it's less than a five because it, it only does two damage. And, and, you know, I think there's a lot of you want to be three toughness or three power in this format, I think. So I'm going to give it like a three point five. But that's not okay. to say that you don't want these. Sometimes you want two twos for two. Um, I just don't think I think the revolt is mostly irrelevant on this card. Yeah, I would agree with you there. I, I, I think it's mostly a two two vanilla that will occasionally allow you to cast something else that turn. Yeah. All right. Up next, we have high spire infusion one in a green for an instant Target creature you control gets plus three, plus three until end of turn, and you get two energy. I kind of like it. Um, if if you're interested in energy, I think it goes way up in value. But, I mean, basically giant growth. It's a combat trick. What else do you want from your combat trick? Yeah, and it, it does something the the other ones that we've seen don't, which is pump toughness. So it can sort of be a counterspell, too, if your opponent's trying to burn your creature. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I want the energy for it to matter. Like one of the huge benefits of giant growth was it's so easy to leave up one green. Leaving mm-hmm. up two is a little more difficult. I'm going to give it like a four and a half because of the two uh, casting costs. But I think if like I'd much rather like um, what's the one mana one from Kaladesh? Blossoming Defense, Blossoming Defense. for two two. Yeah, but that wasn't an uncommon. So yeah, I'd much rather that card. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you want the energy, you know, you can get it off of this card and you'd be very happy. Like sometimes this will just be plus three, plus three and make a servo, right? Yeah. Or plus three, plus three and put a plus one, plus one counter on your double striker. Like there's, there's a lot of things you can do with this card, I think. Um, so yeah. I, I usually want one or two tricks in, in my decks that are interested in attacking. And it, it looks like a lot of these things are interested in attacking. We've also seen trample like on that cat randomly. So I can yeah. see like you attack with it as a two, three and don't spend the energy and they block and then you do this. And now you can attack with it as a four, three for a couple turns. So 
It's it's not hard to get your value here. Okay. Lifecraft Awakening is X and a green for an instant at uncommon. Put X plus one plus one counters on target artifact you control. If it isn't a creature or vehicle, it becomes a zero zero construct artifact creature. I misread this originally, so um, I'm going to downgrade my my rating slightly, but not by much. Um, I I like it. If it was any creature, obviously it'd be like way better. Um, but the fact that we're just going to have random servos and we're going to have random artifacts that you can animate with this or, uh, you know, I guess you're not really putting them on a vehicle because the vehicle you'll still have to crew. But the fact that they're they're permanent plus one plus one counters, I think I like quite a bit. I would like to have, and it's X, so you can cast it anywhere on your curve, or not anywhere on your curve, but you can cast it, you know, it's very flexible where you can cast it. So, um, you know, I'm going to give it like a 5.5. I like it better than High Spire Infusion for sure. And um, assuming you have artifacts you can put this on, whether it be creatures, servo tokens, thopters, or um, just random like puzzle knots and things like that. Yeah, I'm not sure about this. Like there was a card a long time ago called Thrive, I think it was, that let you put X counters on X creatures. This is not that flexible and that wasn't even that good. Like turning a random non-creature artifact into a creature at instant speed is kind of neat. But I kind of almost like the High Spire Infusion better. It does give you lasting value. I think that's what does it for me. Like, it's not just an animate for this turn. Um, it, the fact what's the that upside I on this one? The upside is you get to keep the counters. The downside is you can't cast it on any creature. And I think that matters for me. Like, I, I need a lot of artifacts slash artifact creatures to want this. And if I'm not playing a lot of artifact creatures, I probably don't want a combat trick. Like... Is the dream that I'm going to animate a puzzle knot or an implement and ambush your dude with it? That does, that, I mean, that seems like a pretty pretty lame dream. Five mana make a four four at instant speed would be the I think that would be like the ceiling on this card. Yeah. Or if you have what if you just have like random like weldfast monitors or uh, pillar bugs or something like that from Kaladesh? Then I think this goes way up in value. Yeah. Yeah. Right, like three mana, put two plus one plus ones on your pillar bug? Yeah, I guess I need to see how many artifact creatures we've got that I'm happy playing and how many non-creature artifacts that I would put in a typical green deck. This is a very difficult card for me to evaluate. I have no idea how good this is. I need to play with it, and I need to see the artifacts first. The value goes way up if you're more artifact heavy, obviously. Like, I'd play this if I had a ton of servos even. Just, like, make it turn a servo into a 4-4 randomly, I think, would be really good. I'm just terrified I'm not going to have an artifact to cast it on. Yeah, that is that is the risk, right? Um, but, I mean, how many games of Kaladesh did you not have an artifact? Not many, right, by the end of the game. But you're right, you could die with this in your hand. You could, Which is why I give it a 5 of 5. five yeah, or five. you could have, like, let's say you have a 3-3 three, three artifact creature and a 3-3 three, three elf creature, and your opponent points a burn spell at the elf. Yeah, then you're pretty sad. And you're at two, and they swing in with their two two twos, and you're like, oh, man, I just lost the game. If that had been High Spire Infusion, I win. Like, I, yep. I don't know. That, that's, that seems too situational for me. So I, I'm going to – whatever you said, I'll, I'll rate it one less. That sounds good. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Next up is not Pima Outrider. Lifecraft Cavalry for four and a green. Elf Warrior at common. It's a 4-4 four, four, trample. Revolt. It gets two plus one plus one counters. Um. I think this is, I think it's it's tough. If you can reliably hit the revolt, this is a very good card. Mm-hmm. But as we've talked about, we think that maybe 40% of the time you'll be able to hit it at sorcery speed. The fact that it's a five casting cost 
gives you like pushes that needle closer to, you know, maybe 50% of the time. So 50% of the time, this is a six, six trample. You're very happy with this. And if the other half of the time is just a four, four trample, you're kind of whatever it's your riparian tiger, right? So it's riparian tiger with upside. It's riparian tiger with different upside. Like if I'm ramping in green these days, which I think I want to be ramping it out as a four, four trample is probably fine, but I'm Mm -hmm. probably not enabling the revolt. Mm Mm-hmm. I, I don't know, man. This seems like just an okay playable. I think I like Pima Outrider better. Oh, but Pima Outrider is the gold standard for like green four four tramplers, though. Yeah, I'm gonna give this a five and a half. Okay, that and seems like a I'd decent be, hedge. I'd, I'd be pretty happy to play one of these because I'm going to get revolt randomly like half the time, I or like forty percent of the time, I think. And and then this is just a six six beater. Six six trample is. No joke, right? Oh, yeah. If you can turn this on, the card's busted. Like, add a mana cost to it and just give me a 6-6 Trampler, and I'm in. Like, I played Cowl Prowler sometimes and was happy about it. It's just huge. It makes your combat tricks better. It can't be chump blocked. It, it does a lot of good things. I'm just, like, the. I'm, I'm concerned about how often I'll be able to get Revolt going. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm going to trust that Wizards has put in there a way for us to get Revolt enabled relatively consistently and say this is probably a 6. All right. That's fair. Next up is Lifecrafter's Gift. This is three and a green for an instant. Put a plus one, plus one counter on target creature, then put a plus one, plus one counter on each creature you control with a plus one, plus one counter on it for four mana. Yeah. So bare minimum, two plus one, plus one counters on one creature. Okay. And if you have other creatures with counters, they get them too? Yep. Okay. How do we like this? I like that they're permanent, obviously. Um... I think if you have just random plus one, plus one counters on things like uh, like you have like three or four creatures that care about plus one, plus one counters, then this goes up in value. Um, I might even play one just by itself. Do you know what I mean? Like if I had no plus one, plus one synergy, just a permanent plus two, plus two for four mana at instant speed can swing a game like you can blow your opponent out, uh, you know, early on, like turn five or something like that. Um, I, I give it like a six. Yeah, I would probably go three. And really? I don't think it's that bad. I do. It's a combat trick for four mana. I don't really care what it does at that point. It, it has surpassed the limits of playability for me. Like, I got to work too hard to make this do anything. Plus two, plus two for four mana. Like, we had we had one in cons that was four mana, plus two, plus two, and untap it. And that still wasn't an autoplay in green. That was just a, well, I didn't get anything better, so I guess I'll run this. Hmm. Yeah, I, I'm going to go four on this. I'm I'm I, maybe three. I just like that's too much for a combat trick because all combat tricks have the well, maybe they just kill your dude in response plan. And like that's a nightmare for a combat trick. And at one mana, I can sort of play around that at four. Like I'm committing my whole turn to this is what I'm doing this turn. It's true. Huh. But so we'll disagree on that one and, and see how that turns out throughout the format. It'd be interesting because I think uh, permanent stat boosts really play well against the red first strike and double strike plan. Yeah. I might want it as a sideboard card for that. Yeah. All right. That's fair. Uh, Malfist revolutionary is one green, green for a three, three human warrior with trample, a lot of trample in green. Uh, when it enters the battlefield or dies for each kind of counter on target, permanent or player, give that permanent or player another counter of that kind. So proliferate when it comes into play or dies. Yep. Energy or plus one, plus ones, generally speaking. I like that it's on Enter the Battlefield and on uh, Death. Mm-hmm. 
So oh. you can flicker it to get extra value, but you're going to get two triggers off of this most of the time. Yeah, correct. Uh, so it's not leaves battlefield or it would give you two triggers for flickering it. I can see why they put the eyes on there. Um, the trample means it's going to play well with combat tricks. I like three threes for three. Be aware when you play this that you're going to want nine to ten forests in your deck so that you can reliably hit this on turn three. Uh, but I, I don't think there's anything to dislike about this card. No, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to like a six and a half. Like this is a three drop I really want to play in green. Yeah, yeah. This is, this is definitely the one I want. Um, four drops probably go up a little bit in green because we have a two mana ramper. Because you don't really want to go two mana ramper into this. You want to go two mana ramper into a four drop and just skip three entirely. But I still think this is a very strong card. Yeah, sometimes you don't have a four drop to ramp into, right? Correct, correct. And your and your elves will help you fix that green if necessary. So you might not have to play like ten green sources. You might be able to get away with nine, for example. Okay. Yeah, so. I, I think I like the revolutionary. Let's get Maul fisting. Next up is Monstrous Onslaught. This is three green green for a sorcery. Monstrous Onslaught deals X damage divided as you choose among any number of target creatures where X is the greatest power among creatures you control as you cast Monstrous Onslaught. What does that as you cast mean? Um, that is interesting. So does this get around the... If they remove my biggest creature in response... I think so. I think that's what that phrase means. You know what? Uh, you just talk about this card. I'm going to look it up real quick in the notes. Okay. I think that's that's super valuable. If, if it works that way, this is kind of a five mana removal spell for green um, that lets you divide the damage. You're going to need something big in play. It doesn't seem like it's super hard for green to get a four, four in play. So five mana, four, four, four damage divided however I want. Seems pretty good to me. Um, it only goes to creatures. It doesn't go to players. And it obviously doesn't do anything if you don't have any creatures in play. Uh, but as long as it's getting around that they blow up your dude in response, then I think this is quite a strong card. If it doesn't, it still has all of that upside. You'll just need to be a little more careful about when you play it. Right. So the notes uh, say that you divide the damage among the target creatures as you cast Monstrous Onslaught. So that's why it's when you cast it, because you need to pick all your targets and divide that damage, which makes sense if you, if you think about the card, right? Like, it's not something coming into the battlefield and then doing that effect. You have to pick your targets and assign your damage when you cast the spell. So yeah, so as long as you have big creatures in your deck, you know, this is fine. You're pretty sad if your biggest creature is at, like, what is it, power? Is yeah. like three power. You're pretty sad with that. Yeah, I was I was thinking four power is a baseline, and I'd probably yeah. play five mana, divide four damage anywhere I choose. Like it, it, it looks like a good removal spell for green from from my perspective. So I would rate that pretty highly. Yeah, um, maybe I'm down on that one. How, how would you like it if it was just five mana, four damage divided how you choose at sorcery speed? Then then it's a red card. Yeah, but is it a good red card? Yeah, I would yeah. say so. I, I think this is not that far from that. Like, it's going to be a miserable top deck if you're behind, but I, I, I think it looks like green is about casting big things and then attacking with them. And cast, like, this isn't fight. You can, you know, blow up their big stuff and get through or make an attack and then cast this afterwards after some things have bounced. I think I like that. This is at least a six. All right, I'm going to reevaluate. Yeah, okay, I can go with that. All right. Next up, we have Narnum Renegade, uh, which is a one-mana, one-two elf warrior at Uncommon. 
It has death touch and revolt enters the battlefield with a plus one plus one counter. Uh, I really like one, two death touchers and the fact that you can randomly just get a uh, plus one, plus one, make this a two, three, I think is very, very good. Um, you can flicker it to get um, the plus one, plus one counter on it later. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm very high on this card. I gave it a six and a half out of 10. Yeah, I would agree with you there. It's a one drop that's relevant on turn one and that you can, you know, get in a point of damage or two with it and then trade it for basically anything. I think this is a fantastic card. Uh, next up is Natural Obsolescence. This is one in a green for an instant at common. Put target artifact on the bottom of its owner's library. Really tough, I think, to rate this card for me. Um, feels like a sideboard card because I think there's better artifact slash enchantment removal, especially in Kaladesh. But, I mean, if you need artifact removal, then it's totally fine. It just It basically gets rid of it, goes to the bottom of the deck, which is essentially the same as going to the graveyard, I think. Maybe even better because they can't buy it back. Although shuffles mm-hmm. make it a little more likely that they'll draw it again. But I, I'm going to err on the side of putting this in the main deck. Like I main deck Fragmentize and Appetite for the Unnatural and was very happy about it. Um, yes, Appetite may be a little better, but this is shave a mana off in the three life. I, I think I'm I'm going to main deck one of these, maybe two. But again, I was very big on main decking artifact removal in Kaladesh and it paid off well for me. Sure. Um I really wish this hit enchantments, but I think then it would be undercosted. So I, that's fair. I'll give it a middle of the road five and like probably want one in my deck. Yeah. Usually I was playing the appetite to pick off artifacts. The the random upside of sometimes you get an enchantment was certainly a thing, but it was mostly there to blow up big artifacts. Um, and, and this will do that for you as well. So I agree. It would be better if it hit enchantments. The fact that it doesn't means maybe if I have an appetite and this, I'll run the appetite instead but only one pack of Kaladesh, I, I may not necessarily get them. So I, I want access to one of these. That's fair. Uh, next up is Pima Aetherseer. That's some cool art. Um, three and a green for a 3-2 Elf Druid at Uncommon. When it enters the battlefield, you get an amount of energy equal to the greatest power among target creatures you control. You can pay three energy target creature blocks this turn if able. So usually three energy, sometimes more. Yes. Very rarely less, I would say. Um, and then you spend that energy to get one a one-time use on the lure. Um, I wish it wasn't four mana. I kind of wish it was like a three mana two-two. Um, but then you wouldn't be getting the three energy. So it, I don't know. It's tough to say. I think it's a fine card. I don't think it's overly powerful. Um, I mean, you might want one of these. I mean, the dream scenario, obviously, is you've got a creature in play that's bigger than your opponent's and their creature is untapped, and their mana is tapped, and they've got exactly that one creature. And then you play this, and you use it, and you're like, your guy has to block, and you attack with the big one and eat it. Right? Yep. Like, that's what we want to do with this. That gets a little worse if they have more creatures on the board, where they'll be like, sure, I'll block with that and these other things and kill your guy. Sometimes it's a way to remove those creatures that just never block. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, like sometimes there's those... Um... Uh, not not the creatures that have tap to activate abilities, but the creatures that are providing some kind of effect that just they never never risk blocking with. This is a good way to deal with those. Mm-hmm. But that's that's a lot. I don't think I'm taking this card very highly. I rated it like a five and a half because I think it's like you know I think it's an okay four drop, but you're fine putting a lot of other four drops in this spot. I think. Yeah, I think it's probably a replacement level card. It's cool and I like it. The fact that it's not 
uh, repeatable energy gain is an issue, but maybe in a deck that has a lot of stuff to do with energy where I could use it for this, I could use it for something else. But like for, for a while, I was not wanting to play the four mana three, two that fetched a land just because three, two wasn't a relevant enough body in Kaladesh. And I think this may suffer from the same thing. It's also not going to like get rid of a vehicle. That's a problem for you because they can just, it's not a creature. You can't really do that. Yeah. So I, I think I'll probably go five on this. Oh, hey, look, Prey Upon. I remember you, and we know what you do. One green for a sorcery, target creature you control fights, target creature you don't control. I mean, it's pretty... That's what green gets for removal. I'm pretty happy with it, I think. Uh, I gave it a seven, and I think in most formats, I think I give it a seven, because green, you know, that's what green gets. They get fight spells. Yeah, it was a little worse in Eldritch Moon than it was, or, or Shadows Over Innistrad Block than it was in original Innistrad Block. But that, that's the worst I've ever seen it. And it was still fine there. I think it's going to be actively big here because the green dudes just look huge. There are a lot of big, big butts in green. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm in. Let's let's make this a seven and let's pick it early and often and 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 have a lot of fights. Yes. Next up, we've got Ridge Scale Tusker, which is three green green for a beast at uncommon. It's a five five. When it enters the battlefield, put a plus one plus one counter on each other creature you control. I'm pretty high on this card. Yeah, I was kind of okay just for a five mana five five, and it was like maybe it does something else. And the fact that it it pumps your team permanently. Yep. Are you first picking this, Dave? Hmm. I think I probably first pick it in a lot of packs. It kind of looks like a badger too. Does that influence your decision at all? <laughs> no, it does not. Okay, I, it absolutely does not. I think I like this one a lot. Where do you come down on this? I gave it a seven and a half. Um, not quite bomb bomb level. Uh, very happy to first pick it because I want five fives for five anyway. Mm-hmm. And you're usually going to get at least one or two plus one plus one counters on this. So you're getting seven power, seven toughness. I think that is a most of the time that is the the, the floor for that card. I think is seven power, seven toughness spread over three bodies. And that seems fantastic. Yeah, I, I like yeah. the Tusker. Yeah. Uh, at, at Uncommon, I think I would take that early so that I could make sure I have one. And then it mm-hmm. kind of doesn't matter what your twos and threes are if they're going to get pumped lighter. Yeah, it goes really well in the green-red deck. Yeah, because then you... Lots of first strike. It, honestly, that would make it good in green-white if you have flyers or green-blue if you have flyers. Like, if you can give those counters evasion, it's it's going to be even stronger. I think that's a powerful card. And I can ramp it out. And this is a really... Is it, is it the best ramp target? I guess you'd be, one you'd, be putting so a, far. you'd be putting a plus one plus one counter on an elf and whatever your three or four drop was. Yeah, that, that sounds seems too bad. good. That seems really good. Because yeah, the three or four can drop do. can attack and the elf is now a two four, which is going to be relevant. And then, yeah. Okay, so we're in agreement. This is a really good card. First pickable. Um, and then it goes really well with the next card. Which is Rishkar Pima Renegade. Two and a green for an elf druid at rare. It's also legendary. Two, two. When it enters the battlefield, put a plus one, plus one counter on each of up to two target creatures. Each creature you control with a counter on it has tap, add green to your mana pool. So this is kind of a three mana four, four at worst case. Uh, it has to go uh, each of up to two target creatures. So it, it would only, if it's by itself, it's a three, three. That okay. can tap. Okay. So how amazing so it, is this card? Talk me through all of the things we can do with it. The absolute floor is it's a three mana three three that ramps, right? Okay, that's not bad. I that's think, pretty good. No, 
I think the ceiling on this card is also very good and it's very easy to do where it's um, like the, I think the best case scenario is play a two drop, play this as your three drop, and then both of them tap for, for mana and you can cast a five or a six drop if you hit your land drop. And if not, you have giant things that can attack with and you can still cast other twos and threes. You have like two three threes yeah. on board. Yeah, this this looks great to me. I, I don't know that it's a windmill slam over some of the removal spells that we've seen, but I, I think if I'm green, I certainly want this. Like I could see a lot of packs where I open this, I'm already in green, and I first pick this even though there's a you know black removal spell in it or whatnot. I think I take this over the Tusker. I could see that. Right? Because this enables a lot of other... Like, you, you just, this just gives you insane ramp, I think. It, it gives you the flexibility of ramp or power and toughness, whichever you prefer. And much like the Tusker, if you're playing another color that has some relevant abilities, even the, we've seen a lot of good uh, green cards with Trample, like any sort of evasion you can put these counters on, the fact that you have that flexibility makes it better too. I like both of these cards, and I want both of them in the same deck. I think the really good thing about this is it's relevant in all steps of the game, all phases of the game. So if you if you cast it on curve, you know even if it's by itself, it's just a three three elf. Fine. If you play it with something else, now you have two probably three three elves. If you play it late game, you're not going to need the mana ramp anymore, but you can still put those two plus one plus ones on things that are maybe that gets them over the top and starts pushing damage through. Plus, it has the plus one plus one synergy with a few of the other cards that we've seen so far. Um, yeah, I think I, I think I'm first picking this. It's pretty close over like some of the black removal, but I think I'm first picking this because I think it's easy to build around. Yeah. It, it looks like a very strong card. You just talked me up to, uh, let's put it at a seven or an eight. Yeah. Uh, up next we have Riskar's expertise, which is four green, green for a sorcery at rare draw cards equal to the greatest power among creatures you control. You may cast a card with converted mana cost five or less from your hand without paying its cost. So you draw your cards first, and then you can play one of those cards that you drew. That's pretty cool. I don't have a lot cards? of room for six mana card draw, but in green I kind of do, especially if we're we're ramping these days, because one of the, the challenges you have is ramping into nothing. Like if I get three of the ramp guys and then happen to draw those but nothing to ramp into, I'm pretty sad. This uh, alleviates a lot of that. Yeah, you're pretty sad if you're only drawing two cards with this. Oh yeah, that's like worst case scenario. Yeah. It, it kind of has to work out all right for you to like hit something with five power and then draw and resolve this. So where where do you come down on this? How do you feel about it? I gave it a question mark for rating um, because I wasn't sure. Uh, if I'm drawing three cards with this, I guess I'm pretty happy, but you were kind of down on the, the, the draw three in blue. Mm-hmm. And this is, I don't know if this is better than that. It's tough to say. The ceiling on it's higher, right? Like the Much ceiling higher. on it is I have a Tusker in play. I cast this, draw another one, and cast it for free, and then annihilate you. So oh, I, I, that would be so good. I think the upside on this card is much higher than the on the blue one. The blue one is never going to do anything more than draw me cards. This is potentially going to draw me cards and then put one in play, so I'm not really punished for taking a turn off for drawing those cards. Yeah... I think, I think I'm going to rate it less than the Tusker. So you open a pack with these two, you take the Tusker. I think so. Maybe early, I'll try the draw the card draw spell. I just think this is an effect that we don't see very often in green for a big reason. And the the fact that, like, what I didn't like about the blue card 
um, was that we're drawing three cards and then we're passing the turn. With this one, if I can draw three cards and then also play something that affects the board, it doesn't even have to be something good. Just play a creature, which I should be able to do after I've drawn three cards. I, I don't know why we set it at three, but that seems pretty easy to do. No, that's that's why I set it at three, because I think that's the, like, you're probably always drawing three off of this. I think this is good. Yeah, I'm always afraid of dying with this in my hand, like something like this in my hand. That can happen with any six drop. And if your board's clear, yes. it doesn't matter what the six drop is. Most of the time you're going to lose anyway. You're probably dead anyway. Yeah. but it, it, How do you it, like it? How do you like it for sealed? I think it's a bomb in sealed. You're excited to play it in sealed? Very excited to play it in sealed. And then I don't have to worry about where to take it or what I passed for it. Uh, but I think I'm picking this early in draft. I want to try it out, but I, I have a hunch that this could be a bomb. Okay, I'm going to give it... You talked me up. I'm going to give it the same grade as the Tusker. So 7.5. I still like the uh, Pima Renegade slightly more. Okay. I think I okay. like this better than the other two, but we will see. It's really close. Like, I don't think you're... You're not giving up like 10 or 15 percentage points. You're giving up like one to two percentage points if you're if you make the wrong pick, I think. You're probably right about that. Uh, we've got a cat monkey up next. It's kind of a big deal that there's more cat monkeys. Uh, one in a green for a scrounging bandar. It's a zero zero cat monkey at common. Enters the battlefield with two plus one plus one counters on it. At the beginning of your upkeep, you may move any number of plus one plus one counters from the bandar onto another target creature. This <laughs> I like this card. Like, it's not like a bomb, obviously, but like as a two drop, it's a two, two that when it becomes irrelevant can move things around to other creatures. I, I kind of like it. I give it a six. Yeah. I, I like this as a two drop. I'd, I'd probably put it in the five and a half, six range. If you have a couple of them, you could do interesting things like make one of them a three, three and one of them a one, one attack. And the next turn, move. like, I kind of just want like five of these. So I can build one <laughs> giant Bandar, and then if they pacify it, just move the counters somewhere else. Go figure, I'd like a lot of cat monkeys. But I, I think this is a really good card. It's good on turn two. You can attack with it. You can block with it. And then, like you said, as soon as it's irrelevant, we'll just pump something else up. So would you say that this Bandar is with others? <laughs> uh, uh, not, not acknowledging that. <laughs> Silkweaver Elite, two and a green for a 2-2 Elf Archer with Reach. Revolt, you draw a card when it enters the battlefield. I'm also high on this card. I, I think, think this is really medium. I think this, because this is a like late game, you get to draw a card off it quite easily. Yeah, but the body late game doesn't matter. A 2-2 two, two reach yeah. late game is just kind of like whatever. That's true. That is true. If you I, can sneak some plus one plus ones onto it, it's pretty good. Yeah, but I mean, so is any 2-2. Two, two. Right, yeah. I, I think at three, this is a little overcosted for me. Like if, if I if it just if it was just a two two for three reach, draw a card, done. Put this in my deck. Let's go. It's not that. No, it's it, you're near. Yeah, you're like draw like half a card, right? If you average it out. Yeah, maybe even yeah. less if you're ever casting it on turn three. That's true. So I, I I don't think I like this very much. I think I would prefer most two drops and three drops that we've seen up other than this. But said I'm not like horrified if i have to play it it's maybe a four for me yeah i'm gonna give it a five because i think the reach might be relevant but it is i guess there's a lot of there's a couple of three toughness flyers so like it maybe it doesn't block all the flyers that i think it should so yeah all right i'll come down a little bit on that one i'll give it a four and a half and maybe if they're playing a bunch of wind drakes or two one flyers or whatever or we just need flyer defense we can bring it in 
or it's a scenario where we're just trading resources left and right, then it can be reasonable. But I, I don't think I'm in love with this card initially. Okay. And we've got one more unbridled growth green for an aura at common enchant land enchanted land has tap add one mana of any color to your pool, sacrifice unbridled growth, draw a card. If you need fixing or a cheap uh, revolt enabler, it cycles, it fixes its low risk. I mean, the upside's not really that high. Yes. The fact that it cycles, I think, sells it for me. And the fact that it's free, like you could just sacrifice it uh, if you need that revolt trigger, then um, I'm okay with it. Like you'll play this plus what was that one that we saw? Like the the renegade, the one two death toucher that'll come in with a plus, like it'll be a two three death toucher. Or the Liberator will be a 4-3 on turn two. Like You can draw a um, card with your elite dude. Yeah, yeah. So I would if if I'm if I care about Revolt or I need the fixing, um, I'm in on this card, I think. I think for me it's not an or, it's an and. If I care about Revolt and I need the fixing, then I can play this. But you're right, the cost is relatively low. Worst case scenario, you you uh, cycle it, and that that's not too bad. That really only works if you're a base green deck. Right, like if you're playing ten planes and seven forests, this is not something you can make that argument for. But it it, it does two things mediocrely well, and if I want both of those things, then I probably want this card. So that, okay, that so puts it at like a three and a half for me. Three and a half for you. I'm going to give it slightly higher than that, with the knowledge that I'm going to try to pick these up if um, if I think my revolt deck is coming together. Okay. Oh, so that does it for green. How do you like green? Maybe it is easy being green. Green looks fantastic. I want to be black green after what I've seen so far. Maybe red green. I kind of want to be white green revolt. Okay. Yeah, I could see that having some some good synergies too. But there's a lot of strong green cards. There were really no just straight passes for me other than the the combat trick, which, you know, to be fair, may still be playable. Yeah, green feels really consistent. Like the creatures are all big. They're all seem to be bigger than those magic numbers that we talked about. Um, and, and there's some, there's a couple of bombs. There's some solid removal spells. Um, you know, there's a ramp. It feels like green is going to be a main color and you can probably support it with any color. It feels like. Yeah. If, if green's open, you're happy. And then not to mention, you're going to get the last pack of Kaladesh where green was easily the best color. Yeah, I could see green supporting three drafters at this table, just like it did in Kaladesh at a draft table, like three to three and a half drafters. Yeah, I'm in. Sweet. All right, that'll wrap up green. We're going to take another quick break, and then we're going to come back with the multicolored and artifacts. All right, we are in the home stretch. We've got the gold cards and then a whole schwack of artifacts, and then we are done. So we're going to kick it off with the Catman himself, Johnny Unyielding, our first Planeswalker. Four green-white, four uh, mythic Planeswalker. Starts with four loyalty and three modes. Plus two, reveal the top three cards of your library. Put all non-land permanent cards revealed this way into your hand and the rest on the bottom of your library in any order. So non-land permanent creatures, enchantments, uh, artifacts, that kind of thing. Minus two is exile target creature. Its controller gains life equal to its power, so uh, swords to plowshares. And then the ultimate is minus nine. Put five plus one plus one counters on each creature you control and five loyalty counters on each other planeswalker you control. So not 
super relevant uh, because it's nine loyalty, um, but that can finish a game off with uh, putting the plus one, plus one counters on all of your creatures. I would say this is the perfect curve topper for any deck that ah. can cast it. Uh, yep. Planeswalkers are good and limited. This one does everything that you want Planeswalkers to do and that it draws you cards, relevant cards, obviously not sorceries and instants, but it's limited. Most of what you're playing is creatures. Um, you can destroy something. So fail case, it's a six mana removal spell that you could even use twice if you can defend it. And the ultimate doesn't quite say win the game, but it's pretty darn close. Uh, Planeswalkers have historically been very good and limited with the exception of like Tybalt. Um, this is not a Tybalt. It does suffer from everything that a six drops suffers from, but uh, th this is better than any other six drop we've seen in any of the other colors. Um, and it's a cat. Yeah, it answers everything. Like mm -hmm. every creature on your opponent's side of the board. Um, I'm, you're never going to have to make this decision, but do you take this or do you take the seven drop demon? This. Yeah, you take this. So nine and a half, I would get to this then. I'm with you. I, I take this. It, it's it's the demon to be fair is probably an eight and a half and this is a nine like at, at six mana it does suffer from that tax of you have to be able to get to turn six to play this and that doesn't always happen right but it's an exceptionally powerful effect for six mana so i, I think i'm very happy with this card yeah. also it's johnny gonna, what the hell man i'm gonna love it that's that's true um i think what i like most about this card is like after you've already gotten to six mana you probably have a way to defend a johnny from the first wave of attacks. So you can get two activations out of this, or you can uptick it and not really be in a position where you like are struggling to defend where if it was like a forecasting cost planeswalker, you're probably only getting one activation and it well, obviously and the abilities probably aren't as good. Um, but it's, it's a lot harder to defend on four, uh, like on turn four or turn five instead of like turn nine or turn 10, I think. That's true. And, and I mean, worst case scenario, if you're the, the argument would be you might be behind because you're holding a six drop. But I mean, the six drop can come down and kill something. So I, I think this is a fantastic card. Yeah. All right. Obvious cards are obvious. Next yes. up is Dark <laughs> dark Imitations. So uh, kind of ominous uh, foreshadowing for the next set here. Um, it's pretty much written in black and white on the card. So two blue, black, and a red. So five mana for a rare sorcery. Each opponent sacrifices a creature or planeswalker, then discards a card. You return a creature or planeswalker card from your graveyard to your hand, and then you draw a card. And then it has some flavor text about Bolas, um, which is does not exist in this set. So we're just going to ignore it. I really dislike this card for a couple different reasons. Um, it's super hard to cast in limited. It doesn't look like we've seen any amazing fixing. There is some artifact fixing, so you could make it happen. But I, I don't like it when a card in a set references a card in another set from a limited perspective because we're never going to get to play with it. Like, if Bolas was in this set, yeah, sure. It still kind of doesn't matter, but it would be a little cooler, wouldn't it? Um, whereas here yeah. we just kind of get a mini dink ultimatum. Um, I, I don't think it's worth stretching the mana for to play this, and I, I think it's just kind of a, a bum rare to open up. Yeah, I, I gave it like a three because maybe in some scenarios it, it's, you know, you play it as your 23rd card and it actually does something. But I think quite frequently it gets your opponent's worst creature, your opponent's worst card in their hand, and it gets you back maybe like a medium card from your graveyard. And then you draw a card off the top, which may or may not be a land for five mana that's hard to cast. I'm just I, I concur. You know what? I'm three is even too generous. I'm just going to knock that down to a two. 
It's all of that, plus it interacts with a card that's not in the set. Like, I suppose this card isn't for me, and I can accept that not every magic card is for me. Like, there's somebody that's, like, super stoked that Bolas is coming back. I kind of just care about how it mechanically works in the set. So there's a lot mm -hmm. of text that just doesn't matter to me. Yeah, I agree. All right, next up, Hidden Stockpile. Uh, white and a black, so two mana for an enchantment and uncommon. It has Revolt. At the beginning of your end step, uh, if a permanent you controlled left the battlefield, create a 1-1 servo. And you can pay one and sacrifice a creature and scry one. There's a lot going on with this card. It's interesting, isn't it? So at the very least, you can always just sacrifice a servo and scry one. And trigger revolt, making another servo. Yes, so you can just loop that endlessly. Make sure you're doing it before your end step. Because this this happens at the beginning of your end step. So you want to, if you're playing on Magic Online and you want to do this at the end of your second uh, main. turn, you set a stop in your second main. Because if you've passed your second main, you will not, you'll, you'll sacrifice your servo and you won't get value out of this. So, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a cheap way to repeat Revolt. And turn That's stuff. That's about it. Yeah, and, and like if they ever point removal at one of your creatures, you can scry and get your thing. I, I don't know. This is almost doing enough for me to like it. I, I would want this, I guess, in a black-white deck that's looking to be exceptionally grindy, um, go exceptionally late game, or really wants revolt triggered. I'm, I'm excited to try out this card and see what it does. Like it, okay. It, it, worst case scenario, it's a, a two-man enchantment with a cumulative upkeep of one, where I get to chump block every turn and scry every turn. And then it can be more than that. I don't know that I go into white black for it, but I think if I'm white black, I'm excited to try this. It's only at the end of your end step. So you can't chump block with it and sacrifice that creature to get another servo at the end of the turn because it would be your opponent's turn that time. Okay. Okay. So I can't chump block with them. Yeah, maybe it's not I mean, that if good you, then. If you get... No, even if you get out ahead of it, you're still you're you're still not sacrificing them on your opponent's turn. I mean, you could you could sacrifice it and get the the scry one, like that's no big deal. But unless you're doing it on your turn, you're not making another servo out of it. I think I'm down on this card. I, I only gave it a four, and maybe I'm wrong, but I think that might be too too high. Maybe it is because it's it's a lot of work to enable revolt. It's cool. I really like the card. It just may not actually be that good, especially being gold. I, I'm, I'm excited to see if I can find a deck where this is good. Um, okay. It's a card that I'm interested in, but it's probably not very good. Maybe I'm missing something. You know what I mean? Like, like maybe this this isn't about the sacrifice scry one ability. Maybe this is more about just being able to get easy revolt triggers. Um, or, or sorry, using other enters the battle or sorry leaves the battlefield effects to get servos do you mm -hmm. know what i mean like more kind of closer to what that thopter enchantment was where every time you cast an artifact you got a thopter maybe this is closer to being along that like that kind of build around line and the, the sacrifice is just an extra bonus um where you can just always just scry one if you're not doing anything else yeah and like it, there are creatures that come into play and make servos like we saw that grizzly bear in white that does that so like I sacrifice a servo, I play that, I get another servo, I get another servo on top of that. Like mm -hmm. you, you could start to, to go wide and maybe if there's some inspired charge strategy, you're using that white flyer that pumps your team. I could see things starting to happen here, but uh, it, it is a lot of setup cost. I could, like, if you're already in this deck, 
I think you can get it in pack, like if you see it in pack two, maybe you take it, but I don't know if I want to take it in pack one if I'm still not sure if I'm in this deck. Yeah, I'll, I'll go with you there. Okay, cool. Next up, I love this card, Maverick Thopterist. So we need a lot of Top Gun references here, I think. <laughs> All right, Goose. So Highway to the Danger Zone, uh, three blue and a red, so five mana for an uncommon human artificer. Uh, it's a 2-2 with Improvise. And when it enters the battlefield, you make not one, but two Thopters. That kind of takes my breath away. <laughs> well done. Well played. Thank you, thank you. Um, that is expensive, but you get a lot for your mana. Like, if this didn't have Improvise, I think it would be a playable card. Giving it Improvise and meaning maybe I can turn for this makes it look a lot like a Whirler Rogue. Well, we played... Sometimes we played the five mana O uh, three that made two thopters. Yes, and we were happy about it. And we were ha- and and I th- I think this is better than that. It it is, but turning that blue into a red means we're not playing it in every deck. That means this is like blue red only or blue green only. This is pretty close to a Whirler Virtuoso in a deck that is not abusing Whirler Virtuoso. What if you blink this guy? Oh, so good. Yeah, you know, you've got to adjust that the the power level of gold cards is often much better than the power level of single cards because it does lock you into a particular deck. The potential for abuse here is not quite as high as Whirler Virtuoso because there were enough shenanigans to get a bunch of energy and really abuse that. And there's just kind of not here that that well, even if you get all of that energy, this guy doesn't interact with it at all. That that doesn't change the fact that this is a strong card. I, I think we would put this probably at like a seven. Mm-hmm. With the idea that it's it's a three for one. Yeah. I gave it a seven and a half. And I think when it comes to gold cards, it's worth thinking about which cards are you willing to splash for, like to go out of your way to splash for. Mm -hmm. And this might be one of them. Yeah. If if I've got the fixing, then I I, I would want to play this in any deck that could cast it. That's the only caveat. And that's the caveat with all gold cards is can you cast them? So like if you're like green, blue you know, with uh, with an attune or, or a couple of those other fixers that we saw the unbridled growth. I think this is an easy splash. Yeah. And worth the splash because it's just, it's it's five mana, probably a little less than five. Let's say it's four mana. That seems reasonable. Mm-hmm. And it's going to play well with other improvised cards. And we saw plenty of improvised cards in blue and red specifically. So I, I think I like the Thopterist a lot. Yeah. I, I would be very interested in first picking this out of a lot of packs, I think. Yeah. Okay. Next up, we have Oath of the Johnny, which is a green and a white. Uh, so this is part of the Oath cycle, which was how many sets ago now? Oh, God, I don't even remember. Didn't that start off in Zendikar? Yeah, so what's that, like one, two, three, four, five sets ago? Yeah, something like that. Okay, so it's a green and a white for a legendary enchantment at rare. When Oath of the Johnny enters the battlefield, put a plus one, plus one counter on each creature you control. Um, and Planeswalker spells you cast cost one less to cast, so we don't really care about that one. Mm-hmm. Um so how do you feel about two mana sorcery speed, put a plus one, plus one counter on all of your creatures? Um, generally speaking, I would play that. Like you need to have your board developed for that to work. Um, we've mentioned that uh, crusade effects or team pump effects are usually pretty good and the counters stick around. That seems fine. It, it's asking a good, good bit that it, I be green and white to get this effect. Like this is with double green. I'd probably value it higher. It's a little harder to cast. And the fact that we're not getting any value off of Planeswalkers and Limited for, for the most part um, means we're missing a little bit of what this card does. But it's it's a powerful effect. 
I think it's it's easier to splash. Like I might splash it if I was in green base and I had some white fixing. Um, like let's say green red because I think it would play really well in a green red deck. And the reason it's easy to splash is because I know it's two mana, but you're never playing it on turn two. Yeah. Right? You're playing it on like turn six or turn seven or turn eight when you have a board developed. This can break a board stall wide open. Mm-hmm. And even if you go two drop, let's say you go two drop, three drop this, that's still a decent play for this card is to put two plus one plus one counters on things if you're like just like, let's say straight green white, right? Yeah. So I don't think it's like... I, I would struggle first pick, picking it. Me too. But I think if I saw it in pack two and I'm already green-white, I think it's a very high pick for me um, if, if I'm going to have a lot of twos and threes already. Well, one of the things about classic anthems like Honor of the Pure, Crusade, um, Tempered Steel, whatever the anthem effect is, is that it pumps the creatures that you have right now and every creature you draw in the future. This one doesn't do that. It pumps the creatures mm-hmm. you have right now and plays nicely with some of the synergies that are in the set, but any creatures you top deck after this don't benefit from this effect. Um, so I, I don't think this is a windmill slam. Oh my God, we opened Oath of a Johnny. We're doing it. I think it's if we're green and we've got a, a creature heavy deck, then maybe we start to consider this, which for me puts mm-hmm. this around a five. That's fair. I think it's a little bit higher than that, um, but I'm kind of with you. I'm going to give it like a maybe like a five and a half or a six. I'm going to give it a six. Okay, but I, I, I think I could be wrong about that. that. I think we're pretty close. Um, it reminds me of uh, Abzan Ascendancy. Yeah. Right? Slightly easier to cast, but in cans, in cons you had a lot of fixing, so maybe it's the same to cast. Um, and Ascendancy had the upside of the Spirits, and I really like that card, so maybe I'm a little biased, but... I think the Spirits whatever. was a bigger part of that than than the Counters was, but we'll, we'll see it how it plays was. out. Okay. Next up, Outland Boar, which is two, a red and a green for a 4-4 Boar at Uncommon. And simply, it can't be blocked by creatures with power two or less. This is what you want in green and red. Yeah, I really like this card. Um, I, I don't know that I can first pick it because it suffers from all of that gold card problem. But if I like go green card, green card, and then see this, or even red card, red card, and see this, I'm all aboard the piggy train. Um, the fact that it can't be chump blocked or gang blocked... Like, your nightmare scenario when you have a 4-4 four, four is they have a 2-2 two, two, and a 2-3. You're like, oh my god, this sucks. But with this guy, you don't care. You just pig right through. Um, so, again, I'm not going to windmill slam it. But, again, I see myself going, hey, here's a good green creature. Hey, here's a good red removal spell. Oh, look, a pig. And all of a sudden, I'm green red. Yeah, exactly. Um, the fact that it, like, the worst case scenario is it attacks into two three threes is pretty good. Because I think that's pretty hard for your opponent to engineer. So, it's usually trading for something relevant um, if you're attacking with it and your opponent can actually double block it. So, and it's going to play well with combat tricks, which there were plenty of in green and red. Mm. I could see your opponents trying to like two for one themselves in a way, like pumping up their creature so it can block first. Yeah. And then getting them with like shock or something like that. Oh, heck yeah. Yeah. And and left unchecked, this is going to do a lot of damage. I'm a big fan. I give it a six and a half. I'm with you. I'm with you. Okay. With the caveat that you need to be green and red, but I'm going to stop saying yeah. that because it applies to all gold cards. Well... But I think it's interesting with the gold cards is, is like, is this a reason to play these two colors? Like, will you first pick it or are you trying to pick it up on the like because nobody else is taking this card because you're already in those colors? Right. Yeah, it's it's the, it's the second one for me. Exactly. And, and I think that's an int- that it's an important distinction to make when it comes to gold cards. So. All okay. right. Next up is Renegade Rallier. Rallier. Uh, yes, it does not. It. it it does not have Rally. 
but it does have revolt. So we've got one green and a white for a 3-2 human warrior at uncommon, and it has revolt. When Renegade Rallier enters the battlefield, if a permit you control left the battlefield, blah, 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 return target permanent card with converted mana cost two or less from your graveyard to the battlefield. Okay, so your dream scenario is you play the two-drop guy that makes a servo token on turn two, attack with it, they trade with it, you play this guy, get it back, and a servo. Pretty much. I think the dream scenario is the other one, the one that is a 2-1 that turns into a 4-3, four, four, the rare one. Okay, yeah. You trade that off, you play this and get it back. This is another, a- like, if I'm green and white, I'm interested in this card. I don't know that I'm slamming this first pick because, like, the fail case of this is a hard-to-cast 3-mana three 3-2. Three and 3-mana three 3-2s mm-hmm. are fine, but I'm, I'm never really going nuts over them. Yeah, I put it, like, a 5.5. Because I think it's about a grade or a point worse, like worse than the boar. But if you're in this color and you see it like pick six or pick seven, if you're in these colors, you're probably going to have a revolt sub theme anyway. So you might as well pick it up, and you're going to have two drops that are, have some kind of value getting them back. So why not? It's, it's even okay late. Like if you trade your four four for their four four and play this and get a two two back. Like yeah, if it just came into play and created a grizzly bear with it, the card would be busted, right? Yeah. You know what it really plays well with? The Scrounging Bandar. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Like like later in the game, oh, the God, Bandar... Oh, God, I didn't even think about that. The Bandar is an, an, a, a revolt enabler for you. Oh, it totally is. I missed yeah. that. You just move the counters that off, that cat monkey dies, put them on something else, play this guy, get him back, bam. We just broke the format. Don't I, tell anybody. I think we did. Yeah, let's keep it secret, just us. Okay, so everybody listening to the podcast and us, keep that under your hat. Bust it out at the pre-release. Go 5-0 at your pre-release and then uh, show us all the packs you win with that combo. I like it. I like it. <laughs> all right. Next up, Renegade Wheelsmith. This is right in your wheelhouse. Uh, one red-white, which is a 3-2 dwarf pilot uh, at, at Uncommon. Sorry, it's a creature. Uh, whenever Renegade Wheelsmith becomes tapped, target creature can't block this turn. Oh, wow. I could go round and round about how much I like this card. Um, uh, this this really gets the damage rolling um mm-hmm. and I, I like this card a lot um but it, by itself without any vehicles or anything else it's just a three two which again i just said i didn't like the other one because it was a three two but tag this ability onto it making something not block i think is really good and the synergy with vehicles is even better so uh i, I like this one I, again it, it's kind of like the veteran motorist i'm not ready to first pick this as a gold card but if i'm like hey here's a good red removal spell and you know, hey, here's a good red creature. And then I get past this, I'm, I may say, well, we're red-white. So yeah. that, that probably puts it in the five and a half range for me. But I, I like this one quite a bit. I think it's closer to the boar. I'm going to give it like a six and a half. Okay. Um, and it's basically three, two with menace. And then the upside of the vehicle synergy or whatever too, right? So um, if you're if you're in that red-white aggressive deck, this is going to be a very key player. Uh, yeah. It certainly puts you in the driver's seat. Just a nightmare for your opponent. Like we had a four mana three two that tapped stuff in Eldritch Moon, and that was a, a hassle to deal with. And this is that a little bit harder to cast, but can come down sooner. I can see a lot of games ending when you're able to turn three this this guy. I agree. Excellent, excellent. All right, Rogue Refiner is one green and a blue for a three two human rogue at uncommon. Uh, when it enters the battlefield, draw a card, and you get two energy. It's not even revolt. It's just two energy and draw a card. Yeah, I, I don't like this as much as the 2-3 Flying Trampler that made energy. I mean, it's hard to be mad at the card when it replaces itself. 
Um, so I like it. I mean, you get you get a three two, you get your card back, you get the energy. Like it's it's certainly not bad. And I guess you you don't mind trading this off. Whereas the wheel smith, you would kind of like to protect or use a vehicle. This card's fine. I'm not going into green blue for it, but if I'm green blue and see it, I'm going to be super happy about it. I think it's a high pickup if you are in green blue. Yeah, like like a three two end of the battlefield draw you a card would already is- be fine is already i think it's above fine um and then you tack a little bit of energy onto that i gave it a seven but again you're not picking it first you're not going into green and blue to do this you are already green or already green blue and you're like hey i really i'm gonna prioritize this card i'm gonna take it because i mean i think it's really good and potentially you can abuse it with flicker effects in blue yeah it's hard for me to go that high on value cards as opposed to game winning cards um, but I, I do like it, and I agree with everything you said. If I'm green-blue, I want this, um, just because it, it gives me a body and replaces itself all at a very low cost. I, like, you're not mm-hmm. splashing this if you're green, though, are you? I mean, it's no Cloud Blazer, which yeah. is easy, and which is a good reason to splash. No, I think you got to be solidly green-blue for this card, just because it's a three-drop. Like, playing this on curve is really good. If you If you play this and trade it for, like, a 3-3... Three, three, and you get two energy, and you draw a card. I think that's really good rate off of this. Yeah, and I honestly like the fact that these this little cycle of three twos we've seen here, none of them are really good enough to splash outside of their colors. So that means if if you're that color combination, and you figure out that that's open, you might see one of these fourth or fifth pick, like pack two. Yeah, you might yeah. get them late. Yeah. yeah, not super late, but late ish. Yeah, these yeah. are these are good cards. I, I like it. I'll rate it a six instead of a seven, but I like the card too. All right. And then we have Spire Patrol, the last one of the cycle. Um, oh, no, sorry. Is it the last one? Yeah. One, we had the yeah, board, the and, and then we're here. Okay. So uh, it's two white and a blue for a 3-2 flyer. Uh, when Spire Patrol enters the battlefield, tap target creature and opponent controls. That creature does not untap. It goes to sleep. So it, goes, it does not untap during its next untap step. This is basically detain. That's fantastic. A four-mana 3-2 flyer that, like, fogs something for a couple turns? Heck, Yeah. Yeah, this is this is pretty close to the the Thopter maker, the um, Maverick Thopterist. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to give it the same rating. I gave him both a seven and a half. I think this may be better. Like if you're I, in the deck that it goes in, because blue red is not often always a deck in limited. At least mm-hmm. it wasn't in Kaladesh, so I'm nervous that it won't be here. I I could easily be wrong, but like blue white skies is a deck, and one of the mm-hmm. things that you're a little bit worried about in blue white skies is that ground creature hitting you for four. Well, this prevents eight of that damage. Well, not necessarily. It it lets you get in an attack and then prevent four of that damage, right? So I I, I like this card quite a bit. I I think I like it maybe as much as the boar. The the, the adding flying to that three, two really makes a difference for me. That's fair. I think you and I were a little bit different on the boar. So I like the Thopterist and the Spire Patrol more. You like the patrol and the boar more. Either way, I think all of these cards are fantastic, this whole cycle. They are, and they're they're all in the, I wouldn't splash for this, but would be happy having this in my deck if I'm those colors. So that's that's good news. Hopefully you'll be able to get them a little later. Okay. Next up, we have our second Planeswalker, Tezzeret the Schemer. Two blue and a black, so four mana for the Planeswalker. Five loyalty, uh, three abilities, plus one, create a colorless artifact token named Ethereum Cell with the ability to tap sacrifice it and add one mana of any color to your mana pool. So it's that Lotus... Lotus Petal. What's it called? Lotus Petal. Okay. Uh, minus two is target creature gets plus X minus X until end of turn where X is the number of artifacts you control. 
Uh, so either a pump or removal spell, depending on uh, what you need to do at the time. And then minus seven, you get an emblem with at the beginning of your combat uh, on your turn. Target artifact you control becomes an artifact creature with base power and toughness five five. So permanently, you basically animate artifacts as five fives. Only to attack with. Uh, they're permanent. Oh, it sticks around. Okay. It's just, yeah, it just happens at the start of your combat on your turn. Okay. But they stick around. All right. I can dig Tezzera. Like, we'll first pick, we'll play. The abilities are kind of weird. Like, you need to have some artifacts to kill a thing, but you're going to get some artifacts by pumping them up. The ultimate seems relatively easy to achieve. And, like, if you've got any of the Ethereum cells left over once you do it, um, I mean, you could just make two of those ultimate, have two five fives. Let's see what happens. Planeswalkers are powerful and limited. I do not believe Tezzeret will be any exception. As a four drop, you'll want to defend it, you know, play some other stuff first, quite likely. Um, people talk about it doesn't defend itself and limited as if that matters. The rest of your deck is creatures. You shouldn't have any trouble defending a planeswalker. If you can't defend the planeswalker, you're losing the game anyway. And the fact that they kind of fog for a turn can be relevant. But th- this seems like a very powerful effect to me. It's it's a little bit of ramp, a little bit of removal spell, and an ultimate that will take over a game. Just make sure you're playing some artifacts. Yeah, if you first pick this, you want to prioritize some of those artifact creatures and, and uh, random trinkets. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if you can get there, the minus two ability is very relevant, um, either, on a, a, either on offense or defense. Let's um, depend on how many artifacts you have and how big your creatures are, but mostly on defense. Um, and if you can defend it, like minus seven is a real problem for your opponent. Yeah, it's a lot of flexibility. I mean, the biggest thing about Planeswalkers is they give you a lot of choices. And then if you make the correct choice, you can often win the game. I mean, if you've got two artifacts out in the two, three bird flyer, maybe it's correct to minus two and hit your opponent for four. Um, mm-hmm. you, you can do that. But yeah, Planeswalkers are good and limited. I, I will. I'm looking forward to playing with Tezzeret. I rate it less than Ajani, but you're probably never going to have to make that decision. So I think you pick this over most or all of the non-rares in the set easily. Um, and if you get this and like a foil demon, I mean, you got a, you got a tough decision, I think. And one that you're probably not going to go wrong on. That's true. That is true. I rated it slightly less than a demon. I gave it eight and a half. Sold. Okay. Tezzeret's Touch uh, is uh, one blue and a black for an aura at uncommon enchant artifact. Enchanted Artifact is a creature with base power and toughness 5-5 in addition to its other types. And when the artifact is put into a graveyard, return that card to its owner's hand. So you lose the aura but get the artifact back. So if you remember in Soul Artifact, very similar. Yeah, we're running with scissors again, aren't we? We are running with scissors, yep. Uh, with no Darksteel Citadel and no Amazing Wombo combo so far, this is a lot like a hard-to-cast it's sort of not a three mana five, five and sort of is a three mana five, five, which makes it one of those high risk, high reward cards. Like it's going to make me want to play some garbage two drop artifact, like a puzzle bot. Like the blue one was terrible and I never played it and never want to. And this is going to make me want to play that. So I don't think I would pick this early, but if I'm in a blue black deck, that's already playing a bunch of, you know, two drop artifacts. Why not give it a go? Three mana, yeah. five, five seems good, even if I got to put two cards together to make it work. The fact that you get the artifact back is really good because you can put it on a creature, like mm-hmm. just like turn your Felagree familiar into a five, five, which I think is, re- that'd be a really great target for it if you can make that happen. Yeah. Um, but uh, I wouldn't pick it early. Same. You know what I mean? Like, like it's not a reason to go into blue, black. 
Um, if I never get, to, I I feel like I'm never going to get to play with this card because somebody's going to try to go Ornithopter <laughs> Tezzeret's touch, and I'm never going to get to pick this card. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but I mean, there's there's ways to make it work, and if you're in the blue black deck anyway, it feels like there's a lot of artifacts that you want. Yeah, just don't play bad artifacts to enable something like this. It, it I, I don't think based on what I've seen that improvise and a card like this is enough to make me want to play just really bad cheap artifacts. There've been formats where I would do that, like original Mirrodin and even Scars of Mirrodin to an extent. You didn't care what it did, just that it was a cheap artifact. I, I don't think we're quite in that territory here. No, this is this does get extra value off of your uh, value artifacts, though the ones that you kind of play anyway because they're they serve a lot of purposes mm-hmm. um like your some implements in that renegade map that we'll we'll see in a couple of minutes here so yeah let us know how it does anyway uh, i'd be very interested to see a really good you know double tezzeret's touch deck or something like that agreed all right Weldfast engineer is uh one black and a red uh for a three three at uncommon uh so three mana it's a human artificer at the beginning of combat on your turn Target artifact creature you control gets plus two, plus zero until end of turn. I'm kind of in on this, but the same way I'm in on the other gold cards and that I'm not first picking it, but first picking a black card into a red card into seeing this, I'm like, okay, let's go. Three mana, three three is not bad. In limited, we can probably cast this on turn three in most games. That's the fail case, and, and that seems pretty good. And if you happen to have any artifact creatures, you can make them into much bigger threats than they should be anyway. Uh, so I, I think this fits right in with all of the others. Being a 3-3 three, is a little better than all the 3-2s we had in, in the other colors, but uh, I like this a lot. Yeah, this plays really well with like servos and, and artifacts you don't mind throwing away. So mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of this. Or like um, pillar bugs or weldfast monitors. Oh, it goes really well on a weldfast monitor. Oh, heck yeah. All of a sudden you're trading your weldfast fast monitor for two relevant creatures probably. So yeah, um like you said, I rated it a six and a half. I think it's right in the middle of all of these kind of gold cards. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm very happy if I'm already red and black. Yeah, I really like what they've done with the gold cards here. It feels like each one has a unique identity for what the pair is going for, but they're not so pushed that people are going to be grabbing them and splashing them or first picking them. So I, I, I think you may actually be able to see these second, third, fourth pick and then be like, okay, I'll go into this color combo and, and kind of have some guides. Yeah. Okay. Uh, last of the gold cards is the Winding Constrictor which is black and a green for a snake uh, at Uncommon. It's a 2-3. So it basically has... Proliferate. Proliferate. Why can't I say that? If one or more counters would be placed on an artifact creature you control, that many of those counters plus one are placed on it. And if you would get one or more of those counters, you also get an additional one. So um, not really proliferate, but kind of. So if you're putting plus one, plus ones, they get more. And if you're getting energy, you get more. Okay. So base level, it's a two mana, two, three. And I I think that again, puts it into the category of, I'm certainly not first picking this, but if I'm black and green and see one, I've probably got room for it. And there do seem to be enough counter shenanigans going on in both black and green that that is a real upside. It's not like a dream that you're not going to achieve. It's kind of a minor dream, but yeah, I mean, curving this, even if we just think back to like Pima Outrider, or God forbid you have your little elf guy that d- comes into play and puts counters on people. I can see this being quite good. Yeah, I'm a little down on it because of the like hard to cast. Like you probably want to cast it on turn two, and you're not going to be able to do that very frequently. Yeah. Um, but if you and and it needs to go in the right deck, you're not just playing this for no value. 
I'd play a two mana two three in if I'm nine eight swamps forests, like even if I don't have any counter synergies, and I should if I'm playing those colors, right? Yeah, you should. So you'll probably get there eventually in the end, especially with the, the green and black fabricate creatures. Mm-hmm. And then we like, still those got, get like, much better. Kujar Seed Sculptor. Mm-hmm. Like all of a sudden putting two counters on a thing. And like I played Kujar Seed Sculptor on turn two plenty of times as a two three. And like most limited hands, you're able, if you're just two straight colors, you usually have both of your colors of mana in your opener. So I don't, I don't think it's that bad, but it's still with all of these other gold cards. And that if I'm playing the colors I want it, I'm not going into the colors for it. Yeah. Okay. I'll give it like a six and a half. All the gold cards are pretty close to each other. Like you can't really go wrong with them. Yeah. If you're in the color combos, grab them. Yeah. All right. That leads us to artifacts. So let's uh, get through those and call it a set review, shall we? Yes, indeed. So up first is Aegis Automaton. Automaton. There we go. Uh, Two colorless for a zero three. Excuse me. Two generic for a zero three. Artifact Creature Construct. At common, you may spend four in a white, return another target creature you control to its owner's hand. Uh, I don't know. I don't think... I think it's too expensive. Like, we talked about not having mana sinks in Kaladesh. Mm-hmm. I don't think this is the mana sink that we want. So I'm kind of down on this card. It doesn't. Even, if it had, like, four toughness, maybe, but three toughness, I don't know. I'm yeah, off it. I, I'm not interested. That's kind of the challenge for me, is like... Uh, the, the Consulate Skygate ended up being all right in some decks because it was a 0-4, so it could block everything. I've seen too many three-powered creatures to really get excited about this. So I'm, I'm kind of off of this one, too. Throw it in the scrap yeah. heap. Don't, don't play this to, um, to get uh, improvised effects. Yeah. Like, this is not a card worth playing to because you have, like, nine improvised spells. I agree. I agree. Well, if we've got nine, maybe we're starting to talk. Um, but if no, I've got no. a, a couple improvised spells, then then probably not. Yeah. Uh, up next is Aethosphere Harvester. This is three for an artifact vehicle at rare. It is a 3-5 flying. When it enters the battlefield, you get two energy. You may pay an energy to give it lifelink, and it's crew one. Oh, this is bonkers. This is, this is like, not quite... It, it's below Smuggler's Copter still. Mm-hmm. But I think it swings a game just as much as Smuggler's Copter did. So I'm going to give it like an 8. It kind of reminds me a little bit of Multiform Wanderer in that you're going to mm-hmm. get some hits of lifelink in an evasion and then have something left over that's still pretty dang good, like a 3-5 flyer. I, I kind of wish it was a 5-3 because like the, the lifelink only triggering off of the power. But I, I've really got nothing to complain about. This is a great colorless card for you to first pick slot into any deck and the crew cost is so low that anybody can drive this plane. Yeah. You, yeah. you could even pilot it with an augmenting automaton. Although th- I think you'd be unhappy if you did, which is a one mana artifact creature construct. It's a one, one and you can spend one in a black to give it plus one, plus one until end of turn. Again, I don't think this is the mana sink that we want. Um, what was that card from Shadow? No, not Shadows. Uh, Battle for Zendikar block. Sludge Crawler? Sludge Crawler? Sludge Crawler was good. This is not Sludge it was, Crawler. This is a this B- is not. Lizard. Yeah, I'm off it. I'm going to rate it less than a, the Automaton. I'm going to give it like a two and a half. Um, don't play it if you're trying to get your improvised cards down. Like there's better there's better artifacts to play than this, I think. Better value yeah, I when think, you're in your artifacts. I think this guy's kind of trash. Yeah. 
Uh, up next is the Barricade Breaker, which is seven mana for an artifact creature, Juggernaut. It is a 7-5 with Improvise, and it attacks each combat if able. That's a big creature. That is a big creature. And what else would you want to do with it other than attack? It's going to trade for two relevant cards most of the time, I would say. Mm-hmm. If your opponent spends removal on it, you're pretty happy. As long as you're not paying seven for it, I think it's a fine card. I rated it a five. Um, and that's assuming that you're casting it for like five to six mana most of the time. If you can cast this for like four, you're laughing, but I think that's pretty rare. I agree. Um, I also think that it attacking each combat, if able, is a serious drawback. Mm-hmm. So like, be aware that that's a thing. Um, you, you may be behind and need to block their five, four with it. And you're going to be pretty sad there because they may just not attack and then let you attack in and kill you. It's like, that's a thing that can happen. That is a thing that can happen. It does crew, uh, certain vehicles very, very well though. Sure. But I don't think you want to put the jug, the juggernaut in your dreadnought or whatever. That's, that's, that's too many eggs in one chicken. Um, next up we have the Cogwork assembler. This is, Three for a artifact creature assembly worker at uncommon. That's a relevant creature type. Uh, it's a two, three, and it has an ability seven, create a token that's a copy of target artifact. It gains haste, exile it at the beginning of the next instep. I don't know. What kind of artifacts are we copying? I guess we don't really know. And that's a really expensive cost, but it's not bad to have. How do you feel about not- a three mana two, three? Just in generic? Just an artifact? I guess it's fine. You know what? I'm going to knock that Barricade Breaker down a notch, and I'm going to replace this, and maybe this is a 5. Maybe this is like a middle of the road with a little bit of upside later on. Although if you're copying Juggernaut, that'd be kind of sweet. It, it fuels your um, Improvise? Yeah. You this, can... is, this is the type of card that would that is okay fueling Improvise. Like you're okay putting this in your deck. Mm-hmm. It's not a big downside. You can fetch it with your self-assembler that you're going to pick up in Kaladesh. Yeah. So, like, there's some things going on here. You could even get it with your um, Doof Mage. What was it? The Trophy Mage. Trophy Mage. Yeah. So there's enough stuff going on here that you're not embarrassed to play this. I would play this in a deck that wants improvise effects. And the fact that it has an ability that's relevant exceptionally late game, and it is somewhat self-contained. Like, there's board states I can imagine where we're both empty-handed and this is all I've got. Why not spend seven mana and hit them for another two? Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and it, if I've got, uh, I don't know, a prophetic prism in play or something like that, I can draw a card. It, it's not a bad ability to have there. So this looks like a solid five for me. Just playable limited filler that goes up a little bit in your improvised decks. That's fair. Um, it goes up with the quality of your other artifacts. Agree. Oh, well, to an extent, but it also goes up to a, a degree with how much you want an, op- uh, a, a, an artifact for like a Dund operative or improvise and other things like that. Sure. Up next, we have Consulate Dreadnought. One mana for an artifact vehicle at Uncommon. It is a 7-11 with Crew 6. So the Barricade Breaker crews this, uh, but that will never happen because this will never be in your deck. Yeah, this is trash, right? Yeah, it's just trash. Like, are we interested in bringing it in sometimes where we were interested in bringing in Aradara Express? Mm, I don't know if I was ever interested in bringing in Aradara Express. And Aradara Express had Menace. Yeah, that's a big thing. So for at least me. it was running over two servos and not just one. Yeah, this seems pretty bad to me. I'm I'm not really sure what I'm supposed to do with this. Um, Here's what you're supposed to do with it. You're supposed to play it on turn one, and then on turn three, you play the aura that makes this uh, plus three plus zero with first strike. 
And then you win the game. And then you win the game eventually. Okay. Okay. I'm sold. I'm going to do that deck at least once. (laughs) All right. All right. We have Consulate Turret up next, which is three for an artifact at common. You may tap it to gain an energy. You may tap it and pay three energy to deal two damage to target player. I wish it was creature or player, and then I think I might be interested. But if it's just player, no. Not interested. Not even for the repeatable energy. I think I could see a deck that would want the repeatable energy enough to play something like this. Um, But that's kind of a fringe deck for me. The fact that I'm only hitting my opponent with it makes me very sad. But just gaining an energy every turn for three mana may be worth it for some decks that are really going into it. That said, I'd still put it at like a three initially. I'm giving it way less than that. I don't think I'm ever going to play this card. Okay. You're going to put it like a one? I think like a one and a half. I like it more than the Dreadnought, but I mean, whatever. At that point, it doesn't even matter. Just because like most of the cards that we saw need two energy to do things, right? Mm-hmm. Most of them, right? That's about the average. Same with, with Kaladesh. So you have to play this, tap it once, and then tap it again. So it takes two turns to get two energy to do anything with it, which is like a plus one, plus one counter or a servo. So maybe maybe that, so like, you know, if you're around for six turns, you get six energy out of this thing i don't think that's enough to make it worth a card i might have put it in some of my whirler virtuoso decks if we just transported Mm -hmm. it into a pile of cards so i mean i I can see it coming together i just don't think it's something i'm going to pick early like it should be coming around if i'm interested in it i could see it working with the modules like the ones that care about the when you get energy Mm -hmm. um but i don't know and you're never tapping it to deal to nug your opponent that's just like that's like less than a damage per turn yeah, unless they're at four or something, right? Then all of a sudden that starts to become relevant if you've got some energy left over. Like, it's enough that it's an actual card that I will probably see in play, but I, I still don't think all that argue, adds up to making it good. I think this wins the award for the card that should go 14th and will not always go 14th. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, Crackdown Construct is next. This is four mana for a 2-2. Two, two. Whenever you activate an ability of an artifact or creature that isn't a mana ability, Crackdown Construct gets plus one, plus one until end of turn. Combos with Consulate Turret. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. You've built your own 3-3. Three, three. Um, are there a lot of these? I don't think there's a lot of these that, like a lot of artifacts that you can get these repeatable effects out of. So this is more like a constructed plant, I think. I, I'm not interested in a sometimes 3-3 three, three for four. Yeah, it, it, if it was plus two, plus two, maybe we're starting to look at ways to build around it. Like crewing a vehicle is technically active, activating an ability on an artifact. So that that's is it? Oh, okay. I, I think it is. Um, hmm. So like it, we're starting to do something there, but it, the fact that it's a four mana two two that's going to have a tough time blocking uh, that that's the real problem for me. Yeah, so I'm, I'm going to give it like. I don't know, maybe like a three or something like that. Like I can think at this point, those kind of ratings are just academic. Like if I'm not picking it early enough, somebody else is picking it ahead of me. I don't really care about it. Um, it's definitely a constructed plant. If, if crewing does give you the plus one, plus one, I should look that up real quick. Um, then maybe it's relevant because you can repeatedly crew things. But even then, I mean, what are you getting? Like maybe plus two, plus two out of this card. Mm-hmm. You're not really abusing it. I think it's difficult to abuse. I think so too. Um, it reminds me a little bit of the electrostatic pummeler, which like there were some combos within the set that you could pull off. Um, yeah, you could basically get plus one, plus one for each creature you have. If that works the way I think that it does. 
if they can cruise some sort of cheap vehicle, but I'm, I'm still kind of out on this. I'll never get to play with the card. I never once got to resolve an electrostatic pummeler because I just wasn't willing to go in on it first pick. And other people yeah. were, they, they valued the story more than the win. I agree. Uh, next up, we have the daredevil dragster, which is three for an artifact vehicle. It's a four, four at uncommon crew two. At end of combat, if it attacked or blocked, put a velocity counter on it. Then if it has two or more velocity counters on it, sacrifice it and draw two cards. So maybe deal like four to eight damage or block a couple of times and then draw two cards? Yeah. How do you feel about self-destructing vehicles? Seems fine to me. The crew cost is relatively inexpensive. Like, this is not Renegade Freighter, but it, it's a decent fill-in with a little bit of upside. Like you get to use it for a little bit and then draw some cards or they trade for it, which is kind of fine too. Yeah. Yeah. Crew two is fine, right? Like it's, I wish it was crew one, but I mean, I can't have everything that I want. It'd be nice if it got plus one plus O and trample when it attacked too, but. <laughs> but beggars can't be choosers. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's like, as far as vehicle goes, like vehicles are kind of on their own scale. Right, yeah. like a, like a five for a vehicle is not the same as a five for a creature. I think mm-hmm. because every deck has room for creature or for for vehicles. I think, um, and and they go in a different spot or a different slot. They're treated separately from creatures. So I think this is probably like above average for a vehicle, but I still might not pick it over the above average creatures. You know, like I'd rather like if if I give this like a like a five and a half or a six, I'd rather pick a six that was a creature. I think over this, um, but. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe maybe I'm under undervaluing the uh, the draw cards effect on this. Well, I I I think that you would rather it just be the vehicle that it is and not even have that text on it. If I could choose to not have that, I think it would be fine. The fact that it's colorless means I would probably first pick it over most creatures, but not most removal. Because I, I I think you're going to want a vehicle or two in most Kaladesh decks, and the the same would be said for Aether Revolt, presumably. And I usually want to be attacking and four powers a lot to be facing down relatively early in the game. Like, I feel like you yeah. kind of get two cards one way or the other. Like they either double block it and you're able to get some value out of that. Or eventually you've hit them for enough damage and you draw your cards back. But it, it seems fine to me. That's fair. I gave it a six. I'll go there. Maybe that's too high. Okay. Uh, up next is the filigree crawler four mana for a two, two artifact creature insect at common. When it dies, create a 1-1 one, one colorless Thopter artifact creature token with flying. It's pretty expensive. There's the colorless tax. Yeah. Like, if this was a 3-mana 2-2, two, two, I think I'd be all aboard. Yeah. Um, I'm kind of down on it. Uh, yeah, I don't I don't think I'm ever going to pick this. Or, I mean, again, I'm going to pick it, but I don't think I'm going to play it. Like, I can't... I'm really having trouble finding a deck that this fits into. It, it would fit okay into a blue-black cares about artifacts deck. Um, it's okay to sacrifice it. It's okay to block it for value. Um, it fuels your improvised spells in a mediocre way. It's a good target for your Tezzeret's um, animation spell. What was that? Tezzeret's Breath or whatever? Tezzeret's Touch? Something like that, yeah. Yeah, but I, I'm not real high on this card either. I would probably say this is a four. Like, it's just one mana too expensive to actually be good. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh, our next card is the Foundry Assembler, which is five mana for an assembly worker, 3-3, three, three, with Improvise. It's below average unless you're casting it for three. 
right? So uh, if you have a lot of improvise and you have a lot of early artifacts, I think these go up in value, kind of like the self-assemblers, like the one didn't make sense and two and three got better. Yeah. Um, kind of a similar way on this one, I would say. But um, I mean, if I want them, I can get them. I'm not sure how often I'm going to want them. There was a 4-4 with Convoke artifact creature for a 3-3 in, um, I think it was, I don't know, M15 or something. And this kind of reminds me of that. Like, it's a little bit of a way to maybe cheat something out if your curve has been okay. I certainly don't think it's bad. The creature type is pseudo-relevant. Um, th- this is fine. I-, I think you could probably do better, but an artifact-heavy deck, this guy looks fine. Yeah, do you like it more than the crawler, the filigree crawler? I do, I do. I, I think I will resolve some foundry assemblers during the course of this this format. And I think I'll often think about putting filigree crawler in a deck and then just decide not to. That's fair. So like a four and a half or a five? Yeah, yeah. I would I would say this is probably a five. Like, don't pick too many, but don't be afraid to play one either. It, it seems okay. That's fair. Um, next up, for six mana, we get Gonti's Aether Heart, which is a legendary artifact at Mythic. Whenever Gonti's Aether Heart or another artifact enters the battlefield under your control, control, you get two energy. You may pay one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. I really wish they'd put an eight in parentheses there. Exile Gonti's Aether Heart. Take an extra turn after this one. That's a pretty expensive time walk. It's a manaless time walk. It's a six mana time walk. It's a six mana manaless time walk. Are, are, <laughs> yeah. Are we interested in playing this just so we can play other artifacts and get more energy? Maybe? I don't know. It's tough. This is going to be the card that people tell me to take on stream, and then I'm going to take it and the deck's going to suck, or I'm going to pass it and the deck would have been amazing. It's kind of where I'm at on this one. So I don't think I'm ever picking this card. Maybe I'm wrong and maybe somebody shows me the way and it's awesome, but I'm going to have to lose to it, I think, first or see somebody else do it first. Yeah. I don't want to be the one learning that deck. I'd rather just take a like a solid creature. It's like, great, you know, I'm just going to beat you down. Oh, you took an extra turn and didn't do anything. Okay, I'm just going to continue beating you down, right? Yeah. You- how, how often in limited does an extra turn win you the game? I mean, cube notwithstanding. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like... It's never a bad thing, but that's a lot no, of work to get one. Yeah, and it and it, it it might not win you the game. Like if it was cube, you know, you're just crushing it with time walk. That's a completely different beast. But in this, I mean, yeah, this is six mana, and then a lot of extra turns after you've cast more stuff, and then you get to take your extra turn. This what is was not that one time part, walk. Part the water veil. Yeah. Did you ever cast that in limited? Oh heck yeah, that was fun. Did you? Yeah. I think this is worse than that for sure. It is. It doesn't come with a body. It doesn't do anything. Yeah, I'm, I'm just not sold on that. So you guys tweet, tweet me screenshots of your Gonti's Aether Heart going off. I'll be attacking with 2-1 for Strikers. Yeah, I'm going to give it like a 2. Next up is the Heart of Kirin. 2 mana for and a legendary artifact vehicle. It is a 4-4 Flying Vigilance Crew 3. You may remove a loyalty counter from a Planeswalker you control rather than pay Heart of Kirin's crew cost. I don't think that second third line of text there is relevant at all. So it's a four, four flying vigilance with crew three. Ah, if you could see the face I'm making right now, like it feels like it should be okay. I really don't want to waste a pick on it because I think there's a lot of better cards and the crew three seems tough. I think you're just wrong, man. I was originally down on vehicles. This is a two drop. And then I turned my play my spire side infiltrator or various other three yep. twos, 
And all of a sudden I'm hitting you for four in the face and you can't do anything about it. And later in the game, I've got something else to crew it on blocks. So you can't even attack into it. It's not yeah. a two mana four, four, but it's not that far away from it either. And when you tackle on the flying, I'm willing to pay a crew. Like if this didn't have flying and was crew two, you'd think it was great, right? If it was flying and had and crew two, I think it was great. I think it's, I think it's a notch below great. Okay. Like, I'm going to pick solid removal over this card, probably? I'm not. Okay, I'm, you're going to first pick this over the removal? Yes, just because it's colorless. I can put... As long as your deck wants to win the, the, the game via damage, this is a card I want in that deck. And it, it doesn't matter what color I'm playing. That seems fair. I don't know, maybe... Maybe I need to go back and see how many three, cat, uh, three power creatures there are and, and reevaluate, but... I mean, it's no skyship. No, it's Skyship costs five. I've already hit you for... If you curve out perfectly and are on the draw, I've already hit you for 12 damage by the time you play your Skyship and you can't kill this. Yeah. Okay. That's a lot of damage, You feel real bad if you can't... If you don't have the creatures to crew it on turn three. Like, if if you lack three twos, you feel real bad playing this card, I think. Yeah. Or do you? Like, even if you have to wait one more turn to get it going... I, I really feel like four evasive power is worth something here. I'm going to champion the heart of Kieran. I like this card. All right. Give me a number. Uh, this is an eight oh, in terms of picking course. it. I think that might be too high. It may be on the power level of the card, but the fact that it's colorless. Okay. All right. I'll give you that one. I, I slightly disagree, but because it's colorless, we'll give you that one. Okay. Thank you, Dave. Thank you. Okay. I, I don't think yeah, I oh, yeah, have no. to fight any more about any others. Um, <laughs> next is the Hope of Gearpur. One mana for a 1-1 legendary artifact creature Thopter at rare. Flying, sacrifice Hope of Gearpur until your next turn target player who was dealt combat damage by Hope of Gearpur this turn can't cast non-creature spells. I don't care about this card at all. Yeah, it's probably a constructed plant for something, but it doesn't do anything for us. It's a one mana, one one flyer, and I'm not interested. Somebody's gonna say, but 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 but, and I'm gonna say, doesn't matter. What what do you care about your opponent not casting on turn four? Like when when are you gonna know to sacrifice it? When are you gonna know to stop your opponent, your 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 opponent's plan? You know, and and get that extra turn that you need to just win the game. You're not. You're never gonna be able to play this card optimally. There's no cards that let you look at your opponent's hand. There's I'm just off. Like, never pick it. I mean, this goes in your deck with the crazy cat lady combo, right? So that you can attack, make sure they can't interact with your combo, and then next turn kill them. So I, I, I can... Yeah, you can do fun stuff with it, but for bread and butter limited, this is not what we're about. Yep. Off it. Implement of Combustion. One mana for an artifact, a common. You may pay red and sacrifice it to deal one damage to target player. When it is put in the graveyard from the battlefield, draw a card. Can we? So this is the cycle that we that we kept referring to. Can we go over all of these and then kind of rank them or or, or figure out what an average rating is for them? Because I think they're all very close to each other. Okay. Well. Okay. So this one is one, and then it pay one to ping a player, and then you always draw a card when it goes to the graveyard. Okay. Uh, the blue one seems to be a bit of an outlier in that it's three mana to cast. You sacrifice it for a blue to draw a card, and when it goes to the graveyard from the battlefield, you draw a card. So it's not super far away from a divination. Yeah, four mana draw two. Four mana draw two. Inspiration, perhaps. Uh, Ferocity is the green one. You sack it to put a plus one, plus one counter on target creature at sorcery speed. It's one mana, and you draw a card when it goes to the graveyard. 
White one is also one mana, one white to activate. You gain two life. And then the implement of Malice is the black one. It's two to cast, one black to sack. Target player discards a card at sorcery speed. And when it goes to the graveyard, you draw a card. Frankly, the I think the blue one is the one only one I'm really interested in, in playing. Fair. Um, Maybe I think the green you, one with enough synergies, but that's... If you care about Improvise, right? If you care about Improvise or Cheap Revolt, I think the green one is good in that in that base. Like, if you're green-white Revolt, I think the green one's fine, but you, you lack the Improvise cards, I think, then. Um, the blue one seems the best because of Improvise, but it's also three casting cost. Um, the black one, or these in general, go well in those... Uh, the 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 black deck where you can sacrifice artifacts to that one creature to get plus one plus one counters on it yeah. because you get that you can get that extra card. Um, I think the one one the, the one casting cost ones are more valuable than the two and the three um, because of improvise and you can get some kind of value. I wish they had an ETB effect like the puzzle knots. I don't know. I'm, it's hard to be mad at the one casting cost ones because they basically cycle in any deck where you'd be playing them and do something. The something's not worth a card, but it, it's not supposed to be because they're cycling. I think the blue one is almost a self-contained card on its own. Like there's decks that care about having an artifact, like and the fact that you can draw two after you've managed to get it down and maybe improvise something out seems pretty useful to me. But these all seem like filler level synergy cards, similar to the puzzle knots. Like I was not excited to be playing puzzle knots in most of my Kaladesh decks. Mm-hmm. Were you? Yeah, were I there any puzzle knots where you're like, "Oh my god, I got a puzzle knot. We're doing it." Sometimes I played the servo one, um, but you could always get them late, and you could all like if you had Inspired Charge already, like you could play that kind of token based strategy. Mm-hmm. Um, green one I never played. Blue one sometimes I played. Black one sometimes I played. Red one I never played. These I think are more valuable than those, or at least I think the green and the blue ones are. Maybe the black one. Like, uh, it's not really a mind rot, but you do get to draw a card off of it. So, yeah, it's tough. I mean, the white one can be good to enable revolt. Yeah. Right? But, I don't know, two life doesn't mean anything. Two life and draw a card for two mana. It's kind of whatever. I think I would rank them green, blue, white, black, red. I think the red is the worst of the bunch. I, I think the red's definitely the worst of the bunch. I think the blue's the best. But, like, we're nitpicking here. Um, I, I think you, I would evaluate how many improvised shenanigans I have going on, how much I care about artifacts going to the graveyard and stuff, leaving the battlefields for revolt and, and then adjust accordingly. But none of these are game breaking and none of these are early picks. Now, ferocity might be good in a blue green deck that cares about some improvise, mm-hmm. right? Because you're going to have creatures in green that want plus one, plus one counters, and you're going to have the improvise in blue potentially that gets you a couple of creatures out early. So don't, don't break the bank trying to draft these things. Like, don't go all in on them early. You should be able to pick one or two up, maybe like ninth or tenth in a pack when there's nothing else, and then maybe there's gravy at that point. So I'm going to give them all like maybe like a like a four, like a three and a half to four, and that's really only if you care yeah. about them. Well, I could even see a black green deck that wants revolt and counters, wanting the implement of ferocity. Like they've they've yeah. got places to fit into decks. I just don't think any of them are like overwhelming. All right, well, that'll move us to Inspiring Statuary, which is three for an artifact at rare. Non-artifact spells you have have Improvise. There is a reason to go all in right there. So 
I'm probably never first picking this because there's always going to be something better, like a solid removal spell or something like that. But building around this card and kind of going like ham on a couple of these cheap artifacts, everything is like a mox or everything's like a, um, a signet or something like that. Um, I think I think that would be good. But I, this is a card that I'm never going to get to pick because somebody else is going to pick it ahead of me. Yeah, it, it's kind of like a three mana mana rock, isn't it? Because you can at least tap it to cast your yes. other spells. Yeah, it's like a dark stealing it, basically. Yeah, that's probably enough to be okay. I wouldn't want to go nuts and just pick all of the artifacts on the planet. But like, if I'm playing a deck that wants to ramp anyway, I'd probably pick the the elves over this. But if I saw one later, saw one in a sealed pool, like don't forget that this is basically a mana rock for your colored spells, mm-hmm. and then could mm-hmm. let you cast something big. I'd want a bunch of card draw if I was really trying to ramp, and then I've only got one copy of this. So I'm kind of out on this, but I do see some potential here. I can see this being good in like a green base deck where you want to get your creatures out on turn four, turn five, like a turn earlier mm-hmm. um, within the upside of maybe like ramp, like ramping out that's a seven drop or something like that. Like if you have a, a series bomb, if you can get it out on turn five or something like that. In all um, of those decks though, you'd rather just have a cultivator's caravan. Yeah, absolutely. Like I'm not going to pick it before that. Like maybe I'll give it like a five, but that means that I'm never going to get to pick it. I'd put it even a little bit lower than that. Like a, when I, that's fair. If I wanted in a green deck and I'm interested in ramp, I've got better ramp in green. Yeah. I think like you said, like you, you'd rather see this in sealed. So you don't have to make that decision. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like if you just get given it, like it's just given to you, you're kind of like, Oh, Hey, this is kind of cool. I might be able to build with it. And then in draft, you're like, do I really have to waste the pick on it? So I can see that. I'm with you there. All right. right, so next up is Sunday, 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 the Iron Tread Crusher. Uh, four mana for an artifact vehicle. It looks like a monster truck, if you were wondering. It's a crew 366. Sometimes you just need a 66 vehicle. This is the same as the RDR Express, right? Like, when did you ever side that in? And if you did, then this is probably pretty close to that. No, um, not being, not having... RDR Express was, a, was a five to cast, wasn't it? It was, and it also had Menace, though, right? And it was like a million to crew. This is only three. Is Ardar Express four, right? Yeah. So we're oh, shaving okay. mana and a crew cost to lose Menace. So this I, is like Bombat Bizarre Barge. A little bit, yeah. Yeah, like, pretty close to Instead of drawing that. a card, you get it big. You get a big... I think it's below... What was the other vehicle that we reviewed already? What was it called? Daredevil Dragster? I think yeah. it's below Daredevil Dragster. Probably so, but six power and toughness is just huge. Yeah, it is just huge. It's also colorless. I'm, I'm not thinking that I'm going to first pick this, but I think I could put it in decks that have a decent number of three power creatures. I think you'll be able to wheel this quite easily, just like the RR Express, I think. I think people are going to be down on it earlier in the format, and maybe maybe it comes around, but like I'm down on it already. But I mean, you pick it up in a wheel and maybe you get to play it. Maybe you just need a 6-6. Six, six. I'm going to rate this a four. I think there's a little bit more here and we may be playing this a little bit more than we're anticipating because I think there's something to this card. Sure. Uh, Next up, we have Lifecrafter's Bestiary. Three mana for a rare artifact at the beginning of your upkeep, scribe one. Whenever you cast a creature spell, you may pay green if you do draw a card. Yeah, uh, this rare artifact I am I'm a really big fan of. I know it doesn't do anything the turn you play it. It's but it's easy to set up. Um, 
Green, hopefully you have a little bit of extra mana kicking around. If you have a, a mana dork, you get some extra value off of that. Or sometimes you just play your creatures off curve. So instead of playing your three drop on three, you play this and play your three drop on four. Um, it's hard to remove. People aren't going to spend removal on it. They'd rather be removing your artifact creatures that are big and dumb. Um, I think you can draw a card with this a lot of the time. And the scry either gets you that land to make sure you're drawing those cards or it pitches land and gets you relevant cards to be casting. So I'm pretty high on this card. I'm very interested in first picking it. Um, I don't think it's better than a, like some of that black removal that we saw, but I might first pick it because if I can make the deck work, I think the deck as a whole gets better because of this card. Yeah, it reminds me a little bit of, um, and I mentioned this card before, but the um, Durable Handicraft, where it makes you kind of want to play your stuff off curve to get a little bit of value. Drawing a card is probably better than a plus one, plus one counter in most cases. And the scry means that, like, if you're looking for lands, you can find them. If you've got enough dudes that you don't need the lands, you can get rid of them. I I think I'd prefer this in sealed to draft, and I think I'd want it in grindy games. But I'm I'm excited to play with it, too. I, I don't think I like it as much as you do. For draft, I, I think I'm looking to be doing more aggressive things, um, but that's probably a play preference that more than anything else. There's certainly some power here. Like, the longer the game goes, the more advantage you get from this. Yeah, and green is not, like, super fast aggressive, right? It's just so big. like green, It's just big, so green is really mid-ragey, um, and so I think this really helps with your mid-game, like your mid-range game. So, um, you know, y- you really want to play it on turn three to get maximum value off of it. But late game, like if you play it mid to late game in a board stall, you're just digging for answers. You're digging for removal. You're digging for bigger creatures. Um, and the scry plus the the drawing of the cards, I think helps you get there. So I'm going to give it like a seven and a half. And with a caveat that I'm probably going to pick it over some black removal early. Okay. I would probably go closer to a six, but I think that's more of a play style thing than you being wrong. Sure. I really like green, so it, it's right up my alley. All right. Next up, we have Merchant's Dock Hand, which is one mana for an artifact creature construct at rare. It is a 1-2. You may spend three in a blue. Tap it. Tap X. Untapped artifacts you control. Look at the top X cards of your library. Put one of them into your hand and the rest on the bottom of your library in any order. Uh, I don't know. So like I if feel, you just I have this, it doesn't do anything. You have to have another artifact for it to even do anything, right? Yeah. Maybe this is good for improvise and you can get some extra value out of it. Yeah. Like if you, you always draw a card, right? As long as you can tap one artifact. You yeah. can put anything into your hand, right? Yeah, we did have that guy in um Battle for Zendikar that was like four mana, one of which was colorless, draw a card, and it was a one mana one two. Like, mm-hmm. this is that with the mana a little bit easier to get and needing to have another artifact in play. I think that's yeah. actually pretty powerful. I think it is, but are you picking this? Like, I think my gold standard for these rares is, am I picking, like, th- some of that black removal over this one? This is a card that, if left alone, will eventually win you the game. Drawing two cards mm-hmm. a turn has a surprising way of closing out a game, given enough time. So I, yeah. I think I'm actually excited about this. It is... It, it looks like you're picking something colorless first and you're not. This is a blue card. But the fact that blue wants to improvise anyway, and then once you've improvised out all of the things that you wanted to improvise, you can just start drawing cards. I think I like this a lot. Yeah, I feel a lot better about picking this in pack two than pack one. Yeah. Right? Because I, I think I think already having the deck and then slotting this in is easier than building around it. 
Maybe it's, it, it also suffers a bit from it's a, an enchantment that's vulnerable to creature removal because it's never doing anything relevant on the board. Yeah. Yeah. I, like, I, I think it's powerful in the right deck for sure. Um, I think it's powerful in a blue deck that has some artifacts. Yep. That's all that it's really asking for. And it looks like blue wants artifacts anyway. So I'm probably going to give this guy, I don't know, six and a half and probably first pick it a good bit and see if I can break it. Yeah, I, I could see that for sure. I can give it a six and a half. Um, I can see speculating on it early in the format and then just sucking it up and just taking really good removal instead. Um, definitely wants you to be controlly though, obviously. So I'm not even sure that it does. Like if you're just looking to ramp out your your improvised stuff and then after you've done that and have a great board, then dump some mana into it, uh, I think it's all right. I think it could fit in any blue strategy. Okay. Next up for us, we have the Metallic Mimic, which is two for an artifact creature shapeshifter. It's a 2-1. When it enters the battlefield, choose a creature type. It is the chosen creature type in addition to its other types. Each creature you control of the chosen type enters the battlefield with an additional plus one, plus one counter on it. So you have kind of like a tribal card here. Yeah, so, and it's really good because it the plus one, plus one sticks around, obviously, right? So mm-hmm. it doesn't get the plus one, plus one, but everything else does. Now, if you scan through the spoiler you'll notice there's a lot of humans, there's a lot of artificers, there's a lot of dwarves, there's a lot of aetherborns, there's a lot of common creature types kind of across the board. So like four or five types of of, um, of creature types. And, it, and the same thing goes in uh, like Kaladesh. So I think you can get a lot of value out of this creature. Um, and even if you get, if you get one plus one plus one counter off of this, and then this creature gets removed... I think it's done a lot of work yeah. already for two, for two mana and it's colorless. I would pick this first pick and just whatever color I'm in, I'm going to have some kind of creature synergy. Um, now tokens would also follow this, right? Like if I named servo, all my servos would come in with plus one plus ones, right? Correct. So there's a lot of ways to get extra value out of this card. I'm very interested in playing this card. Yeah. Even just removing a random two drop from a Kaladesh deck and sticking this in that spot you've probably upgraded the deck because you can look at your hand when you play it on turn two or three or four, whenever you you draw it and say, what creature types do I have that I'm going to play? Right. So I I think there's a lot of value here and I think this is a relatively high pick. It's a a two drop. That's really good on turn two and pseudo relevant later in the game. Yeah. Later in the game, you're going to have to guess more as to what creature type to do, but early in the game, you just pick whatever's in your hand. Like, you know, you have two dwarves and, and a human while well, you pick dwarves, even if you have more humans in your deck, because you're going to get those plus one plus ones right away. Mm-hmm. Um, and then don't be afraid to trade this off once it's got value, right? Like trade it for a two, two at some point. Yeah, that seems good to me. So like a seven and a half. Yeah, I'm in. I'm in. Yeah, I can dig it. All right. Next, we have mobile garrison, which is three for an artifact vehicle at common. It's a three, four with crew two. When it attacks, untap another target artifact or creature you control. So the crew is free. Basically. Except yeah, the, I mean, the creature can't attack. Oh, it's true, but it can block. Um, and it can you can do it with other artifacts too. So if you have a way to like, I guess there's not really much where you can tap artifacts and do something. There's a couple of cards, but it's mostly the creature that, that um, actually, it's, a, it's artifact or creature. Mm-hmm. It's pseudo vigilance, even on the, if a creature is attacking. So you don't even have to do it on the creature that was tapping to to crew it if you have like a a four four and a two two and the two two crews this and you attack with a three four and a four four you just untap your four four yeah so i kind of like it it's common i think it's one of the better common vehicles that we've reviewed so far 
I don't know, I'm kind of out. It's hard for me not to look at this and go, that's the same casting cost as Renegade Freighter. True. We only get one pack of Renegade Freighters, though. That doesn't make it worse, but I still kind of don't have to like it, do I? No, you don't have to like it. I mean, you could do worse for your vehicles. It's better than Sky Skiff. Yeah, sure. It's better than Sky Skiff. Um, It's okay. I'll probably put this at a five. Sure. I'm not going nuts over it. And good colored cards, I'd probably take above it. But once we get into average card quality, like this is colorless, so it's a fine pickup. Yeah. And you should be able to get them late, right? Uh, It depends on how nuts people go. Like people may think this is the renegade freighter of the set and grab them, but it just seems like it's going to be a little bit easier to block. Like it's coming at you as a three, four on turn four. You can even take two hits from it and the game's not over. Yeah, that's true. Um, Next up for us is the night market guard, which is three for an artifact creature construct. It's a three, one, and it can block an additional creature each combat. I wish it wasn't three, one. It seems kind of cool, though. Maybe you can trade with a couple of, like, tutus or something like that. I guess you can't even really do that. Eh, I don't know. I think if you want a three-mana 3-1, three, this is a fine go-to spot for it, and it's got some random text on it that may come up every once in a while. Sure. Um, like, but I don't think like a, I want three-mana 3-1s. Three like a four? Like a three-and-a-half? Like a three? I put it into four. Artifacts are relevant creature type for this set. Sure. Uh, next up, we have everybody's favorite, upgraded to an uncommon now, Ornithopter. Zero mana, zero two flying artifact creature, Thopter. It's free. It's, hold on one second. Mox Ornithopter. That is what it is. That is exactly that is what, what it is. is. So you're, you're picking this early because it's colorless and then using it to fuel your artifact convoke improvised spells, right? Yeah, exactly. If you have 20 improvised spells, this becomes a Mox. Yeah. If you don't have 20 improvised spells, this often becomes an irrelevant card and you're discarding a card to get it in play. So don't be fooled. There have been formats where Ornithopter started to push playable. Um, The main one was the running with scissors deck where you could, you know, get a couple in soul artifacts and put it on there. And then you you actually had something that was relevant. Generally speaking, Ornithopter is not a playable card. It is a cool card, uh, but it's often a skill testing card and that you should not be playing this. But I can envision decks that would run it in Aether Revolt. It barely blocks anything. So why not play an implement over this? Is my That's my argument. So if, if you want an Ornithopter in your deck because you have 10 improvised spells, you probably can get away with playing an implement, which gives you at least a card draw when it dies or when it goes to the graveyard. Um, so I think any anything that you want an Ornithopter for you can probably just get one of the random implements for instead and get more value out of. So don't get fooled into playing Ornithopter. LSV is going to put together a sick three Ornithopter, like 17 improvised deck and just completely face roll his opponents when he goes, you know, turn one forecasting cost improvise. And then turn two, he's going to draw five or three cards off of the, the blue card draw spell. And everybody's going to think it's amazing. And then I'm going to be like, well, that's LSV for you. You know, that's what he does. So I don't know. It could be fun, but it's literally going to be Mox Ornithopter and I'm never going to pick it. Yes. I could not agree with you more. Pacification Array is next. It is a one mana artifact at uncommon. You may spend two tap target artifact or creature. How do you feel like, how do you feel about a two tapper creature? That's probably never going to get removed. I kind of like it. Mm Mm-hmm. I kind of like it. Here's something to do with excess mana. It can enable attacks. It can keep you alive. You can use it to improvise if you need to do that. 
I, I feel like this is a one mana artifact I can get behind playing. I, I don't know that it's amazing, but like most of the creatures we've played lately that had tap abilities were bodies that were never entering combat. And then two mana to tap anyway. So you can just leave this up. If you have to t- tap something to keep from dying, good. And it punishes vehicles. Like they tap a dude to crew a vehicle and you tap the vehicle. What's up? That is very, very relevant. I Probably pretty high pick, right? I think so, especially given that it's colorless. It goes in aggressive decks. It goes in defensive decks. I think it just goes in decks. I think this could be first pickable outside of maybe like the bomb rares and mythics and the really good removal. I think this is like just slightly below the really good removal. Yeah, I think I agree there. It's it's not something that you want multiples of, and it's not something that's like super amazing or busted, but tappers are good and limited and hardly ever entered combat. So the fact that it's not a creature-based tapper doesn't make it bad. It is susceptible to like artifact and enchantment removal, which I'll be playing plenty of. Um, So just, you know, be aware that it it can potentially get got, but it looks like a strong card to me. Yeah, this this goes really well in like if you have a lot of artifact, like good artifacts or good enchantments, because then your opponent has to decide, do they get rid of this or do they get rid of like your... Um, your other artifacts that are kind of running the game as well. So this I could see kind of sticking around in some matchups if you have other better cards, like better targets. So um, I think it's just entirely relevant. I think yeah, it's probably a like fan. a six or something, huh? I'm I, I'm a little higher than that because I think it's closer to that good removal. Like I'm probably going to go like a seven. Okay. Okay. We're not that far off. No, uh, I don't. I wouldn't fault anyone for first picking it over a lot of cards. Okay. Well, next up, we have the Paradox Engine, which is a five-mana mythic legendary artifact. Whenever you cast a spell, untap all non-land permanents you control. So all your Mox Ornithopters. (laughs) You can storm off. I mean, basically, that's what we're doing here, right? Yeah, I I guess that's what we're supposed to want to do with it, is use this in improvised spells to cast a bunch of improvised spells. But I've also spent five mana to do it. This looks like a a fun build-around card for some format that I don't play. Um, cause I'm really not interested in doing it limited. No, I'm off it. Never draft it. Next up is Peace Walker Colossus. Three mana for a six, six artifact vehicle at rare crew four. You may spend one in a white. Another target vehicle you control becomes an artifact creature until end of turn. You kind of got to be all in on vehicles to make this good, right? Ye- well, yeah. Yeah. Like you, because like it's just this- worse than the monster truck. Otherwise, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It is. It really is. This may not so actually I be that good. I don't think I'm ever first picking it, and I think somebody's always going to pick it higher than me. Like, what was the most, the highest number of vehicles you played in a Kaladesh draft? I think I had a draft that had four of them. I had a draft that had, like, two Sky Skiffs and two Freighters, I think. Yeah, with one other I, vehicle in play, this is not busted. It's just okay. Yeah. Because, I mean, you may even be using it to activate a vehicle to crew this. That is something you could do. You could pay two mana, activate, or crew a, yeah, crew that, and then crew this and swing for six. I don't think I, I like it. Like, three mana is really cheap for something I'm, that's potentially a six six. Yeah, I'm going to give it like a. Oh, look. I'm going to give it like a two. Like, I don't think I'm ever picking it. I'm probably with you, and I'm going to lose to it, and it's going to be great. Next up, we have Planar Bridge. This is six mana for a legendary mythic artifact. 
You may spend eight, tap it, search your library for a permanent card, put it onto the battlefield, then shuffle your library. How do you like your 14 mana, get your best card out of your deck? And then for the low, low cost of another eight, I can get my second best card. Which might just be this card. <laughs> Fair enough. Because you wasted a pick on it. I, I don't know that I'm that down on it. This is a cool card, and it's an interesting finisher in a control deck. Um, the fact that it's six mana doesn't do anything, and then another two land drops before you can do anything with it means this is probably not what I'm wanting to do in limited, but the card's very cool. It's cool. Again, I'm never going to pick it. It'll. It, I wouldn't be surprised if it wheels. This This will probably win the award for Mythic that wheels the most. <laughs> No, I'm sure you can do some fun stuff with this in some constructed formats. Like, think about Commander or Channel. Oh, so you you think people take it for dollars? Yeah, or just because they want the card or they think it's fun. Or maybe we'll have the Planar Bridge Challenge as a thing people start doing. Um, I I, I don't think it really fits where I want to go, but the card is very cool. I'm going to rate it a 1. Okay, I'll go 2. Okay, just to be different. Just to be different. I'm a nonconformist. Can we also give this one a 1 and just carry on? The construct? Yeah. I mean, yeah, basically. It's a five mana six two with no relevant text anywhere else. Like if you weren't going nuts over the five two terror of the fairgrounds, you shouldn't be going nuts against this either. Um I, I don't like the card either, so we'll call it a one and move along. All right. Uh Renegade Map is one mana for an artifact at common. It enters the battlefield tapped. You may sacrifice it, search your library for a basic land card, reveal it, put it into your hand, then shuffle your library. This is the um, kind of meeting point of improvise and revolt. And fixing. Plus fixing for one mana. Sold. I'm in. I think this is a very high pick. This is the prophetic prism of the format, isn't it? Yeah, I think. I really think so. Like, I think, okay, what color does not intersect, um, like, revolt and uh, improvise like what color does not have either of those none red red no red even has improvise has some improvise i don't know that it was amazing on the non-rares but it has it so this goes in all of those decks it does i think it is the prism of the format i think it is too i don't think i liked prism as much as everybody else did like i was definitely on the i would rather have a renegade freighter than a prophetic prism um, that said, this does look like a high pick for most decks, but I'd, I'd still rather be taking stuff that can attack and block. At one mana, this, it's so cheap. It's so cheap. This is, I think this is pretty close to like a tune with Ether. Yeah, it may be. Right? Because like, it's going to draw you a land. Right? And and so like, you know, if you need like, maybe maybe you just need four. You just need your fourth land, Right. So you keep this around, you wait, you wait to see if you draw it, and then if you don't, you just tap it, you get the land, no big deal, you move along. And if you do draw your fourth land, then great, you just save this for a really good revolt trigger, or you're saving it for improvise, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's a lot of different things you can do. If you have this and a, like, you can keep this and a one lander, um, and like a two drop with revolt, fairly, fairly easily, I would say, if you're on like maybe the draw, right? Oh yeah, that's your dream, is you have that rare... Four three green yeah. one, and you just turn two a four three. Good game. Yeah, but like this, I think you could play this in place of you know a land. Even I think you could play sixteen land in this, just like you would with a tune. I think you could do. How many of these do you want? I would probably play two. Like I didn't play more than two at tunes ever. Yeah, I, I never did either. 
Yeah, and obviously if you want to play a three-color deck, then these go up in value too. Yeah, and you don't need green to cast it. So I, I that can, is the upside. Yeah, I I can see this doing a lot of work. Um, all right, you have you have mapped out a path for me. Uh, what's the rating here? I think it's like a six and a half to a seven. Like I think there's a lot of cards I still pick over it, but I'm going to need to prioritize this, or I'm never going to get them. But it is a common. Yeah, so you'll see them a little more often. I think I'd still rather have good creatures than this, but you're sure. I, if I'm wrong, I'm not wrong by much. No, no, no. And I think I think where you want to tune with ether, I think you want this as well. Okay, I can get behind that. Cool. Next up for us is the Reservoir Walker, five mana for a three-three. When it enters the battlefield, you gain three life and three energy. It's no Hangerback Walker. No, I'm off it. It's too expensive. Yeah, give it to me for four, and we're talking. Maybe if if my deck really, really, really wants the energy, we can talk. But the the, the body is just not relevant enough. There's way better five drops, I think, you want to play. So I'm going to give it like a like a four, like a four and a half, maybe three and a half, maybe three and a half. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to settle on four for me. But yeah, it's it's not very good. It's not very good. Uh, Scrap Trawler Trawler is uh, three mana for a artifact creature construct at rare. It's a three two. When Scrap Trawler or another artifact you control is put into a graveyard from the battlefield, return to your hand target artifact card in your graveyard with lesser converted mana cost. Does that lesser converted mana cost refer to the mana cost of the artifact that went into the graveyard, presumably? Let me look that up. You uh, describe what you think of this card first. I think that's how it works, which means I can't infinitely loop Renegade maps with it. Because if I could do that, all of a sudden we're going to thin out our entire deck and it's going to be amazing. The fail case of this being an easy to cast three mana, three, two is certainly not a bad one. And you can get some value out of artifacts that are dying. Like this dying and getting you back a two drop or an implement or a puzzle knot or something like that is just fine. And there's presumably other things you can do with it as well. So I, I think I'm pretty happy with the scrap trawler. I don't know that I want to first pick it just because the power level isn't like absurd. Um, it, it's kind of a three mana three, two with some value built in. And that, that certainly seems fine to me. Like having your, your bigger artifacts trade off if this can sit in play and then buy back some smaller things is, is certainly good value. That's true. Yeah, no, it is based on the creature that or the artifact that goes to the graveyard. Okay. So I can't loop so. Renegade maps forever, but I could sacrifice a Puzzle Knot and get back a Renegade map and then do that again. That's kind of neat, but it's also kind of doing a lot of dirtling where I've got an aggressive body. Back. I could get you Ornithopters orn- back. Your Mox Ornithopters. After you sacrifice your Renegade map. <laughs> I see right. how this works. So I'd, I'd so probably like, put this at a six. Like it's a little bit better than the filler level stuff in, in others because it's got some value and it's colorless, but I, I can't imagine that I'm going to first pick it very often. Sure. Sure. Uh, that'll take us to servo schematic, which is an artifact for two at uncommon. When it enters the battlefield or is put into a graveyard from the battlefield, create a one, one colorless servo artifact creature token. No, like I think it's going to be tough just to get this into the graveyard on its own. It is. It's it's going to combo with the the black Nantuko Husk esque Aetherborn that we saw. So I could sure. see a deck that's already got a couple of those and is interested in a- improvising, having room for a card like this. But it, it's probably not going to be a high pick or something I'm super excited about. Yeah. All right. So I'm off it. But I mean, if you want it, you want it. But if you don't, it's not even relevant to your interests. I agree. 
Uh, next up, we have the Treasure Keeper. This is four for a 3-3 artifact creature construct and uncommon. When it dies, reveal cards from the top of your library until you reveal a non-land card with converted mana cost three or less. You may cast that card without paying its mana cost. Put the revealed cards <laughs> revealed cards not cast this way on the bottom of your library in a random order. Essentially, this has Cascade when it dies, which is clearly not as good as Cascade when you cast it. So you're paying a little bit more than you would really want to for a 3-3. Like Hill Giants this day, these days are not really knocking it out of the park. Um, so you're, you're a little bit down on the mana there, but you get a nice effect when it dies. Be aware you may have some nombos in your deck with this, such as Counterspells are going to get particularly bad. You don't want to Cascade into that. Um, it also says you may cast that card. Um, so you, like, you don't have to target something with it. Like if, if there's nothing else on the board and you have another creature and you cascade into a removal spell, you don't have to kill your own guy, that sort of thing. But that's that's sort of what this card does. Um, and it's okay at doing that. But I, I don't think it's like amazing or knocking it out of the park. It's just a fine playable. I think this goes up if you have a lot of three mana revolt creatures. Yeah, it certainly gets good with them. I, I hadn't quite put that together. You don't know what you're going to hit with it though, right? No, it's like a box of chocolates. <laughs> yes, life often is like a box of chocolates. But the, the fact that we're getting a, a decently costed creature that has a cool effect when it dies, I think means this is something I'm pretty happy to take. Yeah, I keep saying this, but like I'm not going to rate it as high as some people. And because it's uncommon, I'm very rarely going to pick it. Um, it's maybe first pickable because it's colorless. Yeah. So I, I'd mentioned too, make sure you don't have nombos with it. Like counter spells are not going to play particularly well with this, for example. Yeah. Do you like this or the scrap trawler? Uh, the decks I'm playing are probably more interested in the scrap trawler just because I want to be attacking and growing my vehicles a turn sooner. That's fair. It's pretty close for me. Next up is universal solvent. This is one colorless for an artifact at common. You may sp spend seven sack it, destroy target permanent. So eight mana kill anything. Yeah, you're. Yeah, if you're if you're in an imp improvised deck, you can maybe play this on turn one and gets gets a little bit of extra value on that. But that seven is a lot. What was the um the the seven casting cost colorless spell in uh, Battle for Zendikar block that removed a creature, exile target creature? I remember that. I don't remember the name of it. I remember that I played yeah. it maybe twice in Sealed. Some people sometimes you had to play it. Sometimes you just needed a removal spell because you didn't have anything. Mm -hmm. You felt bad about it, but like it's it's there. Was it Scour from Existence? I think it was. That sounds familiar. Um, this value goes up. Like this, this is a, an okay improvise enabler, but because it has that late game functionality. But I don't. I I think the number of creatures I'm going to kill with this I can count on one hand. Yeah. So I'm. You're going to be able to get these late if you really want one. I think so. I don't think I would take this as a removal spell. I think I would take it as an artifact for a deck that cares about artifacts and then not be too embarrassed if I don't get a better one to play this. Like running it out on turn one and then using it to improvise something and then having it later seems okay. And all of that adds up to an okay card. Yeah, I agree. I'm going to take it like like a three or a four. Yeah, I think four is fine. If you're in the deck that wants this, grab it, and you should see them, because I don't think anybody else wants it. No. All right, up next we have the Unearthed Express. Four mana for a 4-4 four, four artifact vehicle with Trample. When it attacks, put a plus one, plus one counter on it. Crew one, I'm in. 
True, true. Do you like this or the freighter more? I know there's a difference in casting cost, but this one has a bigger potential to get out of control. It does. I'd still rather have the freighter. Like the one mana shaved off the casting cost is a big deal, but I think this is maybe the renegade freighter of the format, and I'm happy to see that it's uncommon. Um, I think the freighter was a little bit too pushed, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, but th- this card looks great. It's colorless, um, uncommon. It, it gets bigger every turn you can attack with it. Plays well with combat tricks. Vehicles tended to play well with combat tricks anyway. If you had a creature in play that could already crew it, um, because you'd have all your mana up. Like if you had to play something and then crew it with that, it got a little bit worse. But generally speaking, vehicles and combat tricks were best friends. And I, I like this one a lot. I, I would like to take this express all the way to the, the finish line. Uh, I'm going to give it like a seven and a half, I think. Maybe a seven. Yeah, I was going to say like a seven. Just all being right. colorless makes it quite good. Okay. We have another automaton. This appears to be a cycle. Verdant automaton. Two for a one-two. You may spend three in a green to put a plus one plus one counter on it. It's a that's an okay mana sink. Like repeatable. If you care about improvise, then it's cheap. It gets you there. I just don't know if that it's enough to put it over the top. I mean it's a what a ten mana three four? Yeah. On um, an installment plan. Yeah, I, even on that installment plan, I, I don't particularly think that I'm interested. I need to really want artifacts and really not have anything better to do for this to look like a good idea to me. Maybe if my opponent's running me over with servos and I'm a late game deck, I can side this in and be like, okay, I, at least I can block a servo or trade for a trick. And worst case scenario, eventually it gets bigger. That's so slow. I guess it maybe if really I have slow. that snake and I'm getting two counters for four mana, I still kind of don't want it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to yeah, put this I'm in like off. a two. I can see that. Yeah, I agree with you on that one. All right, next up is the Walking Ballista, which is XX for an artifact construct creature at rare. It's a 0-0. It enters the battlefield with X plus 1 plus 1 counters on it. You may put an additional plus 1 plus 1 counter on it for spending 4 generic mana. You may remove a counter from it to deal 1 damage to target creature or player. Yeah, I like this card a lot. I like it a lot too. Um, it doesn't quite grow like Hangerback did, but I can just spend it as like a six mana three damage to kill something if I have to, or a six mana shock that leaves behind this mana sink for later. It also seems pretty flexible on the mana, so I, I think I would be happy first picking this. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm very happy first picking this. You're probably casting it for four a lot to make it two two. How different is this from the Verdant Automaton? I guess since I can take the counters off and do something, they're better. And this I can is do way that better. Speed. Yeah, this is way better. Even though you it's can cast a... this for, for for eight mana and make a four four. Yeah, it's it's never going to be a great sized creature. I think it's kind of a colorless removal spell that also leaves behind a body that you can kind of dump some mana into later. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm I, I like it a lot. Um, obviously, if you have plus one plus one counter synergy, then it gets better. Um, but it's a good mana sink. If you ever put the Tezzeret's Touch on it, it's going to be huge. Ooh, that's really good. And it would stay yeah. around. And it's colorless. I could see first picking this. Like, it might be tough to get me off of some of the really top removal or this, but it's pretty close. Like, maybe like a seven, seven and a half-ish? I'd probably go six. I think it's better than most of the, the commons that we've seen, but I, I could see some of the uncommons maybe moving me off of it. I think it's better than a lot of the gold uncommons. I'd rather have the Unearthed Express, personally. 
That finishes a game hmm. so quickly you don't have time to derp around with your counters. I could see that. Like, I can spend right. four mana for a 5-5 five, five attacking you next turn, or four mana for a 2-2. Two, two. Yeah. I'll take the big thing. Um, next up for us is the Watchful Automaton. This is three for an artifact creature construct. A common, it's a 2-2. Two, two. You may spend two and a blue to scry one. It's it's okay. It's nothing exciting. I'm not going to write home about it. I'm not going to tell my friends and family that I drafted one of these, but... It's, it's okay, though. You, it's filler. If you need a three-drop. Yeah, if you need a three-drop, it does a thing. If it was a two-three, I think I'd like it a little better because it doesn't block particularly well, and it does give you a mana sink. Like, mm-hmm. three mana to scry one isn't great. I think if you took that off and it was just a two-three, it might even be better. But, like, you need some artifacts to improvise with, and I, I don't think that this is an embarrassing one. No, I mean, it's not ramping you very hard, but... Yeah, it's like a maybe like a four... Yeah, I'll put it there, like a little bit below filler level. I think this is my favorite automaton that's next, the Welder Automaton. Um, Two for an artifact creature construct. It's a 2-1 at common, and you can spend four to deal one damage to each opponent. You like it because it's a two-mana 2-1. I do. That has late-game utility. I do. So on turn two, this is great. It can start attacking you, and if we get the late-game and I've got you down to three, well, you got three turns to deal with this guy. Yeah. That said, it's so probably this. still a five. Like, I think I'd take the two-one first striker in red over this, but I would yeah. be happy to have this in all of my aggressive decks. I think anywhere you're fine playing a weld-fast monitor, you're probably fine playing this as well. Yeah, and they're welding buddies. Yeah. Well, that moves us to land. We've got a couple of these to review. Uh, this one will probably take as long as the artifacts did, but Dave, do you want to take us through the lands? Yeah, so we've got uh, Spire of Industry. Um, which is a land at rare tap to add a colorless to your mana pool, uh, or you can tap and pay one life and add one mana of any color to your mana pool. Activate this only if you control an artifact. So it's like city of brass or whatever the other one, mana confluence, as long as you have an artifact, I guess if you need fixing, you can take it. Um, I'm not picking it very highly because I think there's just so many better cards and better fixing that do other things as well. That. You know, I'd, I'd rather take a map over this card, but sometimes you get it like fourth or fifth pick and you're like, all right, sweet. There's nothing else in the back. I'm just going to take the fixing. Yeah. And it, it in that case, it doesn't hurt that much. Like the advantage of something like this is it takes up a land slot instead of a spell slot, whereas mm-hmm. you, your second map may have to take a spell slot. But this is nothing to write home about either. That probably puts it right at a, I don't know, four. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that one. So. All right. That is everything. Holy crap, we did it. Done. We did it. Dur, dur, dur. That was uh that was a lot of fun. We should uh, we should do this again sometime. Yeah, I think we should review the set again next week. <laughs> well, I am really excited to go to the pre-release. So, I was thinking that uh maybe next time we could just do a quick uh or not a quick, but just an episode on uh, how the pre-release went or or what our first impressions of the format were if you uh if you've had a chance to play it by the time we meet next. So, um either way, this was a lot of fun. Um, I hope that it gets uh, gives some value to the players that listen to it and preps everyone for the pre-release. Um, I'm pretty excited to play this set. Me I think too. black is the best color. I think green is a really good color. Um, there's a lot of really cool synergies, a lot of really cool combos. So I am very excited to never open a Planeswalker and uh, and open a lot of those dud mythics. I am also excited for this set. It looks like I'll be continuing to draft aggressive color combinations if I can, but like if the Dirtle deck is open, it looks like we've got more tools to Dirtle with, so I'm very excited to see what Aether Revolt has to offer 
uh, for Magic Limited play. Outstanding. All right. Well, I think that's going to wrap it up for this week. So thank you for sticking it out with us. It was a very long podcast and we promise the next one will be much shorter. So until next time, uh, I hope you enjoy your pre-release. Go get them.